This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 198. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On episode 198 we do the penultimate episode in the Summer Teapot's Top 10 Series 90s edition. On this episode we are looking at 1998. I have another fantastic Three guest hosts joining me on this episode to discuss ten movies and a battle for two movie carry through supremacy. Let's see how this one plays out. Now we'll see right up front, this is a long episode, so get used to it. Uh, we have round tables coming up probably the about the start of October. Two episodes dropping that will easily be about six hours plus, so be be warned, yeah. This is the long haul. This is what you call the I will save this podcast for that really long commute or this will take me a week to listen to series. Yay! So, yeah, that's what's kind of happening here. This, to be honest, 98 and 99 were two recordings that I genuinely enjoyed doing even though I recorded them over a month ago. Uh, 98 gets a bit fun towards the end and 99 when it drops is maybe one of my favourite recordings overall from the entire series and just that everyone was having a blast while doing it. So yeah, sit yourself down, strap yourself in and get ready. But before I hit play on that cinder to introduce the series, let me just get you up to date with what is happening this week. This will be one of three planned episodes dropping this week. Now I don't know what Thursday's bonus episode is yet. I have one locked in as a bonus episode, just nothing to talk about yet, so I will see what that will look like, um, and then I'll put something out then, I dare say it will be something different, you know what my brain is like, and then on Sunday we will continue our Slasher Classics Collection series uh, from 88 Films, we will be doing the next instalment, which is disc number 16 I want to say, um, 17? This number 17 I want to say, and that is Slipaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers. So that is what is coming up on the podcast Under the Stairs this week. So, are you ready? Did you sit yourself in a comfy chair? Did you get yourself strapped in? If so, allow me to say to you, ladies and gents out there in the listenership, welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Welcome to the Summer Teapot's Top 10 series, and of course, welcome to 1998. Have you ever heard of Candyman? No. Well, his right hand is sawn off. He has a hook jammed in the bloody stump. And if you look in the mirror and you say his name five times, he'll appear behind you, breathing down your neck. Candyman? 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 
No one ever got past four. Oh god, oh god, oh god, he had a gun in my mouth. The, the, the fucking gun was in my throat. Candyman. Fuck! Oh my god, what the fuck is that? Fuck! No, what the fuck is that? Fuck! Candyman. Like scary movies. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? What's your favorite scary movie? You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? I am not one of your shitty little emanations, Bannister. You cannot push spirits around. You are scum. You think to put the prices on people. That makes me physically ill. That which is eternal cannot die. Oh, yeah! You were stabbing that vampire in there. Yeah. Can you get a little wood? Oh, yeah! I can make this last forever. I see dead people. Oh, look at me! Look at me! I'm Leatherface! Uh, coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, look at me! Look at me! I'm Leatherface! They've been dead a long time. Oh, yeah! There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. He's got a gun! If we break him, fat person. Oh, yeah! I'll be right back! Where do you want to go? Home? This is your home. You're dead. Oh, you just hurt my back. I'm not dead. What are you, then? I'm alive. And what are you doing here? <laughs> what is happening? There is no out of here. You've been killed. Don't you remember? And welcome back, ladies and gents. So we are so tantalisingly close to the end. I know what you're thinking. I can't believe we have rushed through so many years already. But this is a penultimate year of our 90s run. We're looking at 1998. Now I know you have listened to already many episodes where I've explained the rules but I always get the fear that someone stumbles in to the podcast under the stairs for the first time and this is the first time they're checking out one of these episodes and as a result of that I feel the need to constantly explain what we're doing just so they don't think the shambles of an episode is what the show is always going to be like. Well it kind of is but at the same time let me just assure you that the rules of this series are extremely convoluted purely because I like to confuse everyone and myself. So this is the, like I say, penultimate episode of our Summer Teapot's Top 10 series looking at the 90s, we're looking at 1998. The rules are very simple. I'm joined by three fantastic guests. Um, We've done so much prep work behind the scenes to give you what will be 10 mini reviews of the what we class as the top 10 movies representing this year. To do that, originally I asked each of my guests to pick four movies that represented this year, where another guest had picked one of their choices. We said, right, that one's covered, you pick another one now. So we ended up with a list of 16 movies. From that, each host got to pick two movies that no one else could argue with that would go on the list of 10. So if your math is good, that gives us eight movies with eight remaining. We all had to unanimously agree as a group um, on the two that we wanted to see go into the final ten, which left six movies that were ultimately discarded and put 
on the rubbish pile. Now, joining me on this episode, before we get into what the movies were, what made it through, like I say, I've got three fantastic guests. Now, I have had the pleasure of chatting to all three of these guys on the podcast, Under the Stairs, but I'm very excited in that all three of them here are um, kind of first-time folk to the Summer Teapots Top 10 series. So this this does make me a little bit excited. Now, Andrew's already been on an episode, so I will introduce him first. Um, Andrew, you you do great things. You are constantly working. You are a guy who is far too attractive to have a podcast. I'm just going to put that out there. Just right at the front. In fact, all my guests are far too attractive to have podcasts. We should all be male models. And I am pivoting the idea that we just discard this episode altogether and start our own version of Charlie's Angels, but for sexy podcasters. Um, what do you think about that, Andrew? And how are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it'd be a great reality show. Let's go. just do it. Let's, let's just do it. <laughs> no, but I'm really good. Thank you for uh, letting me join you guys on this. Yeah, so you um, are one of the hosts of the Freaky the 13th podcast, which also may be one of the best names ever. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we're having a lot of fun doing it. Um, we're coming up on about like a year and a half of doing the show. Wow. and. Uh, it's it's been going really well. We actually just released a new episode, so everything's been really good. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Joining you as my guest, another man who has proposed marriage to me an unhealthy amount of times, <laughs> like, like really an unhealthy amount of times. But I'm not saying stop. I'm just saying it's unhealthy. But I like things that are unhealthy. Um, he's one of uh, I, I can't even remember all the shows you're on, Jerry. To be honest, I know you do kill the cast and that underwater space alien kaiju one, which <laughs> the name confuses me. I get tongue tied trying to think it. So, Jerry, you'd be better placed to tell the people one how you're feeling because I won't do that for you, uh, and two what your shows actually are. <laughs> Okay, so uh, a new show is nope. called Duncan. Will you marry me? Uh, <laughs> I will be on there, joined by uh, many guests who will help explain to you why you should leave your wife and marry me, or bring your wife and she'll marry my fiance and I'll marry you, and then we'll all live in a commune cult-like thing. Uh, and it's, just, it's very good, about thirty-minute-long episodes um, <laughs> coming out. Uh, twice a day for the next three months uh but no i do uh kill the cast and then uh the show that you could not pronounce is underwater kaiju from outer space see i was there or thereabouts i was almost there. yeah I, I i didn't make that name for it to be easy to search i just wanted to take an every time i die song and make it kaiju so i did mm-hmm. um and it was all under the kill the cast banner so if they just searched kill the cast they'd find it anyway so i didn't have to care it was great. Smart move. Smart. Yeah, it really is. Smart, smart move. Um, the final man making this uh, <laughs> this uh, sexy rectangle <laughs> is um, you. Also have like you, all you guys have like about a million shows, and I kind of remember them. But you you do cross media as well, which once again I don't know how you have the time to do that. Um, your main one is uh, twenty two shots of moods and horror. Is that right? Yeah, that See? is right. Fucking. Like, Who's the man? Who's the man? <laughs> right, so, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a mouthful, and uh, it's don't ask where the name came from. You have to listen back and find out. But I do want to suggest another name. Uh-oh. If we're gonna form this Charlie Angels group, it should definitely be called Duncan's Devils. Am I right? Uh, I like oh yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, I like I'm this. in. Sold. I like I like everything that's happening now, and it needs to keep happening. Um, I love how we're all being really nice to each other, uh, and what the people didn't 
here off air before I hit record is all of us have said there's at least one film on this list that we are prepared to die for. So um, I'm not saying that there may be conflicts at the end, but I get the feeling it's not going to be called Duncan's Devils anymore. It's going to be <laughs> Duncan is Dickless. Dickless Duncan's <laughs> podcast. That's right. Um, so and, and I'm also fine with that. If that's a podcast, make it happen. How are you doing, JP? You're well, yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Happy to be here with my homie Jerry. It's been a while. We used to record together weekly. We were on a show together and uh, we always would have fun and, and, you know, coming back with Duncan here for the second time now. Mm-hmm. First time on. I can't tell you how excited I was to get involved in this because I'd followed the 70s and 80s and I was like, dude, if I ever had a chance to do that, it would be so fun because I'm kind of known to like debate and be a little controversial with with stuff and push buttons and you know stuff like that so <laughs> i just thought this was perfect for me and then to be on here with jerry and then uh you know now i get to finally meet andrew and 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 record with him too like this is just awesome i'm, I'm I, I demand to be back every time you do this oh yeah if you're on like that's the thing like, if you're on you you don't get off the train that's okay. that's the, that's the problem like even blood in, blood out, huh? yeah, pretty much court uh, court this year had said to me in advance he's like that i don't want to do the 90s i don't like the 90s and i'm like that's all the more reason to do the 90s <laughs> like i mean surely that's the reason to do the 90s then it's like i don't just want everyone to agree on everything there's no fun with that what i want mm-hmm. is a good range of ages but i also like the idea of every year adding an additional tier of rules to make things more complicated because the whole concept of this is to generate a list unlike any other list generated by any media outlet or any other podcast and that's why only two movies go through Um, because there are some years I'm just putting this out here in the 90s that maybe didn't have um, a great output and there are other years that have an incredible output when you shortlist and say only two movies can go from every year that means some guaranteed bona fide movies that would make any top 10 of the 90s will not make it through to the final list so it's not the most accurate list it's deeply deeply flawed but it is the most fun <laughs> which is which is what i'm aiming for it's an experiment it really is yeah. you get you get you know three or four different people mm-hmm. you're gonna have different lists all the time no matter who like if i was on 92 it would probably be different than what ended up happening oh, gotcha. it's interesting to see the process of how we get to the the final two and and then to the you know eventual top 10 it's it it really is fascinating i was fascinated in it before i was part of it when you were doing it before and it's been fun so much fun to even just talk about the films and we had some stalemates and stuff it's it's a lot of fun yeah Yeah, and me and jp were giddy because me and jp both got 98 and 99 together yeah we're just like how the hell did that even work out so him and i were just like little schoolgirls texting each other about the Duncan McLeish concert we're going to. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been a weird like there's been weird groupings of certain hosts that have ended up either doing back to back years or have ended up on episodes with even if it's like maybe two or three years apart from when the previous one was they've ended up with the same like one of the same hosts have recorded with. It's it's been strange because it's all random. It's all picked out. Uh, uh, like a, a, a it's the podcast gods. Yeah, they mm-hmm. must be they must be smiling on us all. Let's see if they're smiling on us all at the end we each well, had, I, I think when we started like drawing names uh, you know me and jerry were like you know we really want to record together we'd never gotten to do it like we both listen to each other's shows like mm-hmm. we really want to do it and then the first names that you pulled were pretty much him and i so <laughs> if, if you want something 
bad enough it will happen but i will say be careful what you want oh <laughs> and now i know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I can't wait there's one particular movie on here that andrew posted in the group chat it was one of my picks as well and uh, yeah I, I was like that. i can't wait to chat about this. <laughs> i broke this man that makes me happy uh, <laughs> right so 1998 like i said at the start we all had four movies that we could bring to the table originally those four movies in uh, total to make 16 the 16 movies were phantasm for oblivion halloween h2o blade i know what you did last summer perfect blue urban legend tommy sphere the Faculty, Disturbing Behaviour, Deep Rising, The Last Broadcast, I Stand Alone, Vampires, The Quiet Family and Ringo. We discounted six movies. The six movies that were removed from the list were Blade, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, um, that's right, yep, uh, Tommy, Sphere, Disturbing Behaviour, although Tommy made the list, so that's a mistake in my notes. Uh, <laughs> well, it it didn't yeah. initially. We went, I think we went and had a long conversation about swapping and then, it in. Yeah, we swapped. That's exactly what <laughs> like, we did. Please, please do not say I watched that movie in vain. <laughs> um, that's, that, that's the first joke we're pulling on you, Andrew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the ones that were discounted were Blade, I still know what you did last summer, Sphere, Disturbing Behaviour, Deep Rising, and The Quiet Family, which means the 10 movies that made it through for discussion on this episode are The Faculty, The Last Broadcast, Urban Legend, Perfect Blue, Phantasm Four, Oblivion, um, Halloween H2, Ringu, I Stand Alone, Vampires, and Tommy. Now, on this episode, the person that picked the movie to make the final list will lead the charge on it. But the first question I need to ask you all individually, and I'll swing it round, is in hindsight, looking humble, having done all 10 movies now, is there a movie you would have swapped out from the entire list? It doesn't have to necessarily be one that you picked. It could be one that someone else picked. Uh, is there one you would have swapped out? And if so, what one? Um, knowing that uh, <laughs> Andrew had a, a bit of a time with Tommy. Uh, Andrew, is Tommy <laughs> the movie you would have swapped out? No, actually, I mean, it, it. it's not that it was a bad movie. I just didn't know anything about it going into it. So oh, yes. it, 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 it's, it's fucking insane. I just don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> um, but no, actually, if I, upon doing some rewatches, if I had to swap out one, and please don't come for me, internet, but um, I, I actually would swap out Vampires. I, oh, wow. I, I just think, I, I, upon rewatch, that movie is just a mess. And I, I love you, John Carpenter. I really do. It's just not your best work. Interesting, interesting. Let's swing it round to Jerry. Anything on the list here that in hindsight you kind of think, well, maybe we fucked up. Maybe we should have put this through instead. I don't, I don't want to step on Andrew's toes here, but <laughs> um, there was absolutely no reason for me to watch I Stand Alone. We, uh, we, I, I have Facebook in 2019 uh, in America. I yep. don't need I Stand Alone. Got it. I'm done. Okay. I can listen to Friday the 13th and mm-hmm. they can inform me of people like the main character in this movie. I don't need it anymore. They do it. They sound prettier when they say it. I can just have them tell me about people like this guy and I can be like, yeah, you know what, Andrew? Fuck that guy. Uh, so I would have swapped that out for almost fucking anything. <laughs> anything. Uh, I put Strangeland in there so I can at least look at D Snyder's weird fucking half face tattoo. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. I, I would have rather had that primitive internet horror movie than <laughs> fucking 
French 80s in the 90s. How are you acting hard? You're French. Your country's oh. fucking catchphrase is, I surrender. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm so happy right now. Um, also, the guy kind of looked like a generic version of William Shatner, which kind of disturbed me. He is a French Shatner, that's right. <laughs> a French Shat. Um, so. <laughs> I think after I watched that movie, I think I went into the chat and I was like, what did you just make me watch? <laughs> and and, and I, all I can say is you're welcome. <laughs> we, 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 we get to talk about it. Don't, don't, don't. Hey, listen. Don't shoot your load early, guys, right? We've got, we're, we're in this, this is tantric style. We're in this for the long haul. Um, JP, uh, anything on this list that in hindsight you would have swapped out for something else? And if so, what would it have been? You know what? I'm actually extremely happy with the list that we came up with. And I didn't think I would be. Um, there was a couple of films on here I hadn't seen. I'm a sucker for 90s films. Like, I still know what you did last summer and things like that. Mm-hmm. So those are like my my comfort food so i if i had to i would have maybe took out something like that i wasn't super familiar with like tommy and brought in that film but i'm aware of its flaws i don't know how jerry has such a hard time with the great family film i stand alone <laughs> we'll find out we will find because out. if i want to watch classic <laughs> family films that are heartfelt i will watch either marley and me or a serbian film <laughs> that's it that's all i need I watched them back to back. In terms of myself, like, I was actually surprised overall at how well the list did come together. And mm-hmm. that's that's not a reflection on any single podcaster on here. It's just like when we came to 99, the, the, the bevy, the volume of horror films has kind of moved back to the mid 90s, uh, mid 80s, you know what I mean? In terms of we were post Scream, so like everyone was now making horror movies again. And as a result, there was a huge amount that I was concerned that when one creating our list of 16 we're going to end up chopping at things that were obvious but i'm actually really glad we didn't fall into a trap that i kind of thought we were gonna which would have made this episode kind of awkward for me and i'm glad that we didn't put blade in um because blade makes a ton of lists online it like blade is certainly one that i almost guarantee there will be comments about when this episode goes out and why didn't you consider Blade? And it's because I don't really consider Blade a horror movie. Um, to me it's far more on an action side. Yes, it has creatures in it and stuff, but to me it's an action movie. It's not really a horror movie per se. Um, so I'm glad that we didn't go down that road. I'm also glad we put Tommy in. Like I've not, I hadn't seen Tommy in years and originally in the chat in the background I was batting kind of hard for Deep Rising. I was like, yeah, let's get Deep Rising mm-hmm. in there. Um, and then when we were all like, no, let's let's try Tommy again. I remember I had saw it and I, I, I did like it back in the day. And I watched it and obviously my tastes have changed quite a bit. When I came back to Tommy, I appreciated it on a completely different level that I did the first time I watched it. And I was like, you know what? That might have been the only film on that list where I kind of was starting to feel a bit uneasy about however that being said there is one first time watch for me on this list and we will get to it when it happens oh. so hmm. anyone else got a first time watch out with i stand alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah i stand alone that was my first time watch yeah uh, what about you andrew any anything on here which is first time watch for you 
Uh, yeah, for me, it was I Stand Alone and Tommy were both first time watches. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so, so the most two fucked up movies were my first time Nice, nice easy watches, right? Um, cool. Uh, just, a, just a jaunt down the road. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like to, I like to put on I Stand Alone when I'm meditating, um, and it gets me through my hot day. Um, Wait, do you understand French? Because most people meditate have their eyes closed. <laughs> so I'm just curious if you just understand French or have you watched it enough that you just know what's being said? Sometimes a movie hits you in a feeling and, and rather than like you don't need to see oh. the you don't need to see the subtitles, you just need to feel the impact. Um, so you would say it's more than a feeling? It's more than a feeling. That's right. <laughs> and everyone has that playing in their head now and it's not my fault. I'm not I'm not taking credit for that. We have 10 mini movie reviews to get to. I like to shake things up. I like to be a bit different so they won't be in the order that we went through. I have some interesting factoids about the movies pulled from my MDB plus some information about them all and we will kick this into gear straight away with one of my picks. Um, we're going to do the one that seems to have caused a bit of controversy in this episode. <laughs> Oh, let me stretch real quick. I'm so excited for this. Um, you can hear it. I'm smiling quite a bit. Um, so my second pick was a little... Um, I mean, yeah, a little horror movie, but it's, it's so much more. Um, called I Stand Alone. This is the directorial debut of a guy who has basically went out his way to kind of garner controversy in his career. And his career's still going. Like last year, he put out a movie called Climax, which blew my tits off. I like absolutely loved it. So me too. He's still yeah, he's still out there doing stuff that is challenging, and that that excites me. It's Gaspar Noe, and his movie is I Stand Alone. This is a woefully underseen movie. We might find out why it's woefully underseen in a minute, <laughs> uh, but it is woefully underseen. Um, it was written by him and directed by him. The movie has a lot of French people whose name I will butcher. I apologise in advance. Philippe Nathan, uh, Blandine Newar, uh, Frank Payne. Frank, well, that's the, Frankie Payne sounds like a gangster. This guy's dealing with Frankie Payne. Um, that's a terrible gangster accent. I've don't... never heard a, a Scotsman do a gangster voice. <laughs> that never, that and should never happen so again. I'm so excited right now. Can you do the rest of the episode in that voice, please? <laughs> Why, certainly. Um, so <laughs> we've got Martin Audrain uh, Zavin Zavin. I'm assuming his name is like New York. It was so nice he named it twice. Um, and some other folk are in there. Uh, the synopsis for this one is, uh, it's a tragic tale, but one that brings me happiness. A, hor a horse meat butcher's life and mind begins to break down as he lashes out against various factions of society whilst attempting to reconnect with his estranged daughter. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why did Duncan pick this movie? Um, and I, I will just say that whilst I, I, I'm looking forward to some of the criticism that's going to come this way, I I feel that this is a genuinely solid pick, um, if not more solid than that. What I had to do in all these lists is kind of make sure we weren't missing anything obvious. Like when it comes to the picks, I tend to let everyone else pick their titles first. And that allows you guys to be a bit more reckless, so if you want to pick something you were almost 100% sure no one was going to pick for your two. You're like, I'm the only one that likes this movie and I'm fucking talking about it on this episode. You got to do that. My job is to pick the last two, so I tend to be the one that gets most of the quote-unquote classics, because everyone else is picking their little niche and they know a certain movie is going to go through. And... 
Yeah, it was weird this year because you guys kind of did the same to me in that respect. My two picks were Ringu and I Stand Alone. And I think it was Jerry had said, I know Duncan's going to pick Ringu, so I don't need to do that. I can pick, you know, something that I want to do instead. And you were right about that one, but in doing that, I then was like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick one for me. Um, <laughs> and I Stand Alone was that one. I genuinely, Wait, so you're saying this is my fault? I'm saying it's your <laughs> fault. Yeah, I'm saying it's totally your fault. Um, like, had you had you not picked uh, Perfect Blue, for example, my two picks would have been Ringo and Perfect Blue. You know what I mean? But you picked that, and I was like, that. I have free, I have free reign to pick one of those movies that wouldn't necessarily make it through, uh, which is it. I Stand Alone. I genuinely think is a, a fucking phenomenal opening entry from a country which in the 90s has really two incredible entries into the horror genre. Uh, both of them are weirdly kind of nihilistic and at the same time kind of very low budget indie fairs. Uh, one of them being Man Bites Dog and the other one being I Stand Alone, which are both kind of strange precursors to what will ostensibly be about five years of horror cinema that will be emulated, copied, and as it stands just now in America in the last two or three years, desperately every movie is trying to be remade. Um, but yeah, this is this is your kind of this is your gateway, your gateway drug into the world of French extremity. This is a movie that predates that whole scene kicking off by almost five years. I think what it does is it. There is a, they're clear. It's an art house horror movie, and it is full of digs and um, and finger waving at society in a way which is, I think, really, really interesting. But it juxtaposes it like all Gaspar Noe movies do. It juxtaposes it with violence. Um, there's a weird link he has between violence and sex and finger wagon um, that I really really enjoy I think the cast in the movie is super strong the the actual butcher the, the, the main character your, your character you're going to follow right through um, is if he's not a method actor he's damn near a method actor because if I ever met this man I'd be fucking terrified of him um, but what you get out of this is a guy who is desperately trying to <laughs> he's trying to understand things which are beyond his comprehension that generations upon generations acclimate to because you grow up into it at a time where your mind is malleable and you can take all that stuff on um, it's incredibly violent in parts um, mm -hmm. and it's psychologically quite jarring it is, oh, of all the movies on this list it's probably the one which is weirdly the most realistic and unsettling, but at times totally preposterous. Um, but I like that aspect of it as well. I love the way it's shot. It has a cold grittiness and a beauty that French cinema just in general has. Their cinematography is always kind of mind-blowing. And Gaspar Noe moving forward will do things with cinematography, which still to this day leave me perplexed how he did it. Um, and just overall, I think it's a, it's not an easy watch. I would never have, <laughs> I would never claim it's an easy watch. And I imagine if you have lived your life having not seen I Stand Alone, 
and listened to my description and went, that sounds like one of those movies Duncan likes, and I tend not to like those movies, then I wouldn't rush out and check it. But if you've ever experienced Gaspar Noe, you want to see where this man came from. You want to see him on a, a, a much smaller budget than he has worked on in pretty much every other movie since he's been well-financed. This one wasn't necessarily all that well-financed. But if you want to go back and just see something, and weird that Jerry's, one of Jerry's points there was, I live in 2019 and this movie is like 2019 on speed. It's like it's like the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger version of 2019. Just screaming at you, get down! You know what I mean? Constantly all the way through it. But you have to remember when this movie came out. This movie comes out at the cusp of the internet, like as we know it. And... It's it's weirdly prescient. It's it's very 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 strange. That every year that goes past, the more and more I think that Gaspar Noé had a crystal ball and could predict how volatile society can be and how how on a trigger, uh, hair trigger it can constantly be. And all it takes is one one thing to push one person over, um, and there's not a lot you can do <laughs> to stop them. Um, so yeah, that that's why I picked it. Now it sounds like, and I may be speaking for this guy. Uh, it sounds like JP might be more fond of this than the other two hosts. So I will swing it to JP first and then I will let the other guys retort. Uh, JP, you had seen this movie before because you sounded quite excited when I picked it. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your experience with I Stand Alone. So, yeah, I, I actually got it as a Patreon pick a couple of probably almost a year ago i didn't think i'd be re-watching it this soon <laughs> because it is kind of one of those films that you know punch you in the gut um but yeah i i really like it i think that i think it's an interesting character study because the the butcher in the film clearly has some repressed issues uh-huh. um i mean he snaps when his you know girlfriend or fiance uh, questions his sexuality a bit he seems to go on these rants and tirades uh, about sexualized things and and not being a, a man or not being i think he's depressed with the fact that he cannot provide for his family or his himself and he you know blames the world for one but he also deep down knows that it's partially his fault and he like rants about it and goes on these tirades and, and i like how it's filmed right like this mm-hmm. A lot of it is this narration of these rants inside his own head and you don't see that too often where you spend that much time in a character's head um and he is a you know disgusting human being so it, it's kind of interesting to sort of uh you know normally with films you get the protagonist there's no real protagonist in this film yeah uh, it's just this guy and and you're watching him melt down and uh be a, a douche and uh you kind of get the sense that it's because he feels like he can't actually provide because he's kind of a failure, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really bothers him, but he doesn't seem to ever really take the blame on himself that much. And he just lashes out into the world. And then obviously there's some very shocking Im- imagery in the film as well. And one thing that I like about the filming is it's very unsettling. There's like this fast camera move, like this snap, like whoosh, where and it does this thing that Gaspar Noe does like a few times in the film throughout and it, it's for whatever reason it just puts me on edge every time it happens mm-hmm. but yeah it, I, I think that it's a very interesting film I don't necessarily think that it's like obviously a great movie like it's you're not gonna have fun like a fun <laughs> time watching this like it's a it's a hard watch but I think the gritty rawness and and filmmaking style really kind of I'm, I'm I'm a fan of uniqueness and art house and, and stuff like that so 
uh and especially knowing where gaspar no goes because i i am a fan of his other films especially his newest film climax mm-hmm. uh, i really loved um to see where he came from this low budget small movie um you could see that there was talent there and and he was just kind of scratching the surface so yeah i, I actually really like this movie nice nice yeah it's, it's weird how like when you're describing it there i'm i'm thinking that the this movie predates American Psycho by, what, three years? Uh, and American Psycho, weirdly, is the very, very polished version of I Stand Alone, where you have a protagonist in that movie that, you know, is a serial killer and is not nice at all, uh, who constantly feels that he's a failure, and we have his inner dialogue um, mm-hmm. pretty much all the way through the movie as well. Um, yeah, so I, it's also quite interesting because, like, when we talk about, like, when I'm saying that the movie's weirdly prescient now, um, Freezy's, like, toxic masculinity hadn't hadn't really been coined in 1998. Um, and it's weird because there's a lot of what I see in here is a lot of what fuels and drives a lot of the internet nowadays, or Twitter in particular, uh, the hellscape that is Twitter. Uh, Knowing that uh, we have one guy on this episode whose show boasts the fact that they deal with uh, horror not only on the screen, but real life horror as well. Um, Andrew, (laughs) firstly, allow me to apologize for making you watch this movie. (laughs) Um, But uh, secondly, tell us a little bit about your watch of this movie. How how did that go for you? So, um, I mean, I went into this really blind. I did not watch, I did not watch trailer. I just was like, well, Duncan recommends it. So (laughs) it's, it's, it's going to be a great watch. So, um, I, I guess I just wasn't ready Mm. if if that makes any sense for a film that is, um, what I will say is like, it's filmed very well. He obviously knows what he's doing. He has a talent. I just don't know why you need to see this part of his talent (laughs) (laughs) um it's just it's it the the imagery is just so disturbing um that i i it to a certain level i can appreciate it to a certain level i can understand like why someone would want to you know watch this maybe one time because i don't think you're gonna re-watch this very often (laughs) but um uh it's it's an interesting story it's an interesting story about a very flawed man that can't see that he is actually the problem in all this but he Mm -hmm. really is trying to he's trying to put the blame on everything else just like everybody does in life Mm -hmm. because you that's just like something you do you you try to find the blame elsewhere because why would you want to look inward Mm -hmm. uh and it's an interesting watch um it's not going to be in my 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 top faves of the year oh that's um, that's a bit that's a bit hasty you've not even let me argue yet (laughs) um no but you know the the acting is really is really well done um the, the, like i think what jp was talking about with the camera movements it's very interesting especially for the you know this being way back in 98 i say way back like it's like it's years ago it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 21 years ago yeah um but i mean it, it it's interestingly done it, it's just not my cup of tea it's it's that's it i mean i i'm more when it comes to horror i can appreciate certain art house films but um this one was just not um, not my favorite, but I still appreciated you bringing it to my attention because I never would have saw it otherwise. God bless your diplomatic review. There. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're starting here. I get the feeling diplomacy is going to be out the window. Jerry, what did you make of I Stand Alone? So I sat down one morning <laughs> to watch uh, this film. 
that I was like, well, it's got to be better than the I Stand Alone song by Godsmack. So let's. Oh, that's a bold statement. That's a big, that's a big bold statement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, this movie, I don't find that extreme. I don't find that disturbing, even for 1998. There, mm-hmm. there are plenty of movies that are way more fucked up than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find this movie to be is boring. Um, I I understand the art house part of it. Uh, I'm sure if you talk to the director, he would be like, "Yeah, all those snapshots with the with the loud sound and editing that was to make sure you were still awake um, <laughs> and paying attention." Uh, hey, it works. It <laughs> does. It worked. Um, it's very well. You start nodding off and you hear that snap. You're like, "What?" <laughs> Uh, no, I just, the, the greatest sin a movie can do, uh, to me is be boring. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what this movie is. I don't find the character that intriguing. I, I, I grew up in the South. I, of, 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 of United States of America. I've known people like him. I've been in extreme enough poverty that I've, I've, I, there was a part of my life where like for a year, all I ate was like a pack of ramen a day mm-hmm. uh, because because we spent all our money on weed and alcohol and just partied a lot. And why do you need ramen when you can do cocaine? You do. So <laughs> I've been in extreme enough poverty that like I, I've had that desperation and, and had the inner monologue of do I beg for money or do I not? You know, that kind of stuff, you know, or how do I scam someone to get something? And I did all of that without being as big of an asshole as this guy is. Um, <laughs> but it's because of my age. You know, he obviously, he grew up as a child in the 50s. So when he's in the 80s as an old man, he has a lot of that institutionalized um, racism and bigotry that happens. Now, I don't know what the 40s was like. In France, well, it's right, um, right after the right after the Second World War. So yeah, so because you can in this movie, you see him talk about how oh fuck the Nazis and all this shit, but then but then you hear him say like really racist or homophobic shit, and you're mm-hmm. just like, really? Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. mad at them because they killed your communist dad, <laughs> with, and that they were exterminating uh, people. And then you're like, but I like their language. Yeah. Like, what? Get the fuck out of here. Like, it was just, it's, it's the contradiction. To be fair, you will find that contradiction in most people like him, whether it's the 1940s, 1980s, or the 2019. There is that always that big contradiction in people like him. It's the word but, isn't it? You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a racist, but. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I will give this movie this. If you put this movie out, today and all you did was make it english and gave him a red hat <laughs> all i'm saying is is that people would be like oh i can't wait to hear uh the psycho semantic podcast cover this with court <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like ha- like like darren and court should do this movie because i would love to hear uh how many times they just get disgusted trying to review this movie mm-hmm, but yeah. I don't, I don't think the movie's good. I think it's boring. I understand the art of it. I understand why people might like it, 
But at the end of the day, it's not horror and shouldn't be on this list. So, oh, man. hot take, baby. <laughs> you know what? I, I think that one of the things that you brought up is a, is a makes sense. If, if you're not in, this is a very dialogue heavy film, like yes. very dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. If you're not into the inner monologue of this guy's head and what his thought process and um and and honestly, you know, like you're you're coming from a different point of view as well, like experience wise in life. Some of this stuff might not seem that shocking to you, or like that. Uh, I guess uh, some d- people different, would... different countries. Well, remember this is this yeah, is a yeah. French movie, and yeah, we beat up pregnant women all the time in America. That's just <laughs> every day. Come to Alabama. That's what we like, do on every Friday I, night. And France, and like it's weird because a lot of the subtext which like, like we're mentioning here, you got to remember like Gaspar Noé's making a you know a French movie, which I mean this movie I. The, the fact that people are still talking about it, the fact this guy's still got a career, just like it's a very ballsy opening film for for a guy who is. I mean, you universally speak to people about the French are seen as um, you know culture. Cla- these are the terms that are used for that country: is cultured, um, you know, sophisticated, uh, very well educated, and all the rest. But people don't necessarily dive into the real social turmoil, turmoil that does exist there. And if you grew up in a certain time period in that part of the world, um, you know, you either have relatives that directly died in a war or you maybe even grew up during Nazi occupation. So, I mean, there's all mm-hmm. these things that, and how that shapes you as a, a human being or an individual. But I think it's more, to me, it's exactly what you're saying. If this movie bores you, then yeah, it's, it's, it's not done its job for you. It's most certainly a horror movie because you are experiencing the inner dialogue and thought process of someone who is deeply unpleasant and there is no way to get away from that in the entire film. And I I can't think of anything more horrific than being forced to see through the eyes of someone that you don't don't like or or Mm. someone who disgusts you. I think that's the the height of horror. So... um, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. You know, there's nothing I can say about that. And to be honest with you, Jerry, I, I know for a fact that when people eventually get around to watching these 1998 movies, I'm going to take a lot of shit for putting this on the list. <laughs> that's a, that's a given. That is a given because I there's it doesn't make a lot of lists because a lot of people don't really rate it. Um, but I think there's something about it. I, I'm not really against putting my cards down here. I ain't going to be batting to the fences with this one at the end, but to put this one on the list for context and let you know this is a precursor for a lot of the ideas and inner workings that within five years will shape horror, just in general. Like, the attention will switch to France and movies like Martyrs, movies like Inside, Frontiers and all the rest. Those movies don't happen on the extremity that they do without the success um, internationally in Europe that like a movie like I Stand Alone opens the doors for a lot of very challenging content that comes mm-hmm. comes out and I totally see your point though it's one of those ones where you know it'll be like the a certain Asian film on this list here where people will also watch that and just go I have a fucking clue what I'm watching here why yeah. did they pick and, it and all the rest and it's just a culture thing I think yeah and I'll say this uh, I love directorial debuts in mm-hmm. fact this is not the only movie that's a directorial debut on our list mm-hmm. we will get to another one that is also um, and I've never actually watched the, the movie this guy's known for is Irreversible and I've never seen it it's not a comfortable uh, watch actually, this film actually like kind of is connected to that film in, in a way yeah um it's 
it's rough. Yeah, so I've got to <laughs> yeah, watch it. it but... Really rough. but it, it, this film inspired that film. It, 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 the, and Duncan's completely right about this being a precursor to the entire um, French New Wave extreme thing that happened in just a couple of years. And, you know, with um, Switchblade Romance and Martyrs and all those films, like there was a huge explosion. It, I remember just everybody talking about those films that were into uh you know horror and especially stuff that you wouldn't see in the in the mainstream and mm -hmm. it just the whole underground kind of lit up with horror there and i think that this film has definitely um influenced some filmmakers who were you know in france at the time yeah well what i was getting at is uh because now i i've never seen another one of his movies but now that i've seen his directorial debut i do want to see more of his films i want to watch uh irreversible and see how that goes yeah. watch climax see how that goes kind of get a three-tier jump in his career um and see how that is and i will say this if you want a movie that's going to make you talk about it yeah this is that movie because mm -hmm. whether you like it or not you're going to talk about it there's so much to say this is a movie that i would that i don't enjoy watching but I really enjoy talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. something you have to get it credit for. So even though I don't like the movie, and I don't think it's a good movie for me, it's not a bad made movie, even though it does sound like it was recorded in a tin can. <laughs> but that's actually probably true because he actually wrote all that inner monologue dialogue after the movie was shot. Yeah. And he wrote it all while he was really, really drunk. I didn't know that, actually. Oh, yeah. He got super drunk. Huh. Uh, so he could get as close to the mindset of the character. It sounds as he like could. Rant, damn it. <laughs> it! It does. Um, now I don't think the he made the actor when he did his voiceover do it drunk. Yeah. But when when the director wrote it, he was drunk and he thought back to when he was extremely poor, uh, trying to make short films and stuff like that, and the anger he had during all that. And but I just thought it was very interesting that that was all done after they had filmed because I was just like. That's like when you dub over a movie and you have to like match lip movements and how vowels are done. He had to do that for like how long the guy was just walking yeah. down the fucking road and fit that monologue in there. Um, or when you look at the ending of the movie, there's all these, I don't, I won't spoil it, but there's all these like jump cuts that's very chaotic, uh, mm -hmm. which represents his mind state at the time as he goes through these visions of possibilities. And it's a monologue the whole time. And it, and it does, that monologue does a very good job of keeping that jarring jump every time that hard edit hits. So does dialogue. Some of the lines in that, in that don't even fucking make sense really, yeah. but it works in that context. And that is something that, that I do really like. I like most slow burn movies get to the point at the end where I just, there's nothing you can do to save the movie for me. There was a light at the end of this tunnel because during that one chaotic scene at the end, it was enjoying to watch there, even though it did start to drag on a bit. Yeah. So, see? Yeah, we go watch on. the movie to talk to people, but just don't watch it with anyone you love. Yeah, although no, this is not a date night movie. Dear God, no. No, 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 like, no. I, put it as, I watched Cannibal Holocaust with my mom because she wanted to see, she was like, what the fuck that movie? And I was like, well, let's watch Cannibal Holocaust. So we watched <laughs> that. And like, but I would not make her watch this. No. Yeah. 
out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's it's fucked up in a different way. Yeah. Like, it, this, this is something that could really be out there, whereas, like, when you take something like Cannibal Holocaust, you're like, well, that's not really real. Like, it's not real life, you know? <laughs> this, yeah, this it, you're very removed from the jungles of the Amazon or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah there we go. See, I knew from Kaka. See, that wasn't that bad, was it? Oh, yeah, that's so why this all seems pay. to be on the list because this is the film that, like Jerry said, it creates discussion. Yeah. Yeah, no no totally. one said fuck you, Duncan, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm taking that as a win. <laughs> a win for yeah, this Yeah, like, it, it's kind of like, ah, fuck you, Duncan. That one's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, and you know what? I'll give this. Uh, you brought up earlier how um, so many people pick classics in this that you get to, you know, it's they, usually it's usually the other way. Yeah, and everyone picks yeah, their own they, one. I end up with the classics. So yeah, they don't pick classics because they're trying to get their like interesting movies in there. Mm. And this year, I think a lot of like for for ninety eight, the classics got in there, but everyone was like, "Here's a classic, and here's like a, a, a more outsider film." Because totally. you did yeah. get you know movies like I Stand Alone or Tommy. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, people are gonna kill me. Tommy A. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is that what the, it's called? It, yeah, it's Tommy A, not oh, Tommy. Uh, I'm thank Scottish, you. so everyone, everyone is just used to me mispronouncing everything. So <laughs> yeah, Bo's gonna be like messaging us, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just double down on it now that no upsets Bo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So anything upset him makes me happier, but um, yeah, I think that's it's one of those things where you are right actually in terms of this one we all do have a very clearly strong probably group agreement title and one which is very much a, right if this if I, if I have a second pick this is my second pick and let's 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 swing in there let's do one of yours Jerry I will tell you right now I've never been uh, so happy um, as to see a little bit of love swung at a movie which is genuinely the whipping boy of 1998 Um I don't know exactly when everyone started hating urban legends, but it's become a very popular thing um, in the last like five, six years of people just, I think, unfairly dumping on this movie because it's a post-Scream movie. Yes, had Scream not done well, this movie probably would have never happened. But that being said, that does not mean that the movie itself doesn't have merit and we can't talk about some of it. Um, so it was directed by Jamie Blanks, written by Sylvia Horta. Uh, it's a a who's who of 90s cast here. <laughs> uh, we have Jared Leto, Alicia Witt, uh, Rebecca Gayhart, Michael Rosenbaum, Joshua Jackson, Tara Reid, John Neville, Robert England, Daniel Harris, uh, Angela Vint, uh, Gord Ma uh, Martineau, uh, Kay Hotry, other folks. There's so many people that will be here all day if I continue doing this. Uh, and then we'll eventually get the names I can't pronounce. So um, let's do the synopsis. It's a college student suspects a series of bizarre deaths are connected to certain urban legends. Jerry, tell us, why did you pick Urban Legend? When it comes to the post-scream slasher movies, this is my favorite, hands down. Uh, it, yes, it does the standard tropes of a post-scream slasher movies, a bunch of good-looking MTV uh, people are running around getting killed and with little to no nudity, but a lot of cleavage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of what you get in a lot of these movies. Very and lack of nudity in 90s slashers. <laughs> yes, they kind of all went for like, uh, we're going to try to get right in between a PG-13 and an R so that maybe we can get the PG-13, mm -hmm. but we might have to go to R for gore. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and Urban Legend to me was a bit more interesting because it did take all these urban legends that we have talked about as kids and brought them into real well into a movie and normally you would see this kind of thing would happen in like some kind of campfire anthology movie but instead this time it's formatted into a slasher film it's how the slashers doing it It, to me it's a very interesting way to do a slasher movie and i don't get that hate for it is it because you just hate post-screen movies do you not like the twist like i don't understand because to me all the characters are enjoyable i didn't really have anyone that i was super annoyed with which does happen in a lot of slasher movies whether 80s or 90s i didn't really have anyone i was annoyed with i liked them all all decent acting uh whether you've got hot chicks and hot dudes going at it I, I don't understand the hate for this movie. I just don't get it. It's a very enjoyable movie. It's very fast paced. It's one of the best twist endings in a slasher period. I I absolutely love this twist ending. I Even though like when I try to put the pieces together, I'm like, you got into a college just to <laughs> like, you followed her into a college. Well, like, like and this was already late enough late enough in your life that you your schooling was all like if you were sucking at schooling your whole plan went out the fucking it's it's called the long con i don't know if you're yeah Yeah, but the long con started but she only had a short amount of time to actually do it because like she's the same age as the chick they they just got into college You can't go that deep with this. Yeah, (laughs) I always go deep. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to comment on something that you mentioned that like this doesn't really get the love. Um, I like it too, and I like a lot of the post scream '90s slashers. Uh, But one thing that I've noticed being in this horror community over the years is that for whatever reason, and it could be purely based on nostalgia, uh, the fact that a lot of people who are older like you guys <laughs> like, <don't get> <laughs> Thanks, are, are, there's a lot more of you guys than there are the the younger generation in the community right now uh simply because you've been fans for longer and are more into it but i've noticed that it seems as if a lot of people will forgive the dumb stuff of the 80s slashers mm-hmm. but it pick and pick apart the dumb stuff of the 90s mm-hmm. slashers and maybe it's because they're supposed to be more sophisticated they seem like smarter movies so when there is sort of dumb moments or stuff like plot holes or things that don't make the most sense they pick on it really heavy but i've noticed that the 90s slashers especially the post scream ones are not as respected and that the little stuff matters so much more than it did in the in the frankly bad stuff of the 80s slashers i mean all of the 80s slashers have one or two things in them that are oh yeah don't make sense or or or, you know plot holes but we we always ignore them for whatever reason it's it's, i I hate it (laughs) it's it's, there there is a weird thing i'll I'll piggyback on on that comment there um not because i'm the oldest here uh (laughs) but i i do agree in a lot of respects that one i think for me like I like Scream is like one of the most important movies to me and that I was what I was 15 16 when that movie came out and I got to see it at the cinema I, I had to like blag my way in as an older person to actually see that movie and it blew my mind totally blew my mind and then I 
followed right through happily watching I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, sorry, I Know What You Did Last Summer, um, Urban Legend, and, and a, a plethora of, uh, you know, teen-based horror movies because I was a teenager and it was mm-hmm, cool mm-hmm. to see, even if they were played by people who were maybe a bit older than teens, um, it was cool <laughs> seeing horror go back to the high school because it just hadn't been there and it was the just the right time for me that... You know, I roll with it. A lot of these movies are at times inherently flawed, but you are right, 80s movies are inherently flawed as well. I don't give the 90s movies nearly as much grief as I do the kind of slasher remakes of the 2000s. And the reason I give those movies grief over, you know, flawed interpretations of them from the 80s is that you are remaking that movie with mm-hmm. like you know you're remaking that movie 25 years later where you should yeah, you're a, getting a second try you should clean up some yeah, of the exactly stuff. where you should have you would like to think better writers better effects at hand better actors a bigger budget you know all all the things that make like friday the 13th a scrappy movie come out of the fact that they couldn't really afford to hire anyone <laughs> you know what right. i mean and like they had to work on shoestrings and make these movies happen by the time you reach 90 sorry well 2008 2009 and you're getting the friday remake you're talking about a, like a 30 million dollar movie big star cast you know lots of money for practical effects like you've got all that stuff there and when you make dumb mistakes in a movie like that, I feel that that is indicative of how serious you're taking the project as opposed to, you know, just like plot holes in a movie. That being said, Urban Legends does have some, like the 90s slashers do have some goofy things. The argument that's flung around is an interesting one to an extent, it's not one I sign up to, is that Scream is supposed to reset the scales. Like Scream comes out basically saying, this is all the things that are silly about slasher horror movies, like people running up the stairs when they should be running out the door, you know, killers that seem indestructible when really if you just throw something at them that should stop them, you know, all these things, it goes through and it, part of its charm is the fact that it is so meta, it picks apart the, it almost dissects the critique of 80s slasher movies, that what I think a lot of people expected is a higher class of slasher movies after that and when people just started doing scream clones it kind of felt like on some level well not all all the genre is doing is doing it's repeating the same mistakes of the 80s now the counter argument to that that you very very well put um there jp is that if it was all right in the 80s then why is it not all right in the 80s and if you like scream what's wrong with watching a movie that's like scream um, and I'm totally 100% with you on that one. I don't think... There's a reason I like Urban Legends is the fact that, at least in this one, like, you watch uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, it's it's a Scream clone without the the meta stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a mystery that unfolds. Urban Legends is a meta movie. It's meta. All, all the meta aspect of it is, is it's uncertain all these things that kids tell each other as a way to scare the shit out of each other growing mm-hmm. up. All these things that are grounded... You've got that Killer Legends documentary from a couple of years ago, which investigates urban legends and the, the the roots of them in American society. And all that movie's doing is taking that aspect and putting it in. And you, you're you right, Jerry, that in any other day, this movie would have been an anthology where a killer was killing people in different, you know, urban yeah. legends. I never thought of that, but it totally makes sense. And yeah, you wouldn't have it all put together. And that's what makes it brilliant, is this killer is... the. 
it's preposterous. It doesn't make any sense, and they should be like, like when you start picking it apart. But that's part of its charm is that you get to see these things that, as a kid, your friends would tell you to yeah. terrify the it's- shit out of you on the big screen, and there's nothing more scary than that because you grew up listening to it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think Urban Legends is great. I really, I really do. It, I mean, uh, even watching it now, there's and it's all nostalgia for me. I watch it now. I remember being. Fucking, I'd left high school the year this movie came out. So I just remember back at that, hanging around with my friends, um, you know, buying in some beers, getting some popcorn, sitting down and watching this movie on VHS in 99, and just <laughs> absolutely having a ball with it. So, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that comes back. Sure, people can sit there and well, that doesn't make yeah. sense. He didn't do this and he didn't do that. But if we're, if we're going to go down that road to horror movies, we might as well just not, not bother watch horror movies. Yeah, we yeah. might as well not watch them anymore. So, um, Andrew, you were yeah. going to say something. Yeah, no. Uh, Urban Legends, I, I, this, so the later half of the 90s is kind of my sweet spot for when I fell in love with horror. Like, that's just when it happened. That's like when, we, you know, we were going to the theater to see movies like The Faculty and see mm-hmm. movies like Urban Legend. And so it, it, for me, maybe it's nostalgia or maybe I just like it. <laughs> like, is that fair? <laughs> Can I just like something? Um, I, I, this, this movie is preposterous. It is ridiculous, but it also is one of those movies that you have so much fun watching because it reminds you of reading books like Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark or like, you know, those the campfire stories that you heard as a kid. Mm -hmm. And it brings it to life and then puts it into one of your favorite genres of a slasher movie. Like, I don't know how I can't like this movie. I, I think it's it's casted perfectly i mean this is the 90s cast that you need in your life i mean i think there's i think there's only other one other movie on this list that maybe challenges the the, the casting of like these late 90s yeah. uh teens um but i i'm i'm with jerry on this one i i don't know why this movie gets hate it if you don't like total eclipse of the heart maybe that's maybe that's why i don't know but um i i I unabashedly love this movie i own it on blu-ray i was happy to give it a rewatch yeah i think that for me this one this is one that i saw in the early 90s too probably around when it came out i was probably like seven years old um eight years old and uh i i just really like the uh concept right like the concept to me overweighs like the fact that like okay what would happen if the gas station attendant didn't say like there's someone in the back seat or something you know totally I mean? like it you're out were you just gonna sit there forever like <laughs> it, 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 there's you know problems with the con you know the the actual execution of some of the the myths but i just like the concept more to where i don't really care that much mm-hmm. yeah i think that that i think movies can make you feel that way right like if if you enjoy the idea more than you know the problems with it then i kind of you know brush those problems off sometimes they don't they don't bother me as much and i love the robert england scene with the pop rocks and and this the mm-hmm. pop because um when i was a kid you know that was that was a popular one that i would hear um and then i would always cite this movie i'd be like it's not real have you seen urban legend yet? <laughs> <laughs> that's the proof that's the yeah, proof yeah that's the proof right <laughs> um but yeah of course nobody had because i was like eight <laughs> i was a weirdo you know a horror fan nobody else really was around me but uh yeah i love that scene i love you know brad Dourif and it, it's I love the cat. It, it really is a fun movie. I've seen this recently too, and I, I was happy to revisit it. I used to watch this one all the time, but yeah, it is it is one of the cooler post scream slashers, and especially because 
they actually have like a, an interesting idea instead of just like a, you know, random killer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. And I, I want to, I, I love finding, uh, deep meanings in movies that don't really need deep meanings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have one for urban legend. Okay. So, uh, in urban legend, uh, the main actress, uh, she's constantly dealing with the guy who runs the, uh, college and he's basically sweeping everything under the rug, which is something we hear a lot about with these big colleges. Um, a lot of times with rape cases where it's kind of handled in the college courtroom and swept under the rug until mm -hmm. it becomes a much bigger problem later down the road and blows up big in their face. Mm -hmm. And that happens in this movie where they kind of go, instead of them saying, oh, well, you were drunk, so you partying in the frat, blah, blah, blah. And this one's like, no, you know, the goth girl was just a goth girl, or that's ridiculous, that doesn't happen, it's an urban legend. And they constantly sweep it on the rug until it blows up into this huge thing. And this happens not only in universities, but in a lot of different places. And you can easily tie this movie to that um, giant organization leader head not wanting the image that represents them tarnished. The mayor by... from <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, they don't want their image tarnished. So they want to sweep all of these things under the rug. And what lasts longer than any image than an urban legend? That goes on forever. <laughs> And eventually an urban legend can take place with a school or university. Like, I'm sure somewhere down the road, there's going to be an urban legend about like a school shooting or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, did you ever see the sequel? Because they, you're, you're kind of on the right track. Yeah, you I actually track. haven't. Yeah, they, they, this is the urban legend. <laughs> like, yeah. this was an urban legend. That oh, this okay. Yeah. Where they set up at the end of the movie. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, but, yeah, that, I mean, go Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like, because uh, JP's used to me doing this because I used to do it on Married with Children all the time where I'd find some weird meaning into it. But to me, no, I think you're this, right. Is, I think they, this is yeah. movie is all about protecting your image and what happens when you can no longer protect that image. When the bodies start tacking, stacking high and the accusations are flying and you can't mm -hmm. trust anyone, it's all going to break down and hit a melting point. And we see that constantly now and when the big thing when the big news bust all of a sudden they look back and go oh well this happened two years ago and four years mm -hmm. ago and five years ago and holy shit this has been happening for a long time why did no one say it and then you find out that it's all been covered up and swept aside until it can no longer be done it finally reached a melting point and urban legend is a this movie is a good representation of that so if you want your slasher to have meaning Look at that! I just gave you the metaphor on a silver platter. Well, and to build and to build off of that, like it's really about uh, our main actress and her trying to save face and uh, something that she did that mm -hmm. she doesn't really want to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. even the victim is guilty, mm -hmm. and sometimes mm -hmm. that makes it. It's the same. Like it goes, oh well, you were drinking, so it's your fault. It's the same way with her where she goes oh well you killed someone so it's your fault in, yeah. in the in the eyes of who mm. ends up being the slasher and it's it's one of those things where it's like no just because i drank this one time or yes i accidentally committed manslaughter like broderick in the 80s doesn't mean that i'm guilty for the rest of my life and you can't judge this new situation 
based on that. Um, right. Like, especially when you, uh, a lot of rape cases have this problem where they try to, oh, well, she drank all the time. And it's like, so? How does that fucking affect someone else taking advantage of it? It makes no fucking sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I hit my yeah. foot in the sh- with a shovel for your taxes. It yeah. makes any sense. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, I think the only, like, there's only one, there's one main part of this movie that has always stuck out to me as, like, why did you do that? And it's the very end. Mm. It's the it's the very end where, how in the hell do you go flying out of a window and then end up in the backseat of their car? It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of those moments in that one. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's just that is, but then by that point, like, it, the, I, I Wait, are we talking I, about H2O or Urban Legend? I forget. <laughs> well, this is bit, like, it, it, it kind of, like, slashers in the 90s go the way that Jallos did in the 70s, and that, like, the end scenes just get even more preposterous, and I love every second, because they, yeah. they, they hope you are so in by this point that you forget about things like gravity, physics, you know, <laughs> science. Uh, and I, I totally... Do. story writing. <laughs> right, there we go. So we're all we're all kind of on point with that one, which is which is good. Um, let's turn it to a movie that Andrew picked. Andrew, I was over the moon when you picked this one. This is another movie that kind of has been condemned to the, the, the lost bin of time. Um, <laughs> this movie is biggest selling point on all its promotional art for when it was released was that um, that it preceded the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was its selling point, really. Instead of leaning into some of the things that I think the movie did really well, its big selling point was it's found footage and it came out before Blair Witch. <laughs> um, so there you go. In actual fact, it was shot about the same time as Blair Witch. It just made its way out quicker. And all of it shot about the same time, it cost a whole hell of a lot less. And I think they did this movie for under a grand, which is um, nuts. You know, it was like under a thousand dollars. Yeah, ninety um, percent of that was just the buffet table. I think yeah, I, I think probably was to be honest with you. Uh, it was catering, and that was about it. Um, this is the last broadcast. I'm so looking forward to to, to jumping in after your chance to talk about Andrew because I have so much to talk about when it comes to the last broadcast. It's a movie that I, I genuinely love with with mm-hmm. uh, more fibre than I should. Uh, but it's written and directed by Stefan Avalos and Lance Wheeler. Um, the cast list is. Stefan Avalos and Lance Wheeler, Rain Clobbers, um, Jim Seward and David Beard. Um, all the guys here are basically playing versions of themselves to an extent here with variations on their name. Once again, it's because they're all friends making a movie. The synopsis for this one is a film crew ventures into the forest in search of the mythical Jersey Devil. Why don't you do a show about the Jersey Devil? And that literally terrified me for about a month. Um, so, and hopefully my listeners as well. You're welcome. Um, Andrew, why did the last broadcast make your list? Um, oh, I think, first of all, uh, the last broadcast is like really highly underseen. And, mm-hmm. and I think that you're, you're very correct in that now that it, it gets lumped into this, well, it came out before Blair Witch. So, you know, that that's the movie. And um, I think unfairly so, because I think there's merits in there of this movie in and of itself. I mean, uh, the fact that they went out and made this movie for like pennies on the dollar and still had a great idea and still executed this to the best of their ability, given what they had to work with. Because I think if you gave this, 
if you give this movie like a decent budget this would be a classic at this point mm -hmm. but because it's it's kind of done more shoddily you know it, let's be fair you know they didn't have like the equipment or probably a lot of stuff that they wanted to really do this movie the justice but where it really shines is in the storytelling and the way that they are in in and of itself like meta about things that they are doing and kind of how it, it bleeds in kind of that journalism side of it with like the actual footage and um and you know and to be honest with you when was the last time you heard a movie uh, talking about the jersey devil they just don't like yeah. it, it's not really like a popular subject so that i thought was just that's what sold me at first when i first heard about this movie i was like oh I, I don't even know what the Jersey Devil is. And that sent me down a whole nother wormhole of like investigating <laughs> that and like figuring out what that was all about. And then on top of that, they throw in this end that is. Well, it's the bit that people either, you either jump with the end of this movie and you're on board with it or the end of this movie breaks the movie for you. Oh, I'm on board. I think it's, I think it's one of the best twist endings in some of these movies that, that you are not expecting a twist ending. I think a lot of these movies, you're watching it to be like, oh, when's the twist going to happen? When's the twist going to happen? This movie plays itself very straightforward until you get this out of the blue twist ending that mm -hmm. I think is honestly brilliant. Um, and, you know, was before a lot of other people were trying to do this sort of like, you know, last five minutes are going to blow your mind. You know, <laughs> like I think a lot of a lot of movies that do that kind of advertise themselves in that way. And I think this movie comes across as much more straightforward. And then you kind of are blown away by the last five minutes because you weren't expecting it. Yeah, I think um, I, I just want to jump in like super quick. I saw the last broadcast um, so Blair Witch had come out, I'd already seen the Blair Witch and then last broadcast came out on VHS like very very quickly after so same, same and, for me yep, uh, I was working in a video store at the time and like the cover basically mentioned the Blair Witch I was like oh, okay I'm going to check this movie out and I took it home and I watched it and I was genuinely unnerved <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I was genuinely nerved because it felt so fucking real. And I think that's, I think, because uh, the Blair Witch Project is a bunch of teens making a documentary. And I very much knew, even though the marketing was incredible for that movie, I very much knew that the movie was a movie. Um, mm -hmm. The last broadcast, I very much knew that the movie was a movie, but it's posited that this is a amateur filmmaker who's doing a documentary and you're going to watch him and it's static and people aren't running through woods and he's recapping things that have been done and the actor is not great in the movie at times but what sold the movie for me is that the movie continually moves forward with this investigation of a case instead of but this movie could have very if this was the Blair Witch version of this movie it would have just been the found footage that was taken right, together right. and clipped. It would have been what the the killer cutter had put together to get them, you know, uh, you know, to get Jim prosecuted. That's what you would have saw. But what you get here is a guy in between, like breaking down the things, pointing out, the, and, you know, discrepancies. And what this is is the pro making a murderer. This is what we now. This is what is huge right now on Netflix. Right. And HBO, it's some some person out there taking a case and pointing out all the flaws in it. The last broadcast did that back then in a way which really kind of captured my imagination. The the ending is the bit that breaks people, and I don't necessarily even think it's because of the twist reveal, so to speak, at the end. I think it's the 
the very clear choice to break the wall of where the camera is. So sure. we're now watching it from a different perspective and we're now watching as a viewer a movie um, and where the rest of the movie has been hypothesized as a documentary we're watching, you're watching the movie. There is something so clever about the way this movie sets out its story, the way it has this idea of how people will insert themselves into a case. You'd read up about serial killers. You read about that there is this weird aspect of where people genuinely will, the, the perpetrator will genuinely try and insert themselves into the case. And this is one of the more interesting ways of doing it. Um, I actually really like the main cast here. I, I'm not necessarily as fond of the people on the fringes they investigate and you know ask <laughs> questions about. There are a couple that are okay, some not so much. Um, but the main cast here, I think, like when you see Stephen and Lucas, um, they feel very much like there are programs that you probably would have stumbled onto in the nineties that were on public access that were <laughs> kind of shoddly shot and and all the rest. And um, the whole idea of factor fiction as a concept, I think, is really mm -hmm. really interesting. Um, but to me, the, the the one that steals the show for me, uh, in, in a lot of respects, is the character of Jim, this guy who is an outcast who's trying to fit in, who likes a little bit of magic, and when they explain how he set almost set them up and it's a double-edged sword he sets them up to be part of their gang um, but also this will be used against him by the the prosecution is he planned this all along and mm -hmm. then you have the creepy like base <laughs> basey voice of David Lee the filmmaker who's breaking down absolutely everywhere why would he go this way when he knew that you know like you hear his voice all the way through it it's an unnaturally deep voice for a guy who looks so skinny I'm just saying <laughs> really really does but when you bring all that together I remember watching the last broadcast for the first time and it genuinely unnerved me right to the end and I remember switching off and going that is a that is a really good film and then like returning it and then not giving it a second thought and I've told this story many times on this show about five years later I start having this recurring dream um, and it's like I am the the <laughs> I am the woman <laughs> I am a guy doing editing on this footage to try and find out who a killer is uh, so I'm being the woman in this movie in a lot of respects and as I'm piecing together that image the image of the face screaming starts to come in and the movie would always the dream would always end the same way that character ends in the movie like turning around and seeing the person whose face I was putting together I had this recurring for about a week it was fucking horrible it was a horrible horror and I was very much aware as the dream was starting to creep in every night oh no here we go I'm gonna die um, I bought this movie on VHS because you couldn't buy it on DVD. I, don't, I still don't think you can get this on DVD in the UK. Um, it's never been given a Blu-ray re release. Probably will never get a Blu-ray release. Um, no. But I bought this movie. As soon as I bought the movie, the dreams stopped happening. I never had the dreams after that. It was almost like my subconscious was telling me five oh, years weird. later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had it with a few movies, actually. It was almost like my subconscious was like, you need to watch this movie again. <laughs> um, bought it and as soon as I what as soon as I bought it didn't have the dream again um, and it stuck with me since then I've done an in reverence on this movie because it did have a profound impact on me um, and what excited me about this turning the conversation round is uh, 
JP has been specifically keeping us up to date in our chat that we have on when you were watching certain movies, how far you were in them and all the rest. And memory serves a good couple of weeks ago you were like that, watching the last broadcast about half the way through it, really digging it. Um, I'm interested to know if that feeling lasted to the end. And just in general, what your experience, had you seen this one before or is this a kind of so first watch for you? I've never seen it before. I have been aware of it because um, I do really like the Blair Witch Project and found footage in general. Mm -hmm. I've always been a fan of it. Um, And I even remember hearing about this film way back when that came out as a kid but back it was i would look for it in my video store and i can never it i'd never seen it anywhere it wasn't a very popular movie in mm-hmm. in my you know state i guess like it just i didn't never really knew anybody who had seen it i i'd known about it forever i actually almost picked it as one of my like halloween marathon picks last year but i thought it might be a little too slow after talking to some people mm-hmm. uh for a group and it probably would have been um but yeah so i was i was i've always been like saving this one like to actually cover it on a podcast or like for i do that a lot where if there's a film that i haven't seen yet that i know is like kind of popular i'll kind of save it until um i could uh you know talk about it or something and uh yeah i was very very happy with it because it's like right up my alley man it it's just something that if i was flipping through the channels in the 90s and this was on like it probably would have scared the hell out of me. You know what I mean, like I just love stuff like this. Like, yeah, it's it's slow, but it, there's just something so charming about the techniques and the do-it-yourself mentality that is behind this film. And to truly capture something interesting and um, you know scary to uh, with no money and just it, it has the same reasons that I love the Blair Witch is it's just an interesting concept. The editing is really fun because it it's pieced together like a documentary and Mm. it's just like where how do you go about you know scripting that do you like just film a bunch of stuff and mash it together and see what works like i start thinking about the filmmaking side of it a lot and uh i love the how it feel it actually looks authentic right Mm -hmm. like the, the public access stuff looks authentic and it's like a time capsule too because you have this like talk of the internet and stuff but it's like early you know dial-up style internet and irc chat i'd like every time i hear that i like i (laughs) age like that gif from that demon you know where it just becomes like like, because like like, you remember like for a lot of people like whatsapp and facebook messenger is like online chat and that's the way it's always been i'm like no let me cast your mind back to an earlier time where you used to listen to a, a modem spaz out for 10 minutes before you might get, you might be half halfway through typing something to your friend and the internet went out and you couldn't send it. That was it. That Somebody was a game of house and kicked you offline. Yeah, someone hard. lifted the phone. Someone answered the phone yeah. uh, and that would be you. You'd be like, don't answer the phones on the net. <laughs> it's very important I'm on ICQ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but um i I just love the authenticity of that and the time capsule nature and honestly it's it it was a different story than i expected i literally expected it to be because it's always you're right it's always lumped with the Blair witch yeah i expected it to be you know three people go out to document the jersey devil and then it's like you know is the and play out exactly like the blair witch but it's a completely different movie yeah um with the you know detective sound narration and the uh, you know, investigation and stuff like that. And you're right. Like it is ahead of its time with the making a murder esque, you know, do it yourself. Like I want to document this because something's up. 
um and i, I don't know man it's just these movies work for me 100 percent. and i was i was it, it's funny because i would have picked this had um andy not picked mm-hmm. it um simply because i wanted to see it yeah um so it it's it I, I was happy that he grabbed it because it's one that i've always wanted to see and it was really fun i, I really enjoyed this movie it's it's if you've never seen it it's definitely underseen it's, it's a little hard to get on dvd these days but you can find it um and it's all over the internet too but yeah, well, yeah. Uh, it needs i don't know who owns it like in the states here and, and how to get it a new release but I've, it needs that yeah i have no it's one of those weird ones where i don't know if it maybe lies with the filmmakers themselves who really didn't like when you think of someone like eduardo sanchez coming off doing blair witch she had like a career lined out for me still making movies now the guys that are involved the two directors here are and you know involved in developing projects but not necessarily in making movies um i think they only ever did one other movie after this and um it wasn't together as like a duo and i, I think they're small indie movies that are not even horror like they're, they're like off doing something else and this they mm-hmm. use this as a, a, a almost like a vehicle to make a bit of money to go off and do what they wanted to do and i think in a lot of respects um, it shows in some respects, but in a lot of respects, I kind of appreciate that. You know that they they did what they wanted, and they never felt the need that they had to. I think some people put out like a movie, a horror movie, and feel that if it has a modicum of success, that the even if they don't want to do another horror movie, they have to do a horror movie. And these guys just went off and did uh, uh, did something completely. I also would like on the back of what you're saying about like not going the way that you thought the movie would go. It doesn't go the way that anyone thinks it should go because this is a movie that shows you nothing like yeah. at all it absolutely it, it, there's, it's so sparse on what would qualify as a horror movie and a lot of it's and like see if you watch this movie with your headphones on the sound design is incredibly eerie it's all drones and weird kind of tones that come in at times which i, I mean it incrementally gradually builds up as the movie goes on um, and i think that's i think that's like I remember showing it to Baz for the first time a couple of years ago and it finished and he said like it scared the living shit out of him and he was so <laughs> angry with himself because it showed him nothing and he couldn't what he couldn't work out what it was and when we kind of drilled into it I think it's just the sound I think it's the use of weird tones in the background in the movie as you're watching all the way through it and, and never there are never moments of silence in the movie at all it's always there's always some drone in the background and I think mm. it just naturally puts you like on edge, yeah, yeah. All, the, all the way through it. Jerry, you've been very quiet, which either means that you have an interesting take on this one or you really didn't like it. I'm interested to find out. What did you think of the last uh, broadcast? Actually, I'm on hold on the phone. Oh, wait, hold up there. Hey, Warner Brothers, yeah, uh, got an idea for you. <laughs> so, you know how we're doing remakes again, like it's the early 2000s? Got one. Before the Blair Witch was even a project, there was the last broadcast. <laughs> Talk about a movie that needs a fucking remake. Uh-huh. Please. If we're going to start remake movies, let's start remaking found footage movies. Uh, because you know what? I didn't like the Blair Witch Project, but I loved the Blair Witch from 2016. Mm, uh, and it seems that I know, I, I know, oh, I man. seem to not like um, late 90s, early 2000s found footage movies. But for some reason, I've started liking newer found footage movies uh-huh. so because of that uh and i was going through this whole found footage thing and i watched like hell house and um fucking found footage 3d and uh 
like that phoenix tapes and 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 shit like that so i decided you know what i've never seen the last broadcast i'm gonna watch the last broadcast so i sat down and i watched it and i was like okay um i don't hate the movie i don't really like the movie i mean it's kind of in the same place as the blair witch is for me it's a movie that I, I watch once and then I never really need to watch it again. I, I ended up watching it again for this and that just kind of solidified it for me where it was just like, it's just a bit too slow for me, mm-hmm. but I like it a bit more than I like the Blair Witch Project because I do like that making a murder aspect of it. I love true crime stuff and I, I do wish they went a bit more with the Jersey Devil part, which is kind of why I want it remade to <laughs> add that a little to, to make it different than the original. Let's actually add more in for the Jersey Devil. Um, that's what I would want to see in a remake of it. But I'm kind of just meh on the movie. I thought it, I, th- I think it's good. The problem I have with it is the leg it stands on is that it was before the Blair Witch. Yeah. But unfortunately for that, I'm just like sometimes first doesn't matter sometimes it's who did it better yeah i don't know you you're true on that one because this movie and buried buried very very quickly because the blair witch project became the up until i think paranormal activity came out the most profitable movie i think ever <laughs> so, yeah exactly so it's, it's like, hard to argue that so. blair witch had the advertising and the promotion game on point yeah last broadcast did not so it's it's just one of those things where it's just like yeah, you did it first, but you didn't, you, you got on, how do you put that? You did it first, but someone didn't necessarily do it better, but had the better angle. I, I believe it. I believe the terminology is usurped. So yeah, you, yeah, pretty much like it's, it's black Christmas versus Halloween. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. that's what this is, except just done in closer context. So, I, I just don't have as much to say about this. I'd love to see a remake. I think that would be <laughs> that would be fantastic. funny. I, I couldn't. They, they don't really remake found footage that much, I, unless it's like a foreign well, one. Like I, was about, I was about to say, yeah. you, uh, get, strap yourself in. They're about to reboot Paranormal Activity. Even if it's part eight, they are going to approach that very much from <laughs> the opinion that they're doing a remake. And if that uh-huh. happens. The doors shall open, my friends. Uh, you've got to remember the rule. The rule is a 20-year rule. That's why everyone's pining for 90s at the moment on pretty much... <laughs> like, all these movies that are coming out have these 90s feels and all the rest. We're moving away from that. So it is only a matter of time. It is only a matter of time before these movies start finding their way back into the zeitgeist. I think... I think... I'm almost with everything you see, Jerry. The only thing I would say is the the genius of the last broadcast is the Jer- Jersey Devil stuff is incidental to the plot. Basically, what they're saying is, in a lot of respects, is you know, th- th- if this sort of thing happened anywhere else, you probably wouldn't think about it. But what makes it really weird is that it happened while they were investigating something really weird. Uh, and I, I, agree I, with I love you. that as- I love that aspect about it. I agree with you, and part of it's my own bias of loving cryptozoology. <laughs> yeah, that's why I want there to be more, and that's what I'm saying. There needs to be a remake because I don't think you could do a just straight remake of the same story. No, and uh, have it yeah. work in 2019, yeah. 20, whatever. Yeah. You yeah, have it's to add a product more. of its time completely. Yeah. Oh, for sure, it's a product of nine hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> is, like, you would, what you would get is if it was released. It's a lot of what I was saying. If it was released as a remake now. 
what you would get is someone saying this movie is clearly taking the Netflix idea of you know the criminal documentaries and putting a horror spin on it and yeah. the, you, you know what I mean that's the, that in a lot of respects this movie is kind of genius in that they didn't know that was ever going to be a thing so yeah, right. they, you know, they just wanted to make something they could do fairly cheaply and and have a, a twist of some description and then use it in a documentary setting the reason they use it in a documentary setting cheap to make you know what I mean like it's, a lot of it comes down to it's what I said before about those those budgetary constraints a remake of the last broadcast now would cost a lot more than you know, it would, it would be made by Blumhouse. It would cost five million. Um, mm. You know, it would they wouldn't be finding unknowns to play the parts. It would be actors that be there'd be at least one actor that we know uh, or had seen somewhere else. And um, they probably would lean. And the, the, the thing is, they wouldn't lean into the Jer- Jersey Devil aspect either. They would lean probably more into the the, the kind of the docu thing mm. about it. And that's, I mean, I, I think that would miss the point. If you, if you were going, incidentally, there is a Jersey Devil horror movie um, out there, Jerry. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's not very good, but <laughs> you might like it. <laughs> You're talking about the um, Dante Tomaselli one the, with, with um, Felissa Rose? Yes. Yeah, that's not very good. It's not very good. Uh, <laughs> but it, it does exist. It does exist. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be, to be quite honest, like the, the Blair Witch Project is remembered because it had a genius marketing campaign. Does, That's yeah. why it's remembered. Like it's and not- it's damn this, good. Well, let's not go that far. I, I, I can't wait to chat about it in 99. That's another movie that I think has, has for some reason in the last five, 10 years, it's become very uncool to say that you one liked the Blair Witch Project or two were scared by it. Um, and I know a lot of people that were, so. Oh, I was <laughs> terrified. I lived in the woods. I was terrified. Me too. <laughs> 100%. But yeah, sorry for cutting you off. Yeah. Um, well, well, I think we're kind of exhausted this one. Anyway, I, yeah. what I'm keen to do is switch this round. We're, we're kind of we're kind of dealing with, at the moment, titles which are various, stra- various shades of strange to, uh, you know, universally kind of, you know, adored or, or, or loved here. Um, let's swing this one round to a group pick. Um, this is one that Andrew kind of touched on just a little bit on the kind of revisiting maybe didn't live up to 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 your memories of it um but what we'll do is we'll take a look at one of the group picks so together as a group we settled on vampires now i say we settled on interestingly enough the conversations around the last two picks were more involved with the 98 and 99 groups than they were with pretty much any other group Uh, i'm Hmm. not saying that's because jerry and jp are important (laughs) years um, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying investigate it, and if you see any similarities <laughs> at all, then that might answer your question. But uh, yeah, so so vampires was one we kind of settled that we kind of wanted to have in there. Um, and Tommy was the second title where we're like, listen, none of us could. We all had our picks, and none of us were agreeing. And then I think it was Jerry said, listen, let's put uh, Tommy A um, in there, and. I was like, you know what, I, I'm all down for having a bit of diversity in terms of the countries re- uh, represented here. And um, actually, you know, I, I'll, I'll happily have another Japanese horror movie in there. But what's interesting about it is when you get to the 90s, like you would think if there's a Carpenter movie on the list, we should all, all be like that. Carpenter gets on through fucking merit alone. You know, through, through sheer force of will and name, Carpenter should be on this list. Because that's what happened in our 80s run. 
Um, some of the lesser Carpenter movies were on that list purely because it's John fucking Carpenter. We're not doing a top 10 list and not speaking about John fucking Carpenter. Uh, and interestingly, this is, I believe, the only one that he has representing the 90s. Because... Um, no, no. Uh, and the Madness. Yeah, In the Mouth of Madness made it, but Village of the Dam didn't. And neither. No, that's fine. In the Mouth of Madness is his best movie in the 90s. Yeah, so oh, okay. oh but, but hands down. But um, what is, I love vampires, right? And it's going to be interesting when we get into why some people don't like it. But I love vampires. Uh, it's not a good movie overall, but there's a lot it does that makes me love it. Um, and. A lot of it is down to the fact that there is on the Indicator Blu-ray release of it in the UK, um, Indicator put out both Vampires and Ghosts of Mars about the same time, and they've got a ton of John Carpenter speaking like arrangements that he did kind of post in the Mouth of Madness, and there's a great one where he's chatting to people in the UK, and the guy's asking lots of questions of him. And uh, what would you like to do next? Where can he see things going? What you know, projects, future projects? And he keeps leaning back on the fact that he really wants to do a western. Really, really, really wants to do a western. Just no one will give him money. No one's going to give him money, any money to do his project. And then they ask him, "Is there anything that he wouldn't want to do?" And it's the greatest sort of. It's the greatest look into a guy who found a way to make his Western movie <laughs> through the thing he didn't want to do. He said that he would never, nor would he ever want to do a movie about Dracula or vampires because that story has been done to death two years later. <laughs> two years later, you have John Carpenter's Vampires. Uh, based on the John Stakely novel, screenplay by Don Jacoby, like I say, directed by the, the mighty John Carpenter, starring James Wood, Daniel Baldwin, Cheryl Lynn, Thomasine Griffin, Maximilian Schell, Tim Guinea, uh, Max Boone Jr., there's other folks I'm not going to add them. The synopsis for this one is recovering from an ambush that killed his entire team, a vengeful vampire slayer must retrieve an ancient Catholic relic that, should it be acquired by vampires, will allow them to walk in sunlight. Motherfucking daywalkers. Um, <laughs> weird that we would have two movies that discuss daywalkers out in the same year. Uh, everyone would have thought we would have been talking about Blade, but nah, it's vampires we're talking about. Uh, I'm going to swing this round first to JP. Leaders, JP, I have one question for you. When you were watching this movie, did it give you a little bit of a chub? Did you get some wood? <laughs> did you get some wood? That's all I need to ask. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of vampires, <laughs> but I do like it. Um, I actually just seen it for the first time last September. Oh wow! In the theater, um, they they did a screening out here, um, and I I caught it, and then now I rewatched it for this. Um, I think that the the thing about vampires, and I. I I, I love John Carpenter films, Car Carpenter films, obviously. And I even like his 90s stuff, like um, In the Mouth of Madness. Not so much Village of Dam, but uh, I love Ghosts of Mars, um, which oh, nobody yeah. does. No, no, you, you and me, this is another reason why you and me, JP, should be friends for life. Uh, I am I am an unabashed fan of Ghosts of Mars, and I claim that <laughs> given awesome. enough time, everyone will be eventually. We just yeah. need to wait. Cool. Um, so I love the opening to this film. I love the vampire hunting aspect of it like all the tricks that they got they go to this nest there's there's a pre-established mythology and dialogue between these characters that 
uh, we're just thrust into. And I, I love it. I think it's super cool. And I almost wish that was the whole film because mm -hmm. that is the most interesting aspect of this film is the actual like vampire hunting and the team and their different techniques and stuff like that. But I also really like once the, the head vampire comes and after they kill the nest and they're kind of like, what, what, that was weird. There's not a leader here or whatever. And he just, you know, destroys everyone. That's cool too. Mm -hmm. And I do definitely like it stylistically. It looks very different from uh, any carpenter that we've seen in the past. And I definitely, definitely see the, the Western influences. And I, I love that aspect of it. Uh, I just think where <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that story about carpenter, uh, you know, not wanting to do a vampire film because i feel like that's where it's most clunky is it just feels like by you know this time we've kind of seen this all before mm -hmm. a little bit and i kind of get a little bit bored in the later half of the film i like the the first half way way more and i think it's much stronger and it's funny that it's so funny that he didn't want to do a vampire film <laughs> wanted to do a western and then this he, he ended up making this it's like well damn it i and george romero did the same thing with his last zombie movie he yeah. wanted to make a western as well uh so it's, it's kind of funny um yeah but I, I i like the casting it's fun i like the stuff with the catholic church and the you know the, like betrayals and stuff like that it's it's pretty cool pretty fun movie uh, i just don't love it yeah I, as he said I, the 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 weird thing is it this is the only movie that was uh that made money for john carpenter in the 90s <laughs> of all of the movies he did in the 90s vampires wasn't the uh, was was the only one that actually made, turned a profit, so to speak, was financially successful, um, which I'd like once again just like uh, uh, confuse me because in, in the myth of madness is like uh, so fucking strong. Um, yeah, that yeah. guy's career is so messed up, man. Like the movies that are considered amazing it didn't make any money. It's yeah. just it's set. You feel bad for him. Yeah, I, I think, and a lot of, I think it's 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 shaped the way he is as a director as well. He's he's world mm -hmm. outlook. Which, in a lot of respects, I think is like you know, I, you don't want to see that happen. But at the same time, I don't think you ever get a movie like They Live uh, had he not had a bad experience with yeah. you know things like Big Trouble in Little China. You would have never had They Live. It, you know, it's him like putting everything out there, being fucked over, and going, you know what? I'm going to do what Carpenter wants now, guys, <laughs> um, and that yeah. is cast Ice Cube and give him the most amazing name, Desolation Williams. Just uh, yes. whichever one will say a hundred times in that movie for no reason. Uh, the casting in Vampires, I think, is the bit where it kind of levels up. I think James Woods is brilliant in this. I'd like I could watch his character. He's horrible. He's snotty. He's aggressive. He's nasty. He's crass. Uh, but the church kind of has to work with him because. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a, a means to an end. Um, this has a Baldwin, has Daniel Baldwin, who is plain stock Baldwin performance. But Cheryl Lee is fucking amazing in this. I love her. I've loved her since Twin Peaks. Um, I love when she gets a chance to do things out. She has a way of screaming and contorting and looking in pain where I genuinely think she's demonically possessed. Um, I think she's great. And it, the... The build-up or how they, not only how they track the nest in, but the idea of them, you know, like, stabbing them and then them being pulled into sunlight. I just, I think that's such a cool device as well. Uh, that I, I really think it's worth. I'll, I'll be with you. There's a whole section in here with the kind of Cheryl Lee might love um, Baldwin and we're going to have that kind of going on, which 
it kind of puts the brakes on a little bit in the movie, but the movie finishes super, super strong. You never find a happier Duncan than than <laughs> the Duncan watching James Woods crucified to a cross, shouting <laughs> at a priest. That's right, Padre. Fuck with him. Um, you know, like, <laughs> just uh, the uncomfortable nature of him asking the priest if he has a hard on. Like <laughs> when you saw me kill, did that give you some wood? Did you get? Tell me, did I give you a little bit of wood? I just love it. It's so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable, but so it makes me so happy. Um, Jerry, swing it to you next. What's your thoughts on vampires? You ever seen from dusk till dawn and thought, man, I wish the dialogue was shittier? <laughs> well, guess what I've got for you? That's that's unfair, man. Tarantino wrote that. Uh, I know. Yeah, I, I I do not like vampire movies, but I fucking love vampire hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't seen vampires probably since like the early 2000s, like 2001 or something. Uh, so sitting down to watch it, um, it was okay. I actually don't like James Wood in this. Oh. Something about the dialogue given to him just, I don't know. It just doesn't like, it doesn't fit for me. He doesn't fit in this role for me. It's like, he's too much of a bean pole to be this much of a badass it's like if you made me talk like fucking snake <laughs> it doesn't work like you, you're clearly looking at me like i don't believe anything you're saying you're not threatening jerry that's how i feel watching james wood in this it just does not work for me um so i, I just don't really care for the acting in it um i don't really i like the story mm-hmm. um because i like this kind of mythology and stuff and I think a part of me that kind of fucked me up is I'm currently reading this. Uh, well, I just finished, but I was reading it while I was, at the time I watched this movie the other week. Uh, the second book in the Vampire Hunter D series, which also deals with vampires who can walk in sunlight. Ah. Um, and the mythology in that series is it's way deeper than we found a black cross that he was, uh, you know, kind of fucking uh, made into a vampire with. He was the first vampire because we're cool and we're going against the standard vampire mythology. Fuck Dracula. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know. It just all around. I just think it's a it's a mediocre movie. It's it's OK. It's entertaining. But there's parts of me that just kind of feels like they were like. Have you seen From Dust Till Dawn and thought, I wish this was vampires? I, I really like the second half, but I don't like the first half because I don't have a brain that's, like, civilized. I'm more primitive and I need more dick jokes. Well, fuck, here you go. And so, <laughs> it's entertaining, but I don't know. I just, I just, it doesn't work for me. I, I love you, Carpenter. I still think, uh, you know, The Thing is one of the greatest movies of all time, but um, there's better Western horror movies. This doesn't even feel like a Western to me. It feels like, it feels like Antonio Banderas should be in this movie. (laughs) That's what it feels like. So I thought it was okay. It's one that I look back on and I'm kind of like, I don't have as much to say. Like, at least with I Stand Alone, there's more to say. Yeah. With this one, I'm kind of like, did we really put this in over Deep Rising? Are they really, like... Like, at least with Deep Rising, I've got the ocean. Yeah. I like this. I see I think I think you meet the like the, the, the when we came to discuss this one the reason Deep Rising was kind of maybe shunted out more was and I think probably rightly and in, in hindsight is that the movie has if we were going to dis- 
uh, you know, discount blade on the premise that it was more action than anything else. Deep Rising weirdly falls into that as well, where it's very much based on the action um, for most of the movie, and then all the creature stuff kind of happens in a way which is really satisfying. And I love, trust me, you Duncan loves Deep Rising, but we we're kind of we're expanding it out. Whereas Vampires is very much a I mean, yeah. it's a horror movie, like from start I, to finish. So I think that's it. Maybe it maybe had the cred of being a horror movie, whereas at times you could make the case yeah. or make the argument that you will have more fun watching a movie like Deep Rising than you will having to watch yeah, vampires. I, so I do like the main vampire villain, though. I thought he looked pretty dope. Oh, Varric's fucking awesome. He's like, he just has a look about him where he's like that. See when he goes through and just wipes out uh, Woods's team. He is. He just does not <laughs> yeah. give it, and he's so fucking vicious, and he's mm-hmm. he does it all in front of him, which I think is the greatest thing because that's he's like he has woke up to see his his children um, all murdered, uh, so he will he will exact yeah. his revenge and take out absolutely everyone in front of him. Everyone that he loves will be murdered in front of him, um, which I, I kind of love. I'm almost positive that some kid watched this and immediately went out and bought a Coal Chamber CD and just went <laughs> to the off. I love Coal Chamber. I know you do. <laughs> my I'm, I'm of the age that remembers buying that CD and the fishnet top that accompanied it. Um, so using this, you just you know for scientific reasons. Yeah, just totally. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Wife, real quick. Hold on. <laughs> there is. I'll, I'll. I'll dig out the photo of me in the fishnet top, and I'll send you later on. No joke. Uh, Duncan in 2000 had the worst fashion sense ever. <laughs> uh, that's a horror show in itself. Um, right. Like, I get the feeling that Andrew shared a lot of your opinions here. Andrew, uh, kind of close out this review for us here. Um, what was your views on vampires? Um. The most inefficient team of vampire hunters I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, their tactics, their so- tactics are very primitive. I'm surprised they've lasted this long. Um, I, listen, I think the first 30 minutes of this movie is pretty much all I needed. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the movie I want. I, I, that's, I, how I, that's kind of how I feel too. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it, it's fun. The the practical effects of all the gore and stuff is really fun. Uh, the fact that they can't get it through their heads that bullets don't work really <laughs> fucking bothers me in this movie. <laughs> um, it, maybe it, this bullet will kill him, though. Maybe this yeah, one exactly. shot. Yeah. Maybe maybe if I shoot him here with this gun. But it, it's just this this movie is so unbalanced. It it, it it balances itself between being like this Western action horror movie and then like this odd like will they won't they mm-hmm. like and i'm also gonna slap her around and then i'm also gonna kiss her and it it's it i don't know it just did not work for me this time around i i think i probably saw this really close to when it came out and maybe haven't revisited it since but um watching it this time around it, it just felt so schlocky and so i didn't even know what the word is i just it was not entertaining to me after that first 30 minutes after that first 30 minutes i could give two shits about what happens to these people because they're kind of awful human beings and fuck the catholic church so (laughs) (laughs) nice nice and nice uh right cool let's swing this one on then uh we're gonna go to one of gp's picks who's still to chat about one of his uh we're gonna go to 
let's do Phantasm for Oblivion. Um, let's give you some information on that movie. So, um, written and based on the characters by Don Coscarelli and directed by Don Coscarelli. The movie stars E. Michael Baldwin, Reggie Bannister, Bill Thornbury, Heidi Marnout, uh, Bob Ivey and Angus Scrim. Uh, this is the fourth instalment in the Phantasm franchise and the synopsis is Mike travels through time and dimensions to find the tall man's origins. Uh, I am intrigued, JP, to find out why this made your list. <clears throat> Alright, so um, first of all, a little backstory. Uh, Phantasm is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, one of the most important memories in my life was renting Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is my favorite horror film of all time, mm-hmm. and Phantasm in the same night as a like you know five or six year old, totally and fucked. just being absolutely terrified. I I've told this story before on other shows, but I literally kept hitting stop and eject on the VCR, <laughs> getting some courage up, putting it back in, hitting play again on both movies, and they both terrified the hell out of me. Uh, so it is a bit of a, a Homer pick, like it's it's close to my heart. Uh, phantasm for all of them I, I love all four of them but uh you know because of the influence that this series has had on me uh so phantasm 4 is a very interesting movie because it is sort of after you know uh phantasm came out and it was successful somewhat but then universal gave don coscarelli a bunch of money to make a big budget sequel in phantasm 2 uh the budget kind of went down a little bit in phantasm 3 and then pretty much the studios left and he pretty much had to like finance this one how he did the first one uh and this film he uh and phantasm is very hard to talk about for people who don't like it or Mm -hmm. don't get it because it is something that fans of the series understand and people who just don't it's they don't get it and it's hard to explain it to them because it's almost it's near impossible to articulate it's like talking about donnie darko to somebody who doesn't really get it yeah um but this series especially phantasm 4 i used to not like it i rented it in the you know maybe 2000 or something and i thought it was like oh that was kind of weak but after going on and and seeing it again and learning more about it it's actually one of the ones that i like the most um i think that story-wise it's a little hard to grasp there's a lot of interdimensional play uh and you know the chasing the tall man and and finding out his origins it's just very creepy for one and then once you kind of get into the mythology a little bit and learn more about the series and behind the scenes and things like that, you really appreciate it more. For example, this film uses footage from the original film, but not from the original film, from stuff left on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Don Coscarelli sort of created a story. Uh, originally, this was supposed to be a segue into a bigger film with Bruce Campbell and Reggie Bannister in more post-apocalypticness of tall man minions and it was supposed to be this massive film and this was supposed to get the funding for it but it didn't work out um so this was sort of a segue film that he just kind of um you know went in with no money to make and he used footage that i I remember watching it as a kid and not understanding it like i didn't get the concept of there could be this footage that that didn't exist i thought they like recasted mike as a child like got somebody who looked really like him and shot this stuff but really it's literally deleted scenes from the first film but you don't get stuff like that because deleted scenes like you would never get it today because today deleted scenes would be on a bonus disc but mm-hmm. 
you know, back then, like entire sequences, like an entire death of the tall man was captured that was never used in the first film. Like, you know, they hang the tall man. I'm like, where did this footage come from? <laughs> I mean, like they hang the tall man. Uh, and you know, he tricks Mike into cutting him down. He's like, he's like, I promise I'll go away. And he's like, <laughs> I'm like, Mike, don't listen to this guy. He's not telling the truth, you know? Um, and, <laughs> and it's just like how I was so surprised that that footage existed. And it actually blends really well with the film. Like the final scene of this film gives me cold chills to this day. You know, Mike is kind of on death's door and Reggie chase it. I don't know how you are with spoilers, but I'm spoiling um, Reggie chases the tall man through one of the, the dimension portals. And then we get a scene that was not in the first phantasm, but is shot for the first phantasm. I'm like, why did they even shoot this? It's like, it's like Don Coscarelli is literally playing with dimensions and going back in time and taking stuff and redoing it and bringing it to phantasm four. There's they're driving down the road in the ice cream truck and you hear their dialogue from the future. And he's and Reggie leans over to Mike and he's like, did you hear something did you hear that and mike is like it's just the wind and it, it gives me cold chills to this day because the concept of the movie is so out there and it's nightmare logic but it makes sense to me and i think that this is just a series that i i have a feeling all three of you guys maybe don't like it but uh it's i think it's genius i'll swing in you think i don't like this movie i, I don't know i'm just taking a guess here <laughs> um this was the only movie from the list i hadn't seen um so interestingly enough i think phantasm is probably in my top 20 horror movies of all time i think phantasm it was is my number nine when i did my list last time i i, I, I imagine it's, it's up near 10 for me like somewhere somewhere in the top 10 like if it's not 10 it's maybe 11 or 12 but it's very very high i i, I have so much time for that movie i think it's it's lightning in a bottle for me um the reason i say it's lightning in a bottle is I stopped after the second one. I, I I wasn't a fan of the second movie, um, and as a result, I've never watched anything beyond that. I have the full box set there. I've got the fancy arrow set, and one day it will be a Russian roulette franchise retro because I I got the feeling that was the only way I was going to get through them, and I didn't watch three in preparation for four, so that might be one of the reasons. Uh, you're right. I don't like this movie. Um, <laughs> I. I I, I don't know what to me I, I've always it's not I've had concerns with it but I've always felt like Phantasm to me felt like the it's one of those movies that when you see it when it finished I never felt that I wanted more I just felt that the, the kind of the pros to that movie was the fact that it had this really bizarre uh, kind of nightmarish quality that never really, you know, it, it existed just out with time for me, if you know what I mean, it, it just slightly adjacent to, to, to kind of normality. And as a result of that, it works really, really well for me. The more they try to build on the mythology behind it or, or give more backstory to it, the less interested I got. Um, specifically in the second movie which kind of really starts to pivot away more into I mean it's an 80s movie so they start pivoting towards the action these sort of stuff like every mm -hmm. franchise did and it, it, at that point it kind of lost me watching this one through um, I mean it's great seeing Angus Scrim. I could watch him play the tall man forever Reggie Bannister is like, always infinitely 
interesting even in flashback scenes and <laughs> the, the, the time that they play around with kind of older scenes I think is interesting and, I, and there's a, a guerrilla style of filmmaking there that I really enjoy you know when you don't have the budget to do something but you do have like usable outtakes that you can put in here and then act as if you know this is you know always going to be like the, the way this movie deals with its subject matter is if it was always should you know it was always supposed to be this way and I think in some respects it's seen as well you know Don Coscarelli always had it wrought, written this way and I, I don't necessarily don't necessarily think that's right and I think you've kind of underlined that point that it was going to go in a different direction but the funding wasn't there so some decisions had to be made and you you made a, a very competent movie at something which would have been a big struggle for other filmmakers you know I can't put my vision on the screen so I'm not doing it and he chose to do it um, overall I find it I find it undoes a lot of the things I think make the more backstory you give the less like I say the less interested I am I, I really like the, the weirdness of the tall man in the first movie and that you know there was just a right amount of weird of why is he doing why did spherical balls you know <laughs> appear to be controlled by him who is he why is he working in this like um, this mortuary this, this cemetery uh, who are these small people you know, all these these questions are really interesting the thing about Phantasm 4 is while it gives you a lot of <laughs> answers a lot of questions it also raises a ton more even more yeah. it, it actually raises more questions but that's, I've always felt that I have answers to that yeah and, yeah I think I think and having not seen the last part as well there's going to be that you know maybe some of the things that are issues for me here are answered in part five um but I feel like if you continually answer a question and then raise five more questions my mind gets to a point where <laughs> you know what i mean I'm, i get to a certain point where i'm like i don't want to continually do the mental arithmetic uh, arithmetic uh -huh. here on the fourth installment um you know by this point i'm kind of wanting things to be or, or, or a clear vision of where things are going and the, the the kind of feeling even at the end of this movie i'll agree with the end of this movie i think is particularly strong and it's one of the things where as like had they done more of the kind of crossover with the timelines throughout the entire movie uh, almost kind of the way they do things with the insidious movies which i don't think are great movies overall either but the way they link them back to a character hears a noise in the second movie and actually in the fourth movie that's something happening to do in the third you know that sort of thing had they done more of that i think i probably would be more on board with it overall it finished and i I didn't hate it. It's difficult for me to hate something that Don Coscarelli's put his name to because I, I genuinely have a lot of affection for the man. Um, but it finished and until I do that retro, I'll probably never watch the movie again. I will tell you this also. Like I said, I did not like it when I first seen it. I feel like this movie gets stronger the more times you see it uh -huh. and the more little aspects you notice, like little things yeah. that, that matter that you didn't realize the first time. Um, and I think that it, it's a hard, it really is a hard movie to sell. Like, I'm not going to sit here and, and like, this is actually not the film that I'm pushing for to go through. Uh -huh. Um, but I, and I know that's a battle that I could never win. And I don't know if it really deserves it per, you know, if I'm being objective about it, Yeah, yeah. But I just personally, this is just one that I, I, I love and I, I wanted to pick, but you it's know, the whole I, point I of the totally list, man. see where you're coming that's from. The, that's the point of the list. That's why everyone gets two picks. 
um, and you can use those two picks whichever way they want and most of the hosts use them to shine a light on a movie that they have a connection with that they feel people should either watch or talk about um, so you picked you picked well my friend that's that's what the pick is there for uh, let's see if your inclination is right though uh, let's go to Andrew next Andrew what did you make of Phantasm 4? okay um, let me preface my kind of review with just uh, that I'm not super familiar with the Phantasm series. I've seen the first one, but nothing beyond that point. Right. So going into this, I had to kind of do some reading and, you know, watch some clips. I, I, to be honest, like, I'm not going to watch four movies to get to this movie. <laughs> but um, I, I, I tried my best. I tried my best to educate myself about, like, what happened up to this point And... I mean, to me, it just this this movie feels very um, just like we gave some guy license to just take characters and never end his story. You know what I mean? Like it never feels in the phantasm world that it's ever done. And I just like you're right, actually, because that's part of the concept is that it's interdimensional and it kind of goes on forever. And that's kind of the ending is even saying that that this is never over. Yeah, it just, hate, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. For, yeah. <laughs> like, I need an end. Like, I don't... It, it, and Duncan, you kind of alluded to it, too, and I'm, I'm getting to that point with the Insidious series as well, where I'm just like, I just need it to be done. Like, yeah. I just need you to, like, wrap it up, because if you don't have an ending in, in, in mind and something that we're going towards, then what's the point of watching it? You know what I mean? Like, uh, it, 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 listen, it's not it's not a bad movie, and actually, I think some of the things that they do in there, especially with like the you know quote unquote balls, I guess, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> some of the, some of the stuff they do with that is really interesting. And but I mean, to be totally honest, I just sat there scratching my head the entire time because I had no idea what the <laughs> fuck was going on. It's like I, I almost feel bad that you had to do that. I I picked it because I couldn't imagine like you know not really knowing much about the series and I it would be it would be a hard watch <laughs> right so i think it's a little unfair for me to judge it in that way but um i mean i don't regret that i watched it it's not to that point but it, it overall just felt um like you gave somebody money to like do his like high school project again i don't know it just felt it, it, i don't know it, it just didn't work for me it's not to the merit of the series just because i'm just not that familiar with it Cool, let's swing it to Jerry to give us the last say on Phantasm 4. So, much like JP, I have seen all the movies in, in the Phantasm series. I I adore Phantasm. Uh, the first movie is one of the best atmospheric horror movies ever. I, I, I love that fucking movie. Mm. Um and I dig the second one. I dig the third one. I actually find the third one one of the most enjoyable movies of the series as for just sitting back and watching. Uh, the fourth one I have mixed feelings about. Um, I used to not like it, but then they put out the fifth one and I realized how good I had it with the fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually um, with you on that. Like, I don't like the fifth one either. The, the fifth one... You know how... Sometimes a movie can hurt the franchise and the fifth one hurt the franchise, but it made the fourth one better than, than I originally thought it was. Um, like JP brought up the intermingling of the, of this lost footage from the first movie, uh, into this movie and how they did it was fucking great. 
I really enjoyed that. Unfortunately, if you've never, if you're, if you haven't watched the first three Phantasm movies, you can't watch the fourth one. I, and I feel sorry that y'all kind of did that because it re- it kind of hurts that because you're not going to understand what's going on. And it's kind of a much slower movie. It, it literally than picks the up first right after the third one too. So it yeah. is it, the next scene. And yeah, it is, it is slower too. Out of, yeah. out of all three, out of all four of them, it's definitely the slowest. Yeah, Don got a lot of backlash from the third one being too comedy and too action-y. Um, so with this one, he went back into try to commit to that atmosphere that the first one had. Mm-hmm. And he did an okay job of that. And honestly, the only reason to really watch the fourth one is if you're a fan of the series. Uh, and if you just like to see how does someone take old footage and cut it into a newer movie properly that that's about the only other thing so i actually do enjoy phantasm 4 um by default after seeing five it kind of (laughs) became better but i still like it and i I do love the series i just stop after four and just go well i can't wait for them to finish this series (laughs) and just i don't i don't believe five exists yeah (laughs) I'm the same way, and and it's funny because a lot of people actually like Five. Like I heard a lot. Yeah, of but there's for people it. that also like Jason Goes to Hell. Some people are just wrong. Yeah, I <laughs> love Jason Goes to. Wait till you hear that episode drop. We're, I'm, I'm, all I'm gonna say uh, by this point in the recording, um, out there now because uh, I record all these shows out of sync. Um, the show will be out, and listeners will have heard it. And uh, yeah, we we swung over one of the the biggest detractors to come out and say that. Uh, um, it was one of his favorite movies that year. <laughs> wow. That to me, I, I, and I know y'all love it, but to me, much like Phantasm Five, it hurts the franchise. Oh, I love it. Right. So I like, I just pretend it doesn't exist. When I rewatch the series, I don't watch that movie. And I saw that movie in theaters. It was the first Friday the 13th movie I saw in theaters. Creating jokes so dreamy though. I'd let them break my fingers. Um, okay. right. let's, let's swing this round here. Uh, so we're at the halfway mark. We'll do another group pick. Um, we're going to stick with Jerry on this one because Jerry was the first one to go, you know what? We're all we're all arguing here. We're all debating each other. No one's giving anyone any leeway. We will never be able to record because Duncan keeps telling me we can't record until we select. Um, so you know what? I'm going to say, how about we forget everything else and what about Tommy? or Tomie is on the table now. And I was like, you know, I'll second that because I've not seen that movie in a while. Um, both JP and uh, I think Andrew hadn't seen it, I want to say. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, correct. Right, cool. So neither one of you has seen it. I was like, this is a good opportunity to get a movie out there that hasn't been seen. So let's let's do that. We all sided with it. Um, I posted the list. Uh, weirdly enough, no one argued with Tommy being on the list from all the other hosts, and I genuinely thought someone would kick back in that. In fact, we got very little kind of throwback on the 98 list, I think, overall. I don't think we got really any. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. anybody saying, like, why wasn't this there? Yeah, which was weird, because every other year got, like, some sort of comment. Uh, no one wanted to argue with JP. Right. let's be honest he put that picture up with his broken nose and people were like I'm not messing man <laughs> uh, so yeah Tommy is directed by and this will be fun uh, Aturo Okawa I think uh, probably not um, based on the Junji Ito comics 
Uh, there's a lot of Japanese people in it, so I won't pronounce any of their names. Uh, but I will say that the synopsis is <laughs> as well as as good as a synopsis as you can get uh, for for this movie. Is a traumatized young woman is trying to recover her memories with the help of a psychiatrist. During her hypnosis sessions, she repeats the name Tomie, but is unable to recall where she knows it from. Jerry, you broke deadlock on this one. You brought this this fine specimen of J horror cinema to the plate. Um, why did you put this one forward? Um, one of the reasons I, I put this one forward is because the thing I like about Japanese horror movies is they don't really give a shit if you understand <laughs> what's going on. So everyone oh, has a chasm is a problem with that with people. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> yeah, but okay. like because in America we like having a clean, clear cut ending. <laughs> um and Don Casarelli doesn't really give a shit. Yeah. Um so but much like the Japanese, they don't really care if you if you get your clear cut ending whatsoever. Um this is based on a manga by uh Junji Ito, who is very big in the horror scene right now in Japan. Um and the thing about Tomie is I feel like y'all are going to have a lot of questions you don't understand, and I'm hoping I can answer some of them to kind of fix it. Uh, but just so you know, Tomie is kind of a jealousy love demon. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of this spirit that um, basically shows up, makes a bunch of guys fight over each other and kill each other until someone can kind of be like, no, I, you're not that important. Um, she likes it's so it's this love demon that kind of likes to slither inside and ruin relationships and take over. And in the movie Tomie, you basically have a girl who went to school with a Tomie, and Tomie basically slept with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend ended up uh, cutting off Tomie's head. And that's kind of the background information that's kind of shown in the movie. You have to piece together a lot of that shit. So Tomie comes back because the girl who was the Tomie was friends with the main actress uh, in the movie, the main character uh, of uh, Tsukiko. I don't know how to say her name. I just kept calling her Kiko. Don't look at me. Yeah, don't look at me. (laughs) I just kept calling her Kiko. Um... Because I don't know how you pronounce T-S-U, Kiko. Kiko? I don't know. So, Kiko. (laughs) As many Japanese movies and anime and shit as I watch, I I can't pronounce it. I do a whole show on Japanese movies. I make fucking Don on that show pronounce everything for me. Um, So, from that, you basically then go into this weird movie that that follows this uh, Kiko girl around as she was in an accident and can't remember what happened in the accident. She knows like her boyfriend kind of died. Um, so, but she doesn't understand why this word Tomie keeps showing up. She then goes into uh, all this therapy to try to figure it out. And then the nurse gets involved uh, or not nurse, but psychiatrist gets involved trying to figure out. There's also some murders that are going up and there's a detective who's very much interested in this legend of tomie as he starts going around and then kiko's boyfriend is cheating on her with her best friend and it seems like uh tomie then shows back up to the place where he works 
and ends up getting everyone in love with her except for him but then he ends up falling for it. it's a goddamn confusing mess of a movie <laughs> uh but to me it's more entertaining than ringu which we'll talk about later uh just because i like the mystery i like trying to put shit together i like having to do research on a movie um, I remember the first time I watched this movie, I immediately went and listened to the Hero Hero Ghost Show episode on it, uh, and then spent hours watching YouTube videos and reading up stories on it, and I just love that kind of shit. I, the reason I like Japanese films like that is because they make me do research, and I always learn more about their culture and stuff like that, and it's kind of like... It enhances the experience for me. If you're the kind of person who wants to watch a movie and then just be done with the movie, that's fine. But if you're the kind of person who watches the movie then immediately goes and looks up IMDb trivia, Japanese horror is for you. <laughs> I'll swing in on the back of this. Um, yeah, I was I was happy that you picked this one. Um, I got into kind of uh, the kind of G horror boom just at the right time. Um, like I was on the cusp of that because a lot of them as soon as as soon as uh, I'm moving this on this list that we're about to talk about Ringo uh, landed um, things picked off pretty fast and we were getting tons of stuff Tartan Asia Extreme started like literally putting out as many movies as they could get their grubby little hands on Tomie was one of them and yeah like I remember watching it and I, I, the weird thing about that and I think it speaks more to just the the cultural differences and I think that's why I really enjoy the the kind of G horror side of things is like, what scares other cultures and the approach that they take to scare people at times will really mess with my mind like really mess with it because they just approach things from an unnatural point of view of a storytelling uh, or of storytelling or just in general how they set up a scene or how actors react and a lot of people get like put off by that you just can't find or find that like they can't find any purchase in the view uh, Tommy is a, a is a wildly weirdly enough it's a wildly inconsistent movie but I think that adds to its charm I think a lot of what it does do when it's firing on all cylinders is give a really interesting view of um, jealousy and the, the manifestation of jealousy in a way which I really enjoy seeing on screen um, I like a lot of the way it doesn't necessarily and you, you're right with that with Jerry the Japanese just make movies the way they make movies and a lot of it is built on centuries worth of ghost stories and and cultural uh, details cultural aspects where they don't ever really need to have the conversation with the audience about it um, there's no reason why they have to tell you why a long haired girl with the hair over the front of her face is creepy. Why that would be the look of someone that would be creepy because it's just ingrained in their culture that that is something. It leans into that aspect and because kids grow up with that, they just accept it. It's the same, it's kind of same way where the urban legends we talk about in urban legends, there are just certain things certain people won't do because the connotations you grow up here in ghost stories and, uh, and whatnot, and they're just part of your culture. Uh, Tommy, I think, like I say, is, is an inconsistent movie, but by God, is it a fun watch? I mean, it really, really is. I, I, I high-five myself watching this movie because I think it's, 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 it's fun. It's creepy in bits as well, and that, that shit holds up surprisingly well. At other points, it's wholly preposterous. And it's, it's weird how we see, like, you're talking about, like, Junchi, Junch, Junto Ito is at a stage now 
where like the horror community is at, at the shrine of of the the body of work, and it's I think people don't appreciate how long that legacy has been, um, and the the impact it's had not only on Asian cinema but on Western cinema as well. Because every time one of these movies is remade, um, they're taking a lot of the, the iconography and the culture uh, and the storytelling across for that remake. Um, I don't necessarily think it's. Uh, you know, a, a super strong entry in this top 10 list, but I will say that I am happy to spend any amount of time hearing two people who have not seen this movie discuss what they think about it rather than, you know, relitigating uh, a Deep Rising again or a Sphere or any, any of those movies because to me that's once again kind of where the merit lies you tend to find with outliers the final two movies the very they're, they're usually the first they're in the first three to get eliminated <laughs> uh, when we start going down to 10 because no one really thought that passionate passionately about them the first time round. that's why they come in on the back end so as a result of that you might as well get a movie where you can put them out and get at least one or two fresh voices on them and with that i want to be quiet and swing it round to gp tell us about tommy all right, so uh, this was a this was a first time watch for me, and I only watched it when we were discussing if we should put it in. I this is the only film I didn't get a chance to watch closer to the thing, so it's a little loose in my memory. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of J horror in general, um, especially the more weird ones, like all that stuff Jerry mentioned about, like you know, you see one and then you research it and stuff. That just doesn't happen for me. Um, I don't like Japanese ghost stories that much. Um, I like the more grounded in reality ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they just don't work for me ever. But this one was kind of cool, you know. It's it's it it was a film that I didn't know anything about, and there was enough weird stuff to in there to kind of keep my interest, like the head in the box and um, the. Uh, you know what's funny? There was a scene. I don't know if you guys caught this. It's the one thing that. It, it's sticking out in my memory there's a scene where the detective is uh in a field with a a dead girl and they show her body and she's clearly breathing Mm -hmm. (laughs) i I saw that i just thought i was like uh i'm pretty sure that's not and with japanese stuff you never freaking know so i was like is that actually she's supposed to be breathing (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so um there's is that some weird mythology i'm not supposed to know about (laughs) (laughs) um and i was also, there's is there a bunch of these movies? Because like I kept yes. trying to find this online because Holy I didn't. Holy shit! Yes. Um, <laughs> I was like, I kept running into all these other ones, and I was like, uh, I don't think this is it. Um, but yeah, honestly, guys, I don't have a ton to say about this one, so I'll just pass it on. Nice, right? Let's swing it around to Andrew. Yeah. So, um, outside of kind of the more, uh, I would say, you know, quote unquote popular Japanese horror, you know, like Juan and, um, Ringu, like I haven't seen a ton of Japanese horror apart from like the American remakes that we insist on doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have a huge frame of reference for this kind of movie. Um, I, I will say in watching it, there's a lot of very like, um, creepy imagery i was like very creeped out at certain points in the movie but uh, overall it just it i i think i i think i told you guys after i watched it i was like what the fuck was that movie (laughs) like what was that (laughs) like i didn't i just it it took me having to do and i think you know this is maybe something that 
you know jerry said that he likes to do is like you, you you know you go and do your research afterwards and you find out like there's a whole mythology behind this and but i had to do that to understand the movie mm-hmm. so 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 to me that's a failure in storytelling but that's if that's like it, it and listen if that's like a, a japanese thing then that's a japanese it thing it is <laughs> yeah it's and, like, and maybe it just doesn't work for me like maybe that's just me it, and then and that's totally fine and i understand why people would like this this type of movie and why they do kind of gravitate towards those more ambiguous uh ways of telling a story and but for me just personally it just didn't quite work um the the imagery was disturbing but overall i was just like i don't understand what's happening in the whole time <laughs> i think, uh, yeah, I think it, that it, is fair i think that is fair and I, I, at times i don't even necessarily think like i think there are there are the whole swaths of j-horror where they just do things like like Jet, like it's exactly what Jerry said. Just because they want to, and they don't feel the need to. I think sometimes that's the you watch a movie like Houseu, which is a movie I deeply adore. Um, it's a lot of that is if you ever want a good night. I mean, a good night in of what the fuck did I just sit through? Uh, you you pair up Houseu with the movie that came out the same year, uh, a different part of the world, which is equally as stylish and equally as fucked up. You sit down, you watch Houseu and Suspiria back to back, and I tell you right <laughs> now, you, my friend, are not going to work the following day. You are taking <laughs> a couple of days in a cold, wet room uh, and just rocking yourself in the corner. It's a good time. It's a good time. And they don't need to do it. And to be honest with you, I kind of... Sometimes, like I said before, and I was half joking, and there's a reason on podcasts under the stairs I don't review things with technical grades. Um, because I, if I want, I could I could spend time dissecting why a particular shot was done the way it was done and, and try and use my loose kind of thought process of what a filmmaker was thinking about. A lot of times, it's I go on a feeling and an experience. Um, I think cinema's at its best sometimes when... You know, I, I might not necessarily have a clue of what I've just seen, but I know I liked it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't tell oh, you totally. why I liked it, but. And a lot of J horror falls in to that category for me that I, I don't understand why things are done the way they're done, or I think I have an understanding, but I don't think I'm right about it. But I can tell you straight away, I either liked it or disliked it, and, and Tommy occupies the space. Of that, let's let's swing it to another G horror movie that came out the same year that is uh, maybe more well known <laughs> than than Tommy. Um, it is uh, a little movie called Ring, um, like maybe called Ringu. Um, yeah, it's, depend- it's like it's only called that in the United States, but if you look it up without calling it that, like on Letterbox or something. It doesn't pop up. It, apparently, I, like the Arrow video, I've just put an amazing fucking 4K of it, like incredible, to the point where the movie looks like it was shot yesterday, and it blew my mind and didn't take anything away from the. I mean, a part of the charm of, of the movie is that it had that kind of VHS quality feel about it whilst discussing <laughs> a cursed videotape, um, which I just absolutely love. But um, and one of the special features there, a film historian described that. Uh, Ringu is how Japanese people pronounce the word ring. It's not. Oh. It's it's not. It's translation. It's how they pronounce the English word ring. Um, hmm. And uh, uh, English speaking countries, UK being uh, <laughs> one of those, um, we have started calling the movie Ringu, uh, which is 
inaccurate. It's not what it's actually called, and it's made its way into IMDb and all the rest. Um, at this stage, you can call it whatever you want. I like. I don't like. If you want to call it Ringo, call it Ringo. If you want to call it Ring, call it Ring. If you want to call it the Ring, then call it the Ring. Um, <laughs> as long as we're all talking about the same movie, I am fine with that. This is Hideo Nakata's adaptation of the Koji Shizuki novel um, by the same name. And we are going to take a... I'm not doing the cast. Um, Not happening. Uh, We're going to take a look at the synopsis, which says a reporter and her ex-husband investigate a cursed videotape that is rumoured to kill the viewer seven days after watching it. Now, I've told the story many, many times, so I'll give you the short, short version. I worked in a video store, managed a video store, um, and uh, the video store was tiny, and it was in the proximity of a university in Scotland which had a film and media course. So I was forever getting these kids coming in who are kids same age as me. I was forever getting these students coming in uh, talking about film theory and, you know, rent movies and, and, and bringing it back and dissecting it for me. Um, and the you know, the ring kept getting mentioned. Ring was constantly getting mentioned and I didn't watch it. And by this point, I had just taken over con- well, management of that shop um, when the second movie came out and then in close proximity the prequel came out so I took all three movies and watched them back to back and watched them in chronological order as opposed to release order so I watched uh, Ring Zero first um, couldn't understand why everyone was talking about how scary this movie was because it, it had all the kind of whimsy and romance that you get with a lot of of Japanese cinema um, and Tony Lil mix a lot of things and I, I enjoyed it but I didn't think it was scary and that allowed me into a false sense of security and I watched Ring and the movie fucking Bane back broke me and flung me down a sewer when it was finished. This movie fucked me up, man. I watched it about three in the morning, which didn't help. And um, I didn't know about the scare. And when her head come through the television, I switched the movie off, switched the lights on, <laughs> went for a stretch, listened to a bit of wham, wake me up before you go, go. All the happy songs, sat back down, put the video in, and then sat slack-jawed as the rest of the scene performed out. Um, It's another movie where the 90s get shit on so much, and I feel so sorry for it. It's another... I think it's because it came so close to what we now was just unabashed sort of internet culture that... Like people are not going out their way. Like the people that are using the internet for the 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 amount of content, whether it's talking about horror movies or movies in general, most of them were teenagers in the in the nineties. And I get a feeling that they all just want to rebel against the fact that some movies actually terrified them. Um, and Ring has fallen at this weird thing now, where people now claim it was not. There's a lot of them, but it wasn't as scary as it was. And, and all the rest and I imagine if you're seeing it now it maybe doesn't have like for the first time it's maybe not having the impact or if you saw it 10 years after its release maybe you'd seen other and then some people saw the American version before they saw the Japanese one and of course the American version does a lot to kind of remove a lot of narrative inconsistencies from the original and it, it just depends all I can tell you is sitting down to watch the ring for the first time in 2001 the movie flat out scared the shit out of me it, like that left me at like a shaken mess and coming back to watch it you know like a couple of months ago when the 4k blu-ray came out i had the hairs in the back of my neck stood up 
And I, I think it is a master class in how to do a like a Japanese horror movie, which really relies in not really being able to afford to show you much. Um, it has a you know a creepy videotape at its core, which doesn't. Yeah, it's not. A, I mean, the sins are more disturbing than what you're seeing on the screen if you're if you're critically dissecting it. But the idea of doing something, kind of weirdly taking a, a a western approach and things. The idea of doing something and then the countdown is on until when someone is going to come for you. The, the the their faces contorted in pain are almost comical to an extent by today's thing, but by the remake certainly. But it still affects me. Still affects me. Still grabs me. Um, and the the idea of of the story at its central core about this, you know, this girl who was murdered and flung down a well. Who, weirdly, in the American remake, they try and twist that to try. They they do the the Nightmare on Elm Street remake scenario of trying to make her a sympathetic character a bit more than she should be, and a bit more than the Japanese movie does. Even though the reporter herself is desperately trying to save her, and the vengefulness that comes out of that, I think, is done really, 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 really well. Um, I love the reveal at the very end. I, I like, I really, really do. Where you think, is the Western thing about horror movies is again where you think we've done everything right, we've saved it just in time, and then you realise that the actions you've taken earlier on unwittingly known to yourself has made it jump to the next one it's that almost that kind of final destination approach to you know you, you pass the death on uh, mm. I, 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 I love that I really 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 do and yeah I think this movie is as close to genius as you're going to get this year and yet if you hadn't already guessed this is probably the hill that I'm going to die on um, I think it's difficult to talk about 1998 in any way shape or form and not lean back to this movie changed. It changes the face of horror cinema, unlike almost any, in fact, unlike any movie on this list. And this one does change the face of horror cinema. You could argue that that might not be enough to put it through. I would argue the other way, because I love it. So, um, <laughs> right, let's say, let's go to Jerry. First, you said that, you know, Tommy would probably be rewatched before Ring would be rewatched for you, just because you have a lot more fun with it. You like the mythology a bit more and all the rest. Do you like the Ring though? Yeah, yeah, I, I like Ring. Um, I to me, the thing that never made sense about the Ring mm -hmm. is the videotape part of it, which is my favorite part of it. But I don't understand quite why it why it ever ended up on a videotape like i don't quite like when they start explaining the background of sadoku and and the family and all that it never quite makes its way to to go and so it ended up on a cursed videotape that traveled the world it it's, never yeah it's weirdly explained in the book that's the, that's the thing is it like it's actually delved a bit more into the book i think it's re someone's recording something in the vicinity of the well and that's because the well's underneath the, the cabin, so someone records something and she transmits it using our yeah, like powers. I would have been. I'm with Jerry. I think that they should have included that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> but once I, again, do you, do, do you not a, think? Like, right. Let me. Uh, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not just trying to stick up for my movie here. 
Well, I, I give it a free pass on it because it's Japanese. Is it, that's just is, what is Japanese it, movies but, do. But does it, like, I, do you need an explanation as to why something is cursed? Is, uh, is the fact it's not cursed just okay. scary enough? Here's the reason and why. Like that, when it's a key plot point where it, it literally is the point of how the the mythology is working where they're transferring uh the the death curse to each person yeah but i, th- I, can't, I think it's it's explained without explaining it you know that the the, mm. the the room that they watch it in right the videotape is an unmarked set right which mm. so it's not a, a proper videotape that it's it was found in a vcr above a well right above a well where a girl was buried who had powers which they explain in the movie she could yeah, make okay. people see anything she wanted i think that's enough excellent i think it's you... always weird when you take something physical though yeah. and do the supernatural um mm-hmm. like manifesting physical it, it some for some reason as a horror fan it there's like unwritten rules that just are kind of weird whenever they don't follow them but i I'm what... I, I, I i can accept it Right. And it's and it, I think the thing about it that's strange is that the, the the physical manifestation of a videotape has nothing to do with her death. So it's it's no, it's, it's more a, that it's a, weird more a cultural thing. It's, a, it's yeah, more a cultural yeah. thing. Like Japanese, okay. like horror cinema in Japan up until about 1997 was predominantly done on VHS. Nothing went to the cinema. Uh, went to VHS. Like like I, I directly like Takashi Miki or even uh, Hideo Nakata. Most of their work up until this point was making very, very quick straight to VHS horror movies, and that, and which were passed around, like, like passed around, like, like people yeah, no, the trading cards, sense. which leans into the fact that this is a tape which is found. That's so. I, I mean, yeah, culturally, it maybe has more impact that way. But I, I sometimes think, as Western audiences, we are like the the other effect of that is the other side where in the latest Saw movie they have to explain why a key is in a shotgun shell seconds after it's fired by showing you Jigsaw put the key inside a shotgun <laughs> shell. And I'm like, I don't need the explanation about that. I figured that one out. I think sometimes, like, we are we are fed too much of an answer where, I, like, it's right. more about the journey than it's about the explanation, even if the explanation's unsatisfying. But how did she get that good at editing in a well? <laughs> well, the, the thing is, the images that she's... The images that she's showing... Part answer, part are this uh, almost this roadmap to find out what happened to her, but also part of it is just like scenes plucked from a nightmare, <laughs> like they're yeah. just random nonsense um, scenes. I mean, almost everything at least ties into her because even like yeah. the people crawling on the ground ties mm-hmm. in in some way. But the only way okay, I love, uh, I call it internet horror, and technically I would count this in, even though it's technically not internet horror. Yep. It's you know vhs with a media but i put it in there and i've never quite i like the movie i don't think it's top five japanese horror i would put pulse over this all day every day you put that over something that's pulse Oh, yeah, but I, I, I really, I, I, yeah, I, I really like Pulse. I'd like, yeah, I'd, and that's the most one of the most depressing movies I've ever fucking. Do seen you in my get life. Do you get Pulse without Ringo? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Like, because the the bit the movie the movie that predates Ring that is also credited as the kickoff point is Cure. Um, and Cure to me, whilst I would say is a horror movie, is definitely you make the case that that's just a like a thriller. Um, and I'm like, well, no, there's enough in there supernatural sure, speaking and stuff, but I don't think you like... do. I th- like even even post audition, audition's a different sort of movie. I don't think without yeah. Rinku, you don't get any of the tech 
hot you don't get but shut here's my problem get, so. here's my problem with that reasoning once you start going oh but you don't get this without that you basically can then forever go down and be like oh well you don't get that without uh, yeah but the difference on. yeah but the difference being it's is the whole yeah, it's the, the whole well well who created all this well, yeah God but did. the difference okay, is well, i'm not saying God. that I, the difference is i'm not saying that rings a subpar movie i'm saying the ring is a fucking great movie and it, it just so it, happens it, to be a movie that influences it's the same reason i said like i stand alone influences all the french new wave of extremity but i don't think it's it's not going to be in my top listing because it, i think it has some flaws where i don't think the ring does i don't think the ring necessarily has flaws i'm just not as interested as it goes on i get less interested in the characters right the story is good the characters are not as good to me uh but my whole point of that is when i'm doing a, a top list while i do take into consideration the importance and the effect that movie had mm -hmm. that doesn't to me i do not let that guarantee it's kind of like what you said earlier with john carpenter yeah you're oh, yeah. just letting him in because he's john fucking carpenter I don't do that. I don't allow that to be in there. Like, if I feel like I I think another movie is better, and it's between, you know, Cairo and Ringu, Cairo's getting that spot because I think it's a uh, uh, a better movie with a more important meaning. I'm not saying that I think Cairo's not a better movie than Ringu. No, I'm not saying, I'm just yeah. using it as an example. Mm -hmm. As I will put the movie I feel has a better meaning than the movie that had a bigger cultural impact. Right. I, I don't let cultural impact win. Yeah. I, I do I do genuinely think this is one of the best movies of 1998, though. <laughs> like, it definitely would, like, for sure, like, I mean, it's not my favorite Japanese movie from 1998. We'll get to that. But I, it, it is a really good movie. It's very entertaining. I like the mythology of it. I just don't care for the characters as much. Mm-hmm. Is, my, is about my biggest complaint. It's just, I don't, I'm not interested in the characters. Yeah, it's I mean, to the, me, the only fault. They, they are, they are, for the most part, fairly unlikable characters. You've got a mother who regularly neglects her son because she's working. Um, and you've got, like, a father of that boy who is not a nice guy um, at all, really. I just think they spend more time... They, when writing the script, they spent more time getting the mystery together than they did what well, yeah. time with getting yeah. the characters right. And, yeah. And I, mean, I have to spend the time with the characters. That's who I have to ride they, in the bus cause with. Because they do... The thing is, they did an adaptation before this of the movie, and the adaptation they did before of this is, is far more in line with the book. And it just doesn't really Are work. you talking about Razin? Yeah. That came out the same year? I, I was yeah. going to watch it, but I didn't. It's not It's not worth your time. It's really not. That's it's what not I a, heard. It's not a good... Because he try and do it a bit. It's not got as much money. It's not got the eye of Hideo Nakata, which really sells this for me. I think this movie's fucking incredibly shot. But what you have is it tries to follow a bit more in line with the book. And to be honest, the book works really well because it's a book. Um, like, you know, like, <laughs> they can give you a bit more detail. They can do things that turns out... Yeah. That is, it's not it's not the right approach. I, I do, I I do thought, totally hear what you're saying. saying yeah, Jerry, I just well, think I just, the ex-husband ex is just... He's a boring fucking character. The, the, the mother, I just don't feel like... It's hard for me to believe how much she cares for her son... So that at the end of the movie, when she when the movie's ending and you understand what she's about to do, yeah, it doesn't have the impact that I feel like it should. Yeah, 
I don't agree, so. but I hear what you're saying. I'd, I'd like, I, I, <laughs> um, GP. Okay. Uh, so this is, I'm coming from a completely different aspect. You, you'd mentioned there's people that have seen the, uh, American remake yep. beforehand. That's me. Um, I hadn't, I saw, I got this on D. It was actually one of the first DVDs I bought, um, a long time ago. Like this is probably shortly after the remake came out and, I hadn't seen it since then, so I revisited it for this. I've never really cared for this movie that much, and although I do think that I did like it more this time, and I do think that it is an important film because I, I really this is the film that, that created the whole J horror movement and the American remakes uh, that came out after. You know, stuff like the the Juans and the Pulses or the whatever Kiros, um, and the uh, like the one that was the uh, the Eye and the dark water whatever and Mm -hmm. then they all got american remakes too it's all because of this film um and i think that watch like the the american remake is actually i really like that film we did a show on um 2002 and i believe it was my number two that year uh and i just think that when after seeing that and especially seeing it first this one just feels lesser to me in almost every aspect and it it kind of and normally that doesn't affect me unless they're so similar and mm-hmm. i feel like both of these films are very similar um i think that i think this one like you how you watch this where you you know got it from your video store and watched it late at night one night i think that's you know the best way to see this movie because watching it i can tell that this would be super scary had i seen it without you know, seeing the, 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 the remake and, and knowing a little bit about the franchise and, and uh, so much time has passed and hearing people talk about it and stuff. If I had saw this as a kid and, you know, be without all the hype and knowing about it, I think that it definitely would have terrified me. And I, I think that the strongest part of this film um, is the, the, the climax, like the final with the well and, and the mm-hmm. final scene, it, it works so well. And I could see why it was instantly, uh, you know, because I, I think that in here in the States, at least, I feel like this wasn't even really available until after the, the remake came out. I think um, you might not be wrong, but I think there, there, that might be. I know with some G-Horror titles, um, yeah. there was, you know, the distribution companies in America would buy the title up, hold it on the shelf until they put the remake out and then release the movie. Yeah. Uh, so, I, 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 but I totally see how... Man, that it, it really does work, it, it, and I think that I don't get as scared of the J horror stuff, like the the Japanese ghost stories. But this one does really work in in that aspect in the in the scary department, and I I really do love when she comes out of the TV. It's very different from the um, American film because this one she's she's not doesn't look like a monster. She just looks like a girl. Yeah. Um, and the, it's like it's like. The moment it happens, it's almost like you double take. You're like, "Whoa!" Because <laughs> ah, someone crawls out a TV. Yeah. That, that's, that's mm-hmm. it. It's not a visual effect. It's like someone yeah. actually crawls out a TV, um, yeah. which I think is like part of that's budgetary, uh, and another part <laughs> is the and they specifically pick an actress who can do all that disjointed, weird, walky stuff, um, which they have to do digital manipulation and whatnot, and and. Um, I don't even think they give her that that walk. No, in the uh, she uh, she's a kabuki actress who uh, 
They all they did was reverse the film. She yeah. technically did it all backwards and they reversed it to make it look like she was doing forward. But mm -hmm. she's just mm -hmm. a kabuki actor. So yeah. she knew how to do all that kind of like weird movement. Yeah. And I'm kind of with Jerry a little bit. Like I don't I, I don't love the 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 characters and the investigation. I and I, I really do feel completely biased on this one, which mm -hmm. I'm normally as objective as possible, but I just keep comparing it to the the Naomi Watts one, where I much more rather watch her investigate the film and and the I just I like the story so much more in that one than I do in this one, mm -hmm. uh, and I think but I do appreciate it. I really do. I think this is a this is a really good movie. Um, I my personal enjoyment isn't there. Uh, like it is with you, Duncan. But I, I kind of, uh, I kind of am a little biased on that, honestly. Cool, right? Let's swing it round to Andrew. Yeah. So, uh, like JP, uh, I, I saw this. I saw the American remake first, just because that's what happened. You know, it's just the way that you know the distribution, the distribution worked. But I do remember when it came out in the theater. Um, shortly thereafter, I, I worked at a Best Buy at the time, and we got that DVD of, of Ringu, as it was titled then. Uh, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna check this out. And um, it, it is really hard once you've seen something to that you're you're always gonna make comparisons and stuff. But there's something a little more gritty in that original one that makes it that much more scary to me, to be mm. honest. Um, the American remake is super polished and super yeah, it of really it. Is. And it's super stylized too. It's got like that, you know, no color filter on it. It's, it, it's a, it's a product of when it was made, but to me, like the grittiness of the Japanese version and kind of, how it does even though you knew the story already kind of how they take it and they go with it and it, it's just a little scarier because it seems a little more uh rooted in like realism as much as a curse videotape can be rooted in realism but um <laughs> um I, I i really like this movie um it's it's definitely um up there in in regards to the list that we got here so i guess i'll kind of leave it at that i think a lot of things have already been said about it but um i think the environment and kind of how it was filmed is all really well done and it it truly did uh freak me out the first time i watched it so i'm not afraid to say that duncan <laughs> man i also want to point out it, it technically is a spoiler but i want to point out that it follows oh, jacked yeah. everything from ringu <laughs> oh. because you find out like when they go in the well and like dig up the body and shit and it doesn't stop it and they realize oh that's not how you stop it you have to show someone else yeah. that's how you stop it and that's how yeah and you have to understand that to understand what she's doing at the very end of the movie uh but i just want to point out that it follows you're not fucking slick yeah i there, see what you're doing there was there was a lot i remember when, like when it follows came out and there was a lot of you know that really like this idea of the the, the slow moving sort of villain i'm like yeah that's just that's michael myers and then you're like yeah like, well no but the curse though that you have to go well, yeah that's just a ring um <laughs> i mean it doesn't take, i love it follows it doesn't take anything away from it it follows is a great fucking movie but uh, yeah it's standing on the shoulders of of a lot of a lot of things that were done by movies you know like 20 years before uh, in a way which i'm fine with i'm fine with use the influences bring it together create a brand new dish with it i have no problem with that at all but that was one of the particular ones where i remember when i was reading the reviews 
of it follows early on and uh, the non-spoiler ones and people were specifically talking about how it had that kind of there was a kind of slasher feel in terms of the villain and all the rest and not one person mentioned Ring and then I saw the movie and I was like that Ring obviously <laughs> I, I've never heard anyone bring up the Ring It Follows thing because yeah. I don't I think most people know more about the American version and I, I haven't seen the American version in a long fucking time um, yeah yeah. And I so I don't remember if it's in there where they change it out to where like to survive it you have to show it to someone else. You have to you have to create a copy. So you have to create a copy of it. You have to actually physically copy the VHS to another VHS and then give it to them and make them watch it. Yeah, because in the on. Japanese version, it, you just really have to like make someone else watch it. I don't think it really matters if it's a copy or I, not. No, no, no. They have to make a cop a, a copy. It, they have to do it in the Japanese one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So she's gonna hold her little son's hand and be like, "All right, we're gonna make your first copy." Yeah, yeah. So like the, he has to put he has to put the tape in to make the I, copy. I love that concept right there. The the fact that you have to doom somebody else. Yeah. To get, I, like, it's awesome. I, it, it's yeah. really cool. So the and fact I, that she picks her grandparents to do it is fucking brutal. Oh no, no. Oh. Her parents, his grandparents. Yeah. So that's her fucking dad that she's about yeah. to yeah. straight up murk. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that, I mean, to that, be fair, Duncan. Yeah. Is your is your dad still alive? He's no. He's, he watched the cursed videotape. Um, <laughs> okay. And, as I'll say, <laughs> would you kill your parent to save your daughter? Of course. Okay. Well, that's. I know that sounds cold, but yeah. No, that, I told my dad. <laughs> that's, that's, I, mean, I, could I, save I my answered that pretty dad. quick. I'm afraid. Like, give me a second until I, I, I agonise over that. But yeah, there's. But the the the, the thing is as well that once again that's a cultural thing of like how against green that is I don't think people understand the, the nature of family in Japan like that your your elders are revered I mean like revered above your kids like like it's not uncommon for maybe three or four generations of Japanese people to share the same house and um, that they, they really look after parents and that's the that's the, the beauty of the impact of that final shot which maybe doesn't have the same impact on western cultures as much even though we do love our parents our grandparents would choose our kids over our parents yes yeah. but it's the for, it's the fact that she is gonna she's good but then again we always assume that she's dimming our parents to watch it there's nothing to say that she doesn't then tell her parent to make a copy and pass it on yeah so there's there's that aspect as well i'm like thinking she didn't say anything i don't think because so. she I'm might think that's a, how it kills the you know i destroyed the video team that's a curse over she's yeah. a shitty mom and a shitty daughter <laughs> right with that mind oh well, apparently a shitty wife also <laughs> Let's talk about another shitty mum. Um, this is uh, Halloween H2O. <laughs> well, that's what we call a oh, segue. Um, this is directed by Steve Miner, based on the characters created by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Uh, the movie stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Adam Arkin, Michelle Williams, uh, Janet Lee, Josh Hartnett, LL Cool Motherfucking J. Um, we have uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, loads of people let's not read that list any further um, the synopsis for this movie is Laurie Strode now the dean of a northern California private school and under a assumed name must battle the shape one last time as the life of her own son hangs in the balance uh, JP this is your pick my friend lead the charge alright so H2O Halloween H2O a uh, little background, I was never a huge Halloween fan and didn't even see the original Halloween fully until my teens. Wow. It's just like Jason and Freddie Moore. Um, and actually, I saw this full before I saw the original Halloween. Like, I saw this all the way through. 
Uh, I'm not a massive fan of this movie, but it has grown on me over the years. Mm. I felt like it needed to be represented just because fucking Michael Myers, you know, it's like a, 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 a important film series to mm-hmm. horror. So, but I will say this: I appreciate this film much more after watching the newest Halloween uh, because I think that they handle Laurie Strode way better in this film, uh, and I actually think that it makes sense how you know damaged she is and things like that and it it doesn't feel as forced as the the newest film uh i think that this this film has some flaws and it's honestly like the weinsteins are a fucking joke when it comes to making movies because mm. like there's just some inexcusable choices like the cgi myers mask and stuff <laughs> just, just it's atrocious i cannot believe it ever got on screen and shown to an audience that that it's the, it's the height of laziness, isn't it? That you would yeah. just go back and reshoot those scenes. No, we, yeah. can fi- we can fix it post. We'll just CGI yeah. it. Post. <laughs> yeah, and they changed the mask a million times in this movie. But I think at, at its core, I think this was such a good follow-up to the... If you're going to ignore some of the sequels and kind of just follow up the, the last two films, the first two films, I think it actually makes sense where they take the story-wise. And I love the uh, homage to... Donald Pleasance, you know, Dr. Loomis at the beginning uh, with his like voice in the background and stuff. I, I really like that. Um, it's very influenced in the post scream era. Clearly it is the most Halloween or the most scream Halloween out mm-hmm. there. You know, it's, it's Halloween scream. It's, 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 it's funny, but I think that um, I was actually surprised watching it and paying attention that Lori Strode once, you know, once Myers is there and she she's been waiting for this moment for so long, this build up that she it's like she knew it was inevitable that it would happen one day. She actually takes charge and pretty much like it like completely takes over and, and kind of kicks his ass the whole entire time. Like she's really not in much trouble for most of the final act. Like she's, you know, learning from these these things that happened to her long ago and she's kind of prepared for it, which in a more like realistic less like rambo-esque way um and i love i love i just love the ending like it got ruined in the next film like, <laughs> but, but like in the i chose to ignore that like i love how this one ends like it is a powerful moment for me um i think that it's super cool and it fits it just fits perfect and it's it's probably one of the best ways to end a, a, a slasher franchise um, when you think of all the endings that we had for Jason and Freddy and and Myers and Pinhead and all of them, I think this is you know the best ended one, um, you know in a later sequel. Uh, I think the the biggest problem with this film, other than the the silly filmmaking choices um, and you know errors, is the fact that it doesn't feel like Halloween at all. Mm-hmm. It like. It doesn't feel like you know the atmosphere at all but it kind of makes sense too because she is like the dean of this school she probably makes some choices to to push out the halloween stuff because it's you know traumatic to her so maybe that's the reason why it doesn't have like a lot of decorations and, and things like that i like ll cool j's character in this one too a hell of a lot more than buster rhymes um, <laughs> and, uh, i just think that you know this film could have been a lot better it really could have been there's some huge missteps here but at the same time it's for for a sequel when it came out in which part of the franchise you know late 
I actually think it's pretty good. It just was held back by some dumb production. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's why I picked that. I don't know how you guys feel about it. We will find out. We're going to swing it over to Andrew. Yeah, so uh, H2O. Um, I For this one, it, for me, it's more of like um, substance over like what I saw on the screen because I actually think like the story here is actually really cool. Like the way that they take it from number two and kind of, you know, 20 years later. And I, I think that's, that stuff is really done pretty well like the idea around this movie but i think like like kind of what jp was alluding to is like they just make a lot of mistakes in telling that story and and to be honest when you first kind of hear about this uh what this movie's about and you start in haddonfield and um you know the nurse you feel like the movie's gonna be a lot bigger than it is Mm -hmm. um because it's really concentrated in like one a very small set you know it's it's really all happening yeah and it, it 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 just feels like it should be bigger. It feels like there should be like more going on. And I get like the whole aspect of like stalking and, and protecting your children. And I'll tell you what, that the elevator leg snap scene has stuck with me ever since <laughs> I saw this movie. I can't get that, that out of my head. Um, it always terrifies me, but um, overall I'm kind of just lukewarm on this one. Um, I agree with you. I think the ending is great. And I was so like, I feel like when I was in the theater, I wanted to like stand up and cheer when we finally fucking cut the head off of Michael Myers. Yeah. It was, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it was at the hand of, of, you know, of Laurie Trail. Like I was like so excited for that. And then they, obviously they ruin it with the next movie. It's and, so bad. I, like resurrection is so bad. I'm sorry. It's so bad. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad, but makes me laugh all the way through. <laughs> So but yeah, it's so terrible, for, but it makes dangertainment. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> Tyra Banks. God damn it, Tyra Banks. <laughs> yeah, but for me, it's just kind of like I'm just kind of like right in the middle. Like if I'm gonna judge this, it's gonna be like five out of ten. Like it's just right in the middle. It's not bad, but it's not great. Cool. Right, let's swing it to Jerry. Uh, the movie's just really unbalanced. It doesn't, like, so I'm watching the movie, and by the time, like, Meyer shows up at the school and it really starts going, because I, I watched the movie in two sittings this time, so I watched it up till like, Michael got to the school, and then I had to, like, go to work when I came home. I'm sitting there, and I restart the movie, and I'm skipping to where it's going, and it's like... And I go all the way to chapter 9 out of 12, and I'm like, 9 out of 12 already? What? Or you... But he just showed up. He just started fucking with Josh's Hartnett's fucking awful hair. I don't understand <laughs> what's Josh going on. boy. Oh, no, his hair is... All... I mean, it's not as bad as it is in fucking the faculty, but it's bad. <laughs> like, who set that dude down and was like... You're going to make it in Hollywood. Just fuck up your hair or something. It was the messy, you know, like angsty style. Yep. Angsty style. Uh huh. It looked like Edward Scissorhands <laughs> was really fucking drunk. You've never tamed that colic, have you? I see that and then I, like, I see his hair and I, I am very quickly reminded why I had a skinhead from like 97 to 2005. <laughs> Mm. so i'm not doing yeah. that to my head i'll just shave it off yeah so uh i just feel i, I i'm not a big halloween franchise guy i'm i'm not I, I even the first movie i'm not a big fan of 
Um, so th this is just a franchise that doesn't really do it for me. And Halloween H2O, it's okay for what it is. I think this time, the thing that consumed me the most watching it was waiting for the end to see if there was anything that indicated that they were setting up the next movie. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was just kind of watching... That there is, and I, it's it's completely false. No, There's they didn't expect they didn't expect the movie to land in such a way. I think they well, expected it would do well, but I don't think the they underestimated the <laughs> a studio's desire to just keep putting out movies when one well, is successful. And so, funny enough, I'm watching the ending of it, and I'm looking at them, and I'm just like, "Those don't look like Michael Myers' eyes. Why is he not talking?" Oh, wait, he never talks. Why does it look like he's trying to talk? Why is he not, like, trying to grab for her, but instead just reaching out to her? Oh, he's going to trick her. Oh, he's not trying to trick her? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Did they set this up? Am I overthinking this? Yeah, yeah. I'm overthinking this. I'm going to turn this off now. Um, and, and, and that's it. I think it's okay. I, I, there's parts of me that would rather watch Halloween, like, four oh. over it just because just because oh. of nostalgia oh. um I, i'm a big fan of the four and five because of nostalgia and i fully admit they're not good movies but you know nostalgia is a hell of a drug and fuck your couch so <laughs> you know that's that's where i'm at and i just don't have a nostalgia for h2o because i'm just i'm just not a big fan of of michael myers mm -hmm. i'll put it this way i'm in the camp of i, I enjoy watching rob zombies Halloween one and two over watching the original Halloween one and two. Wow. God almighty. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. I was with you until you said more. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my soul, my heart. Ooh. I'm not saying they're better movies. <laughs> I'm saying I get entertained more. No, but I'm, I'm also from a trailer park in Alabama. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, I'm weirdly probably the least positive on H2O. Um, I'm not, and it's I'm not a fan of the Halloween franchise. I like the first three, and then if I'm or and I, I very shades of love the first three, and then it drops off pretty quick after that. Really don't like part four. Really, really don't like part five. Really, 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 really don't like part six. H2O, I remember, I remember going to see this at the cinema, I remember all the buzz about it, you know, Michael Myers is coming back, you know, we're going to get Laurie Strode back in here, we're going to do things, this is post-Scream, so it's going to be like a modern slasher feel and all the rest, and to be honest, I, I, like, I wasn't sitting there going, well, if you kill the atmosphere, you kill my interest, I just wanted to see someone try and restore a bit of authenticity to a character that I genuinely felt had been really really cool to begin with and uh, and just kind of put through the ringer the last time we'd kind of seen him was all this cult of thorn nonsense and donald pleasance no and what the fuck is going on and you know I mean, like all that stuff and we we kind of bring it back to to basics the the one set sort of situation where like andrew was saying you know i expect it to be bigger it's all set in one thing it's really reminiscent of the first two movies you know it's reminiscent of the second movie completely because most of that's in the hospital so i'm i'm down with that you know that's kind of what i expect from halloween but at the same time i'm kind of a jp you remove that halloween atmosphere for me and it's, it's surprising how much that changes your opinion on well it changes mine anyway um notwithstanding some 
I'll be honest, not great casting choices in the movie. Although I do love LL Cool J, who might get MVP of the movie. <laughs> really, really like him in this movie. I think they give him so much backstory that most characters would not get. The you know, it's weird. Um, and I like Laurie Strode in this one. I also like Laurie Strode in the remake. I, I like the two iterations of her. The one kind of broken and damaged alcoholic version who when push comes to shove will actually stand up and try and fix the issues of her past but I also like the kind of crazy gun toting off the you know off the beaten path the recluse version of her as well I think both of them are are great examples of how great an actress she is that she can play both of them she's basically playing two alternative futures of her character she played right back at the beginning of her career and giving them I think a lot of credibility. I think overall where it just kind of loses it for me is that I just don't think it's a good movie. Um, certainly better than the three movies that precede it, for sure. Um, but I just don't think it's a good movie. I think the the lack of that atmosphere does have an impact. The cast choice, and I don't know why Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in this movie at all. Um, and I don't really like, like, give me Hartnett in the faculty and I prefer him to how I prefer him here. I think this movie would be much better served as a, a kind of a psychological horror piece of the effects of the trauma with her not having a kid and Michael Myers coming, but with her not having a kid and not working at a school and the impact, you know, maybe living in that house up the road or something, which is, you know, the kids walk past it fast and all the rest, like the original Myers house, you know, to an extent. I think that would be a bit more interesting. Um, but what you get here is a very flashy, a lot of money spent, kind of bog standard reboot slasher movie. And it's not enough to, to give me pause to hate on it for any reason even the, the horrible masks um, and that goes to show the issues this movie was having more time was spent trying to sort out what fucking mask Michael Myers was wearing than it was spending you know have we got the script tight do we you know do we have the, the things that make a Halloween movie great and I think sometimes people forget that it's not Michael Myers that makes a Halloween movie great um, it's all about the atmosphere it's him is he in the shadows isn't he in the shadows that shit all the stuff he does in the background should be as equally terrifying as the stuff that happens on the screen and the movie drops the ball on that all the way through um, I didn't really like it when it came out I've tried several times since. I know a lot of my generation do really like this movie, though. Um, it's just not one for me. I would happily sit down and watch Urban Legends on repeat uh, than sit down and watch Halloween H2O. So. And you know what the saddest part is? Is we never got the real sequel we wanted with Ronnie's character, Fifty Shades of Myers, where he starts retelling <laughs> the events on, like, Oprah and shit. Yeah. That's what we really wanted. Give us and that, we didn't Hollywood fucking like, if you're already making a screen version of Halloween go the whole Gail Weathers fucking yeah. route with Ronnie and let's let's 50 shades of Myers let's make this happen right that was uh, that was Halloween H2 which means we've only got two movies left uh, we are going to take a turn just now to talk about another dodgy Hartnet haircut um which, when you say that really fast, does become a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, we're going to look at a little movie by Robert Rodriguez, uh, based on a story by Bruce Kimmel and David Welcher. Um, this is The Faculty. It has a pretty great cast across the board. Uh, we have Jordana Brewster making her first film debut. Uh, Chloe Duvall, Laura Harris, Josh Hartnett, Sean H Hatsley, I think is how you pronounce that. Probably not. Sam Hayek. 
dear God Almighty, humming, humming, humming. Famke Jansen, humming, humming, humming. Piper Laurie, Piper Laurie, swing, uh, and then fade away. Uh, <laughs> that's only a joke. Uh, Christopher McDonald, Robert Patrick, have you seen this boy? His name is John Connor. Uh, Usher's <laughs> in this movie. Why is Usher in this movie? Just get LL Kochi in it. <laughs> Usher was born on October 14th, 1988, and so was I. That's why he's in this movie. <laughs> well, I'd much rather that you were in this movie and Usher was not. Ah, okay. Just saying, John Stewart, which is really weird when you see him in this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> double take. But yeah, this is the faculty. Um, oh, I'm sorry. He was born 1978, not 88. I was a bit so we're 10 years apart. Yeah. Exactly. You're better looking and have a better voice. Well, I don't know about all that. <laughs> Your career's going on long after his, that's what I'm saying. But but keep that in your vows when we get married, because I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Duncan, will you marry me episode four? Right, not a problem. Yeah. Uh, right, um, Andrew, you have the lead on this one. Talk to us about the faculty. The faculty, um, this, once again, is like such a sweet spot for me. It just came out at the right time that I've, I, I, I unabashedly love this movie. I think it's got a, a fantastic cast. I think that the story is really nice. It's a nice update to kind of that body snatchers type of uh, movie. It, it, it knows that it's in a like it kind of knows that it's in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's a movie, and they play that off really well. They've got all of your you know static characters that you know you'd see in high school, and they they do a lot of things really good. That I I honestly I've seen this movie probably. 400 times i can't even say how like how many times i've seen this movie just because i get so much enjoyment out of it there's nothing in it i never feel like it slogs i feel like it gets through the motions really quickly like it never loses pace like all the dialogue i think still holds up i think the characters are um as much as they're like stock like quote-unquote stock characters they play into that really well um yeah i this is this is a definitely a guilty pleasure for me i was happy that it was in my year because this is like right up there with some of my favorites that are not because I'm, I'm usually either like a ghosty guy or like uh like slasher type and this doesn't fall into either of those realms and i think because i get so much enjoyment out of it and, and it doesn't fall into those is why it's like so special to me awesome awesome right let's swing it to jerry uh, I really dig the faculty. It is one that I actually saw in theaters in '98, um, and I, I really, really just—I I love sci-fi horror. I love alien invasion shit. I'm a—I'm a big fan of like 1950s B movies, mm-hmm. uh, and to me, that's what this kind of was. It was the scream version of a 1950s B movie. Mm-hmm. So I was fucking down with it. I would have sex with like every person in this movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, all at the same time. Just fucking bring them all on. Uh, it's... Everybody involved in the faculty. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and it was even funny. So we had a party here and uh, I had just watched the faculty and everyone was like, well, put on a horror movie for the background. It was because uh, we were having a pride party because uh, it was like the weekend before Nashville Pride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So I threw, so the faculty was already in my Blu-ray player, so I just hit play on that. So la- later on, we're, you know, it's about the scene where the uh, blonde chick kind of walks in naked mm-hmm. and Josh Hartnett's first question isn't, why are you naked? Which is weird. <laughs> but because the Blu-ray quality is so good, you can actually see like the tape on her nibbles. 
<laughs> which is really fucking funny. Um, sometimes Blu-rays can hurt your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think this movie holds up in every regard. Like the CGI is decent. The story's really fucking good. All of the characters are entertaining, even for them being that standard brat pack uh, combination, which sometimes can be very annoying. I feel like they all kind of have good twists and turns that make them more enjoyable than they rightfully should be. So I, I absolutely fucking love this movie. I don't think there's that much depth to it. I think it's just a great popcorn flick. Throw it on, sit back, and fucking enjoy the ride. Boom, JP. All right. Um, I fucking love the faculty, man. This is this is my movie, dude. Like, uh, I think the the concept of you take like the breakfast club uh character archetypes um and you know put them in this this horror movie with this invasion of the body snatchers-esque thing just works so well and all of the characters are aware of their archetypes which is Mm -hmm. really interesting you know what i mean like even the teachers are aware of their archetypes and you know the the one teacher gives zeke shit and and i just thought like as a kid watching this i thought zeke was the coolest motherfucker ever i was like i'm gonna sell all kind of drugs and stuff like that. <laughs> so awesome i'm gonna drive this cool car everybody's gonna like me i'm gonna i like it this film reminds me of if i was a kid and i was daydreaming of my regular life and everything is exaggerated and maybe there's like an alien outbreak like the way that zeke pulls the fucking uh <laughs> the uh paper cutter blade off mm-hmm. and kill mm-hmm. like, that's something i would think of in my head like oh just reach over and grab this and like it seems epic like you would think it would be and uh it's just like all that put on screen uh the soundtrack is so good you know i love the opening with the offspring and stuff and and uh, I just love how they introduce, it, it feels very um, like modern for the time, you know what I mean? How that introduces each of the characters with the writing on screen. Um, and you have, uh, there's so many recognizable faces in this film. There really are, like even the dude from that 70 show and stuff is yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really like just tons. I, I love Selma Hayek. Um, I love the, you know, even the updated, um, you know, Pink Floyd song that they use was pretty cool and fit well with the the high school. I just thought the the high school setting was was awesome. And these kids, again, this is a time where post scream like the kids are smart, mm-hmm. like they're they're not idiots. They are the ones that the rest of the world is dumb. These kids are smart, and we are represented of the kids as the audience. Like most of us saw these when we were younger and uh the target audience is us so it makes it makes you feel good that they're not dumb and running you know up the stairs when they should be running out the door mm-hmm. uh and th- i thought that th- there's some like decent like plot twists and stuff the one the one complaint that i have is that if you you know once you find out the reveal and you think back well wait a minute i saw you snort that stuff and they're like well, you're not really sure what you did see huh mm-hmm. and i'm like actually no i'm pretty sure because i yeah. saw this movie a million times and you didn't do that in the scene <laughs> so yeah, like, it is the, it is the one flaw like yeah if they if they could have pulled it off to where they could have you know showed it at the bottom of the screen or something her finger doing that like that would have been genius but it, it's a legitimate cheat um so that's unfortunate but uh everything about this movie is is 
great to me. I, I love it 100%. It, it, when, when I looked at the, the list of films, before it, I even looked at it, I knew this was my, my favorite one. And I wasn't going to pick it because I figured somebody else would. And I could pick some other stuff that was cool, <laughs> you know, because I knew this one would get in anyway. Uh, but everything, there's so much to like about it. It's it's very creative, uh, very original, and, and st for taking things that aren't original, right? Body snatching, um, you know, Breakfast Club-esque things, but like mashing them together and making its own original thing just, just is awesome. And, and by the end of the movie, everybody changes right it, everybody changes from who they were and grows as a person like you got zeke now playing football and you got mm -hmm. um stan focusing on his uh education you have i'm the still nerd. not convinced that stokely would be in a dress but that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like stokely though that's my girl um <laughs> and uh yeah maybe 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 a little little out there that she'd be in a dress but yeah i i i dig it it's I, really the, cool. the, I love the beginning of this movie. The the so, opening, it's so good. Yeah, I thought that's what high school was going to be like. I couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and you got there. Um, yeah, I, you guys are pretty much covered, to be honest with you. This is one I have a lot of fun with. Um, I think it's, it's a movie that, I, once I don't know how many times I've seen The Faculty. I've probably seen The Faculty, if not more about the same times as Andrew I used to watch all the time because it was easy you could shove it on and do stuff in the background and it would play and you'd be fine with it uh, it's a movie that I enjoy coming back to we did an episode on it for uh, TMHS about what four months ago so I didn't need to watch it again I did watch it again for this run back through because it is it's like putting on like a your favourite jumper um, it, it's just it's something comfortable about it Um I think it's the it, it fixes a lot of the things which I think Halloween H two suffers from, and that all the teens feel a bit more believable. And I want to spend time with them. I want to spend time with none of the kids in H two O, but I want to spend time with the ones in the faculty. I think even the choice of cast for the faculty is really really good, um, and they picked really interesting, diverse people who you wouldn't ever see in the same movie together to play teachers because mm -hmm. that's what a faculty is actually like. It's a whole group of people who have interests wildly different. That would never be. It's the weirdest place. Schools must be the weirdest place to work because it's just a mismatch of people who are only joined by. Like, if you work for a tech company, everyone's there for technical purposes. You know, they've studied something tech based to work in that company. Uh, if you work in fashion, it's because you have an interest in fashion. You see, if you work in academia, you all have wildly different interests because you've all studied something completely different. Um, and then you all have to do the same job but doing it differently. It's just a weird... I think it's. Yeah. I think that is handled really well. I think the CGI has, uh, has aged surprisingly well, but then again, it's Rodriguez that's behind it. <laughs> <laughs> and all his CGI is is aging very well for all his movies. So um, it's because that's his that's you know that's his bread and butter. That's his background. He's done it for a lot of other movies. Um, and you know he was proving himself. I think sometimes we overlook his importance in the nineties. I mean, this follows on from from Dust Till Dawn, and that's two movies pretty much back to back that are you know excellent slabs of up uh, upscaling and retelling uh, styles of of horror that we hadn't seen in a while and doing them from a kind of fresh pulpy perspective so I think he does that really well yeah it's a great movie I, I can't see any more about that one um, yeah. it's definitely top five for me um, for sure I'd I, like I'd 
I, I couldn't see it not being because there's very little, even plot devices that maybe don't make sense or anything like that. I, I you know I'll forgive them because everything else is done really well. <laughs> like so, you know when you get when you when you're you're having to almost inception yourself down to the fifth level of trying to find flaws in the movie, it means it's doing quite a lot right. For a genre itself, which is usually, when it comes to body snatcher stuff and, you know, uh, Night of the Creeps, sort of stuff like that, those movies are usually pretty schlocky. And this one handles Mm -hmm. what was a B-movie aesthetic with surprisingly a lot of A-movie depth. So, there we go. Uh, Right, which means we have one movie left. Um... Uh, we're swinging into the only, the only animated feature on, the only animated feature to ever be covered as part of the Summer Teapots Top 10 series, full stop. Uh, and interestingly, um, this is the only animated movie that's ever been covered on the podcast Under the Stairs in a returning role. So I've only ever done one animated feature before and that was Perfect Blue and I'm doing it again for this series. So there <laughs> you go. Uh, so that says a lot about um, about my interests uh, and uh, maybe a lot about this movie's credibility. Uh, this was Jerry's last pick. It's directed by Satoshi Kon. Um, once again, has a lot of voice acting from a lot of Japanese people, um, but it's based on the screenplay by Sadayuki Mura and the novel by y- Yoshikazi Takeuchi. Um, the plot synopsis for this one is a retired pop singer turned actress's sense of reality is shaken when she's stalked uh, by an obsessed fan and is seemingly a ghost from her past. Um, Jerry, why did you pick Perfect Blue? I saw Perfect Blue back in the day when I was getting anime on VHS. Um, I was watching like Vampire Hunter D, I was watching Wicked City, I was watching Akira, and then at one point we got Perfect Blue, and I'm not sure why, because the cover of Perfect Blue is, is really nothing that would catch your eye or anything, but for some reason we grabbed it. And we watched it, and it was too much for us. We didn't under we were we were young. We didn't understand what the fuck was going. You know, with Akira, you get it. It's you know, fucking uh, badass telekinesis powers. With Vampire D, you get it. It's a fucking badass vampire hunter, fucking up nobles. You know, Wicked City. It's these fucking demons from a different dimension. Then you watch Perfect Blue, and it's this really deep psychological thriller. And, like, I've always called this movie uh, a Japanese giallo. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like it's set up very much like a giallo and has some of the, the same beats. It's in, in fact, this movie was originally going to be live action, but an earthquake hit the studio and they kind of was like, well, fuck, and they cut the budget and made it animated. And this is Satoshi Kon's... This is his directorial debut. Mm. This is his first full-length movie. And... To have the amount of depth that he uses in this movie is insane. There are whole videos just on the use of the color red in this movie. Like, the way he uses red puts Argento to shame with with its fucking having it everywhere and you not really noticing it until it's pointed out. And then you start going, oh shit, you're right. It's right there. It's right there. Like, you'll notice it in weird parts of the movie um, where, like... Um, Behind her computer is this red banner with fish on it, which also ties into a point in the movie where the fish 
die in the tank and then she realizes that they're not dead because she's having this break from reality and it's great she basically uh mima decides i no longer want to be a pop star i want to be an actress so she goes into doing an actress and an obsessed fan uh is not a big fan of that and uh that's more important if you understand the idol situation in japan it's much much different than how pop singers are in america it's more manufactured over there they sign like agreements that they won't date people that you know they're not allowed to have relationships it's very much a like manufactured thing over there so for her to break from that and then, then to go into acting and immediately go into something that's that's you know, a show that's about murder and has a rape scene and she also does these like sexualized photos. That's much different than how the pop scene over there is because the idol scene is very much about you're innocent. You're a very innocent person. Um, it's, it is not sexualized over there, especially in the 90s. Um, so for her to do all that is very drastic and it was very like pointed finger at that industry. But to go into deeper her uh her manager uh Rumi it was also a form pop pop idol and when she couldn't do that anymore she went to managing so she has this deep connection she's basically living through uh Mima and and as the story progresses and you have these breakdowns of what's reality and what's not it's kind of like uh the complaint that uh, people have about like the Nightmare on Elm Street movie where you sometimes can't tell what's reality and what's a dream. Mm -hmm. It's like that, except I, to me, done better, but only in the sense that I think it was more meant to confuse you than it is in Nightmare. Mm -hmm. It's meant to have you always off your guard. And like going into like the meaning of this movie and like... I. I want to go into it, but I also don't want to give spoilers because if you've never seen Perfect Blue because it's an anime, you are doing yourself an injustice because it it skirts a lot of anime tropes. A lot of the people in the movie look realistic. They, in fact, the only time when you see unrealistic stuff is when, like, you're looking at the pop idols. They look prettier than all the normal people because they're pop idols. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at, like, when the pop idol takes off her costume and goes home, she's in a tiny one-bedroom apartment with a small-ass TV, a fish tank, a computer, and a PlayStation 1. <laughs> like, it's not, like, the glamorous life you would think about when you think of someone who's a very successful pop idol because of how different it is over there. And so it, it can kind of... It's very disharming going into looking all that and then going into her losing herself because she's got this changeover the stalking of her it, it's just insane and i guess before i go into more on it i would actually prefer to hear y'all's thoughts on it because this was a first time watch for who me you for okay me. i knew for it was for, for, for me too okay both of you i thought so um so i yeah either whoever dunk Duncan wants to pick. I would love yeah, to hear. Yeah, let, let's let's just let J, uh, JP said first. So JP, thoughts on the movie? Um, yeah. So uh, I don't like anime. Um, I'm not. Uh, I I've always kind of. Not only do I not like it, like I've always like really except Dragon Ball it. Z. Let's clear the air. Except for Dragon Ball, <laughs> I, love, I love some Dragon Ball Z, bro. <laughs> but I'm I'm saying like I always just thought it was kind of um lame a little bit and and i know that's 
a very dumb way to think right uh and it's more just because of the people who i knew who were like really into it's like they would push it too hard on you you know Mm -hmm. like it's and it's like dude i don't like care and um i get i get it though i I mean we're we're, i'm a fan of this and nobody cares about it you know horror (laughs) Mm -hmm. so uh i totally get it but it's just like the the people that i would be around who were into it it just was like too much for me to handle but um jerry actually introduced me and like kind of forced me to watch some with akira and i did like it and now after watching this like i really like this as well and you're right it, it does feel like a uh, Japanese giallo and the animation is awesome like mm-hmm. and I'm a fan of animation you know like cartoon like American cartoons and stuff but like anime itself like Japanese stuff it just never appealed to me and the manga and stuff like that never appealed to me other than Dragon Ball Z um, <laughs> so uh, but watching it man I, like I was just so in engulfed in the story and the atmosphere and I was like really into like this girl's story like I can kind of understand like even though the pop thing is different and thank you for explaining some of the differences in in japanese culture uh, i can understand like the the fame and wanting to walk away and, and that aspect of it and trying something new and we see it even in america with you know singers who want to get into acting and and vice versa and things like that so it, it, that that part is you know still relevant to us but um i just in the 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 just the way the story is told i was just really into it and i think that this is uh a great i th- i heard i've heard that um darren uh aronofsky or, yeah aronofsky owns oh. the rights to this yeah it's, yes. it basically remade it like black swan is as which i love yeah. black swan well yeah actually love, love black swan. so he didn't buy it he bought it well before Black Swan. He actually for, bought it for Requiem so that for a he Dream, could, didn't he? Requiem Dream, the yeah. bathroom, the tub scene. He bought it for that. That's why when he did Black Swan, he didn't have to worry about getting sued or anything because yeah, yeah. he already owned the rights. Yeah. Huh. See, I I would love to see him like do this full movie. Uh, I think this story can translate the screen pretty well, especially if somebody who's talented handles it. Um, but uh, as as an anime, as a as a just as a movie, it's it's a really good movie with a really good story. Um, I will um, I will definitely pick this up whenever I get a chance on Blu-ray or whatever format it's on. No, there's uh, a yeah. there's a United States Blu-ray release. I've got the UK Blu-ray release, but there's a US mm. one now. Cool. Um, you know, not definitely not my uh, forte in terms of like, you know, I don't really know much about japanese animation and stuff like that but uh as a movie it kicks ass and even moods you know my co-host i I think did you give this to him jerry for patreon yeah yeah i made you watch akira and i made him watch um that and then i made jeremy watch like violent shit or something yeah (laughs) (laughs) violent yeah (laughs) i I could see why but um yeah even he loved it and he's not a big anime fan so like yeah it's it's this is definitely a gateway film like i feel like because I'm actually interested. Like, this is the most interested I've ever been in covering some, you know, anime and and looking into it a little bit deeper. I know that I think the Vampire Hunter one came out in like '85 or something like that. Uh, yeah. And then there's a sequel to that called Bloodlust. Um, yeah. The animation of Bloodlust is fucking stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, our next top ten show on Twenty Two Shots is 1985. So I'm I, I'm that's one that i'm gonna check out so thank you for you know let me put my guard down and check out some some new stuff and and i was happy with this this is this definitely i could see why you love this so much 
Nice. All right, Andrew, first time watch for you? Yep, first time watch. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what I was expecting kind of going into this because I like JP. I'm not, I've just never been into anime. It's just like not something that we got really when, I mean, apart from like the mainstream stuff, it just never happened. Um, so going into this, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, well, animation, is this going to be like the only, the only anime that I have any like akin to, or like uh, that I know of are things like Sailor Moon. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, but it is that, it is that style though, where it's like, everything is like, boom, zoom, bomb, like, so, like over, over bombastic. You know what I mean? So going into this, I was like, oh, here we go. Like, but no, once you kind of get over that and you settle into the tone of the movie, you're like, oh, the, no, this is like, just like an actual movie that's animated. Um, and, and then after I kind of got over that and got into the story, I was like, yeah, this is, I like this. This is, this is going somewhere. And then the ending kind of took my breath away a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. Uh, okay. Um, it, it, it got me in a way of, I just really wasn't expecting, um, just going into it, knowing that it was an animated movie, but I kind of give it a little bit more credit that way because they had to get over kind of that hump of it being an animated movie and expectations of the audience going into it. And I think they achieved something pretty special because I don't think I've seen something like this before or after uh, that really did this like this. Um, Y'all so yeah, don't know I'm... how big my smile on my face is right now. <laughs> like I'm smiling so hard that like I'm slightly tearing up because <laughs> like it, it just there's times where someone gets makes you watch something that you would have never have watched mm-hmm. and, it, and it blows you a fucking way and you're like I yeah. can't wait to like watch this again and see because trust me the next time you watch this you'll start noticing like all these fucking small things that are happening and the way they transition and the way like uh, you see uh, like the way they use uh, windows and mirrors in this movie You'll notice like specific things with that. You don't, you'll notice specific things with the color red. Uh, it's very, it's very fucking deep. Like there's so much thought in this fucking movie, and so, and it's a movie that when people tell me I don't like anime, usually I will say, okay, watch Perfect Blue, because that is one that that bucks a lot of anime tropes. They, the style of the movie is not super anime. It's very normal. It's very regular. Um, it doesn't push you away because, like Andrew said, you start watching and you realize, oh, this is just a movie that's an anime. It's not mm-hmm. like giant mecha robot girl fairy tale uh, Sailor Moon Dragon Ball Z Frieza. You know, it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's it's fucking very... And, um, Satoshi Khan has done many movies like this. Uh, Millennium Actress uh, fucking his show paranoia agent like he loves messing with the duality of things he loves fucking with uh the duality of like in your head and like what your image is and what your image isn't and like because this whole movie is about the duality of the avatar and as podcasters we have that we have a certain avatar that people who listen to our show recognize and even though I feel like most of us are very true to ourselves in real life and that avatar, let's be honest, there's still a little bit more stage performance in that avatar than there is us in real life. Mm-hmm. So, and say we wanted to move away from our podcast and go into something else, we would have to kill that avatar 
to create a new one or, or even kill it to just go back into our normal life and get away from it. And what if your brain doesn't ex accept that? What if you have some person who's such a super fan of you that they start going after you, but then you find out that that super fan is actually being led by someone who was in the production side of your podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, and it becomes this whole fucking storm of like, there's, it's not just you going insane and you dealing with the duality. There are outer forces that are also dealing with your choice to change. And now they have their own duality that they have to deal with involving you. It's, it's fucking mind blowing every time I watch this fucking movie. And I think I'm finally at the point where like, there's not much new for me to watch, but I still greatly enjoy the film because I'm just so impressed with it. And like, uh, fucking like because if you want to watch this but in a more anime version done by the same director he did one called paprika which is fucking kind of shot out and out there mm -hmm. uh and it's fucking great but it's it's more anime it's more anime style i guess i should say i will jump in um it's almost as if jerry had heard me review it. i don't know if you have but like, i reviewed this with bo ransdell back in Early 2017, I want to say. I, I paired this up with... It was back in the day where I used to pair up movies but I tried to do a common theme. And I paired this up with a movie called Sleep Tight, which was directed by one of the directors who did Wreck. Um, and if you've never seen Sleep Tight, if you want to feel uncomfortable, that's the movie to watch. Uh, but I picked Perfect Blue as well um, because I'd seen it many times before and, yeah, I really, really liked it. And... Yeah, the movie got a 5 out of 5 from me on that one because I think it's kind of perfect. I, I do. There's not much I can add to it on there. It's probably... Uh, you guys are using terms like Jalo. It certainly has that at its core. Uh, what none of you have mentioned, though, although you have skirted around it, is its art house quality as well. Um, there's, a, there's a heavy art house influence here. It, it, it takes on a lot of the elements of it. And if it became a movie, there's a reason that an art house director has bought the rights to it and used it and to art house movies um, it, it leans into that world of not only just the visual aspect as well it's use of colours um, it's use of dream logic but also leans into different viewing experiences every time I've watched Perfect Blue I've come out with something different and that's because I've went in feeling something different every time I watch it you get out as much as you bring to this movie um, which I think is uh, two testament of a great art house movie so yeah i can't add anything else i think it's fucking awesome so it's, and it's great like because when you're watching like the duality between the tv show that's being made and her mm -hmm. like her first fucking line is excuse me who are you yeah like you can mm -hmm. watch all, there's so much subtlety yeah, in everything that's, that's awesome. done yeah. and all the connections it blows my fucking mind yeah really 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 good Gentlemen, that's 10 movies. We've just went through 10 movies. We've discussed The Faculty, Last Broadcast, Urban Legend, Perfect Blue, Phantasm 4, Oblivion, Halloween H2, Ringu, I Stand Alone, Vampires, and Tomie. That means we now need to make the hellish decision about cutting 10 down to 2. We're going to take a very short break, though, and when we return, 10 become 2 on the podcast Under the Stairs, right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. 
politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, um, just before the break, we reviewed The Faculty, Last Broadcast, Urban Legend, Perfect Blue, Phantasm for Oblivion, Halloween H2O, uh, Ringu, I Stand Alone, Vampires, and Tommy A. The next part of our uh, mission here is to get them down to two, which will then go off to the adjudicators for assessment. Um, I usually kick them off. I usually kick them off because <laughs> it gives me the opportunity to uh, get some of the easy ones out of the way first. Um, and I will sacrifice one of my picks. I understand and I realise very, very quickly that it's just outside my top five anyway, and I don't think anyone else will have it in their top five, uh, that I stand alone can be removed from the pile at this stage. Uh, JP, do you agree? Um, <laughs> do you have it higher? All right, I, I do have it high. Wow, I it, high. It, it was six on my list, so huh. <laughs> I feel you though. I don't think I could win this battle either way, so I'm okay with it. Cool, cool. Um, Jerry, goodbye, horses, because <laughs> he's a horse butcher. Get it? He's yeah, a horse butcher, <laughs> Andrew. Yes or no? Good riddance. There we go. Cool, that's that one off. I like this Andrew guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, JP, you get a shot here. Um, What would you like to see removed from the list at this stage? Uh, Personally, for me, uh, I'll sacrifice one of the ones that I picked. um, And that would be H2O. Just because I know that you guys... Like I'm, I'm not that high on it, but you guys are even lower than me. (laughs) All right, um, I will second that. Uh, We'll swing it across to Andrew. Yeah, totally. Cool, and then over to Jerry. Yeah, Josh Hartnett just did better work this year. <laughs> <laughs> right, you are next, Jerry. What, what do you think uh, could go at this stage? So, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, it was even though it's group pick, it's kind of my pick. So, I'm going to say goodbye, Tomie. It was nice introducing you to new people at the party. You're just a little too fucking weird, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> goodbye. Andrew, you agree with that? I am 100% okay with that. <laughs> GP. Yep, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I'll, I'll happily let that one go. Uh, Andrew, you want to put one forward? I will get rid of the one that I said at the beginning of the episode didn't shouldn't fit on this list, and I will get rid of vampires. Oh, poor JC. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not at all fine for me. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see vampires leave just now. Uh, Jerry? Uh, yeah, it gives me a chub to tell vampires. <laughs> <laughs> give, you, give you a little wood there, give you a mahogany. Um that's actually an ebony. Um, <laughs> JP, you in agreement here? Yeah, yeah. Cool. cool. That one is going. So it's back to me. <laughs> um, I, I mean, we're almost at my top five, actually, weirdly. Uh, but there is one movie that is standing in the way of my top five, and that, sadly, JP, is Phantasm for Oblivion. Um, I don't have it in my top five. Yeah, I'm cool with that too as well. Uh, I, I I never expected that one to go through. Okay, um, Jerry. Um. The, all right, I'm gonna drop one that that, that is a heavy hitter, <gasps> but I don't I don't think it's it, it it would make that top two range. So that's why I got it. I'm just gonna go ahead and, and rip the bandaid off. Goodbye, Urban Legend. 
I love you, but right, you all right? So I was looking for you to agree a Phantasm Four, but you're also putting forward. <laughs> oh the yeah, other... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is that, isn't it? Yeah, Phantasm Four can go. I don't think any fights on that. Cool. Oh no, we will maybe able to swing back to what you've. No, you might just have preempted and made things easier for everyone here. Um, we'll check with Andrew. Andrew, you okay with Phantasm Four going out just now? Oh uh, yeah, it's just it's. Uh, I think I need to brush up on the actual series before I can really make an accurate judgment on that one. So I'm fine with it going off. Cool. Right. So on the back of what Jerry just said there, does anyone have Urban Legend ridiculously high on their list? I um, don't. It, like Urban Legend sits at number five for me. So it's, um, it's pretty high up for me to be honest. Right. But, cool. um, if you like, if you'd rather feel more comfortable waiting to debate down further that side, that's fine. Um, I'm cool with that. Um, I will go ahead and steal Jerry's thunder though, and say that I think a movie that I don't know if it will get. Well, I was less confident that it was going to get universal agreement for this year, uh, but I'm slightly more confident now. Uh, I'd like to put on the table that Perfect Blue represent 1998. Oh it's, yes, Perfect Blue. Absolutely, 1998 is the best mm. thing y'all have seen. It's that new flavor that y'all are addicted and al to. And also, I love the idea of just watching my listeners' head explode when they realize an anime's went through. Because um, <laughs> that's how well, I... See, okay, so... This is where it gets this, difficult, this JP. This is where it's hard for me. Because... <laughs> you already done the show, JP. This is the deal. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I will not... I will. N I refuse to leave here until the faculty's. <laughs> I I agree. I'm okay, I'm 100 percent okay. with faculty. I, this might be jumping a little ahead. My top two are Perfect Blue number one, the faculty number two. Right. I'm just saying. This Perfect representation <laughs> of all of us. Oh gosh, that's my, my <laughs> top two. My top two are Ringu and Perfect Blue. I and I know that. And I or double bill. It, my top two are Faculty and Ringu. Oh, right. Holy shit, right? This oh, is... Fuck, no, Perfect Blue is better than Ringu. Come on. Damn. Okay, my top two where I stand alone and the Faculty. So Holy if, fucking shit. If I was going to have a, a different top two, like a different second one, yeah, I would be... I'm like right there between... I like Perfect Blue more. Yep. But like I get where Duncan's coming from on Ringu. Right. But, like, if it was the faculty and Ringu, I would be cool. If it was the faculty and Perfect Blue, I'd be cool. If it was Perfect Blue and Ringu, I am not fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Uh, be a like, lot cooler if you did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, have all... Right, so is, are three people with the faculty, then? It's just yeah, me that's I, against I, the faculty. I love the faculty. I don't see how this list can be valid if it's not at number one or two. Right? <laughs> I think, here's the thing. I think I the faculty. Think you'll find that uh, we might get. Well, I don't know. It's not up to me. It's not up to me. It's up to, I don't it's, care about it's them. Up to, yeah, it's no. It's about the adjudicators more than anything. I try and I'm trying to get it. <laughs> if you're happy. Uh, look, this is how I see it. Okay, when when you are going to go into a year, uh -huh. and you're trying to represent that year. Yep. If there's a few certain ticks on the box you want to hit mm -hmm. one you want that movie that does encapsulate the year and the faculty does do that it is it is a post-screen movie it is a sci-fi horror it, it it's a little bit different while doing everything that the, that the year is representing it, it has some action into it it's got the teen comedy 
it's just a great fucking movie. It's that popcorn flick that you want. It's your comfort food. Mm-hmm. And that's why you want the faculty on there. But when you go to your number two, I think that's where you have to go, okay, we got our popcorn movie. Now we need a, the fucking main course. You need the meat you can chew on and fucking get it in the mashed potatoes with the gravy. You know, you don't like, you don't like I don't, mashed potatoes I don't and gravy? Mix, I don't mix my food. Oh, no. Well, That's no, a I'm different podcast. That's a different plate. podcast. I'm, say, I'm saying, like, the 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 faculty is a good snack, but mm. when you come to your main course, you got to have something deep and provocative, something that you really get into. See, here's the thing, and I, if if you're giving me a choice between which film do I like more, Perfect Blue or Ringu, I like Perfect Blue way more. But I think that it matters that that Ringu basically created a whole wave, and I do think that it represents the 90s well and i think that 98 should maybe be represented by that versus something that people really aren't familiar with which is perfect blue but then I maybe on the flip they side need to slap in the face <laughs> <laughs> they need something new they need to learn something that's the whole reason we listen to podcasts is to learn I new do, things i do feel that too that if we did put it there it would shed more light on it which is a good thing but i I don't know like when i'm thinking greatest movies of the 90s like most important movies i feel like ringu probably hits more of those check boxes than perfect blue does but i okay. definitely like perfect blue more but okay here's my question and this is actually more to duncan because he, he's done this <laughs> duncan how often does that hidden gem make it that underdog fight that hidden gem make how often does that actually happen uh, I'll, I'll tell you what usually happens on this series of shows. Someone really battles for the underdog. That underdog goes through, and when it's taken up by the other hosts, it tends to get savaged. Uh, <laughs> that's that tends to that tends because you once again you are you're taking a snapshot time capsule of. I mean, we are well. You are three people, and you are one fifth of the overall collection of hosts that will vote ultimately on the the order of these and they all, the 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 kind of goal is to create the best list and whilst i've said before like my my number one is ringu for the year my number two is perfect blue um so you don't have to win me over with perfect blue perfect blue is but i think i, think I think it's great. the better fucking movie um I, I i mean i agree with you i but... think it's i think it's the better story but I've, I've told you before i like i like ringu is ingrained in me that that movie yeah. that movie changed my like it not only changed like let me put it this way if i watched perfect blue and liked it right i could watch a lot of other anime but there's not a lot of anime like perfect blue right so then i could be like well maybe that's a flash in the pan i watched ringu and it introduced me to about six solid years of crazy good asian horror which was all influenced by ringu so is it just yeah. about the best movie it's not on, no no no, or no, is no. It... we did them um, in 1979 we put through <laughs> we put through tourist trap and almost broke the internet because we put <laughs> the we we put we, the we put tourist trap through because we genuinely felt it was underseen underrepresented and everyone we knew when you were asking them if they liked tourist trap they said they liked tourist trap so surely there should be no controversy there <laughs> uh, when it came to do a list i think tourist trap 
Tourstrad didn't make the top 10, didn't even make the top 15. Um, and, you know, the, there were movies on that list where I thought Tourist Trap were better, but when it comes down to it, people are very tribal about what they, they pick. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I think... I think you're right. I think when it comes down to story, the way it's set up and all the rest, even working in a medium which is more difficult to make all that tied together, Perfect Blue is the better movie. But when it comes to what I think the best horror movie is of 1998 is Ringu. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm doing the best horror movie. Um, it, it is I more agree. of a horror movie. Uh, you know I, mean? I, I, I think I, it's right there. I think psycho- like Jallos get lumped in with horror. You don't have to sell me on the movie. Because uh, I'm there with you, I think it's great, but I mean, I'm I'm dying on this hill. So like, no matter like, I'm saying perfect blue, no matter what. There's there's no turning me on that. Yeah. Like I I, I came in like hoping to get perfect blue on there. Yeah. And then when I heard that two people who had never watched the film before were not into anime, give the 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 review and reaction they did to me that is just we need to push that further mm-hmm. more people need to have that to have that reaction to go mm-hmm. i don't like anime and then to watch this and be like well god damn like i think what it is for me is like i just am trying to under because I, I haven't really asked you duncan but <laughs> the criteria am i picking the film that i like the most or am i picking the film that i think deserves to represent the year uh based on you know, influence and, and you can pick quality. whatever you want. Or you can pick whatever <laughs> you want. Like, because if that's I, the case, like the faculty doesn't need to be in there because it's because it has no influence. It's scream. It's scream uh, with aliens. I, I no, highly uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no. what is the faculty influence? That it's not about, it's not about, it's yeah, not, exactly. it's not it about influence. Don't, don't get influence the year. No, but I don't understand. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, Ringo there's a reason why people are still watching it. I mean, well, I mean, people are still watching every fucking shitty movie from the 80s. Yeah, but okay. So, but, but I'm not leaning heavily. uh, Like, that's just influence is just one aspect of what I was talking about. There's also quality and entertainment value and replay value and you can, you uh, mass honest, appeal and you, critical reception. Don't, don't, don't go, of, yeah, don't, like, like, you'll, get, you'll get bogged down and you'll end up not putting through the answer that you don't think you should put on because you think horror thinks you should put through a different title that's not the way you should approach it um like i say i'm in the enviable position or unenviable position here that the movie that had the impact it just happens to be a movie that i love i think i I think is i think i think ringu front to back is an amazing movie i don't have this like like i to me i don't care if i like the characters or not it's about Mm. the mystery and i think the mystery is it's fucking amazing. I think the, the whole mystery aspect is what sells that very much in the same way that I think Perfect Blue understands that the vulnerability and the disjointed nature of how the main character is trying to circumnavigate transitioning from one career where she's been told to do everything and then move to something that's totally out with her comfort zone of what she could do and what she couldn't do. And then the fact that someone stalks her plays heavily on her mind and makes her see things. I think that's infinitely fascinating as well. Um, I think the faculty is great at what it does, and the faculty is my third choice. It's not, you know, it's not as if it's number five or anything like that. The faculty is my, it would be my third choice. But I, you know, I, I, 
I would be lying if I said in good conscience. I mean, if you guys all band together and say perfect blue in the faculty are going through, perfect blue in the faculty are going through, I'm not going to stop the show to, you know, try and convince you <laughs> otherwise. That's not going to happen. I'm just setting yourself up for what the realistic value of that is is that yes you will put on that list putting on the list doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to gravitate to it and enjoy it like you used to did um, mm-hmm. at all but on the flip side of that having the faculty at number one you're going to have a lot of people that don't like the faculty believe it or not and me even having Ringo I'm going to have a lot of people tell me it's overrated so um you know, like, you, you can, you can, you can. <laughs> All right, let's give the people what yeah. they want. They no, want no, Halloween no, no. H two O. Except, but this is no, it. I think, you will I think the yourself... faculty is like a fan favorite, though. I, I actually I, see more people. I think you. That. I think you think that, and I think that. But I think there's a lot of people that come to the faculty later on that don't get it, and there's a lot of older people that didn't like it. Um, I, I think the people who think the post scream slashers are horrible yeah. are the ones that are going to root against us. But once again, you're not here to please anyone yeah. but yourself. Well, if, 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 so. if, if, if I'm here to solely pick what I like more, you are. Then yeah. I would pick the faculty in Perfect Blue. Right. Um, do we have a second from Jerry on that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfect Blue and the faculty to me are the best movies from this year, both entertainment value and uh like making you think so we have like essentially we have three people that would say faculty and the faculty's third for me so i mean it's going to be very difficult for me to sway any ease around from that Mm -hmm. so we'll put the faculty through right so that that's Mm -hmm. that's got that's got number one spot that we have two people for ringu and two people for perfect blue which is where the issue starts to get a bit more tricky um What's your thoughts on that? We could make history though in anime going through. I could, yeah. Though I listen, I, well, well, what, my, what is Andrew? Well, think, yeah, actually, because I, I I don't feel like I, I like no, really yeah. got. Yeah. What do you th- I I just really think that if I'm gonna if I'm really gonna go back if I'm gonna like really think about it I the the impact that Ringu had on me over Perfect Blue is just bigger. It, it's it scared me more. It's more. Uh, I it, I don't know. It, it I mean I think you like it Blue, more. You, you I like Ringu, I like Ringu better. I like Ringu better. I do. I just. I got a I question for you. Perfect Blue. Perfect Blue is about like about four or five on my list. Uh, I got a question for you. Sure. You, you said Ringu impacted you a lot, but what other like Japanese? Did you ever watch like the original like Japanese Juwan? Did you watch like yeah, yeah I've seen Hiro, I've seen, I've like, seen how, Dark Dark Water. Like, so have you only watched like the ones that got American remakes? Um, I mean, I think I, I mean I'd have to really like go back and look at what I've seen. But you but saw most of them have been remade at this point. And so. did you see the American ring before the Japanese ring? Yes. So see is that it, that actually is, is impressive that you like it that much when you've seen the it's second. Right. And and for me that says I feel like it's more the influence of the American remakes <laughs> than it is you the know, original Japanese. Say, it, if you remember back in if you remember now. back in my review, I said that I thought the American yeah. version seemed like a watered down version did say of that. the Japanese version. And they watched the Japanese version and then he preferred the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I know, but I'm saying it didn't seem like it influenced you to watch ones that didn't. I, I, I think I did, what, 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 what I would say is, in his defense uh, here, not speaking for you too much here, a lot of those remakes came out before you could get those Japanese movies. So Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think but what Jerry's also... saying is just that 
it the, the 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 true influence to the reason you checked out all these japanese films is because you saw the american remake <laughs> yeah i mean i don't think that that's the case but i mean if that's the argument you want to make that <laughs> i don't know that was some straight like lawyer shit man <laughs> uh, uh, but just, i i always find people who when they say that they like the Japanese films and they watch them. When I start bringing up other movies that have not had like American remakes, mm -hmm. they haven't seen them. Like I'm like, have you seen Marabito? No. I don't think your like or dislike of a movie should be predicated on whether or not you've like, I like, there's, there's a couple of slashers I, that I think are like incredible, like standalone movies. Um, I wouldn't call myself a slasher fan. I think most of them, the majority of them, are not very well made and pretty bad. But you know, like I, I, you know, you can you can I see you can see a movie is incredible or you know affects you or whatnot without necessarily having to love the genre or go out your way to explore the genre. It's about the mm -hmm. movie. We're not we're not saying. Well, I'm not um, arguing whether the movie's good or bad. I'm, yeah. I'm arguing the influence it has on you personally. All right, right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that's it seems to me to like at. a lot of the influence is not Ringu, but American Ring. That, 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 that's exactly the opposite of what I yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm weirdly with, like, um, like, I saw Ring first, and then I saw the American remake when it came out in cinemas. And the, one of the reasons I, one of my complaints against the American movie is the change in the narrative. I, I, don't, mm -hmm. like, I don't like the answer on the questions. I think the mystery is gone um, by the end of that movie completely whereas in the Japanese one there's still that there's still an aura of not quite 100% you, she thinks she deciphers the mystery and finds that the mystery she's deciphered there's only one facet of something bigger going on um, where in the American one it's all wrapped up in a nice neat bow at the end uh, which which frustrates me it's like well Oh, another mystery solved, and we would have got yeah, away well, with that's it that's if it wasn't for America your little kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and the Japanese one with this idea of even with all the best will in the world and your your knowledge, and you think you know better, and your compassion and, and all the so rest. It's so sinister. Yeah, it's, it's so the end. Sinister. The end. The end, the end into the Japanese one is infinitely more nihilistic than the, the end of the American one, and ultimately they have the same ending, but it's a delivery up to that point. Um, I, I get the feeling we're at an impasse here. Um, so let me ask you this then: if if Jerry likes Perfect Blue more, and I like Perfect Blue more, yeah. you like Ringu, Ringu more, yeah. and uh, Andrew likes Ringu more. Yeah. What what if it's all about? Do we take other things into consideration at that? You point? You have to. to that's to that's us? the point. Like yeah, if it comes down to you have to you have to expand out because you have to expand your arguments. So you've got your case and points, and now those points are being used. You have to think out with that. And like I say, I didn't want to lean on legacy, but. <laughs> if you're gonna force me, um, I like I listen. I at the end of the day, if Faculty and Perfect Blue went through, Faculty and Perfect Blue go through. I've played this game long enough that I know, I know exactly what's. I know how this plays out. So um, I, I will, I will, I will watch them go into there, and mm. I will watch very, very, very quickly. I can't be a hundred percent sure, but I'm almost ninety percent sure that what will happen is those two movies will go out. The adjudicators will overwrite Perfect Blue and put Ringu in. Ringu will go to the I, I will the bet other you twenty dollars, twenty pounds. I will also bet you twenty pounds that they will not put Ringu over Perfect Blue. <laughs> I, well, right. I don't know so about how, how many. Perfect how many Blue, of the hosts do you be, actually know? You I don't know think one. it'll be Ringu. I think it'll be something else. I think Ringu will go above it, and then I think it will go to the remaining twelve hosts, 
Um, huh. JP, what uh, do you think they would put over Perfect Blue and Ringo? Like, what what movie from the list do you think they would put I in? I don't think you got another one. I don't, I don't know if you guys... I'm not going to say who's there, because I don't think Duncan revealed it. No, I, no like, it's been well revealed at this point. So, Paul Stevenson, Chris Ward, and um, Don and Ellie are the three. Listen... I know the stuff Don and Ellie likes. I follow yeah. his letterbox. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like you're not gonna get a like you're not gonna get something you think out of him. <laughs> he likes Perfect Blue, so but that's all I care about. He does like Perfect Blue. He likes Faculty more. I know that he likes Ring as well, though. Yeah, uh, he probably likes freaking I Stand Alone or something. I don't know, but um, ah, I don't here, see him here, like here's I Stand the Alone. thing. Too arty. Here's the thing, guys, because like it, it, I think that this kind of relies on me, really. Um, here, <laughs> because here's the thing: um, you two seem pretty solid. I'm the only one that's kind of wishy-washy on it, and the only reason I am is yes, I like Perfect Blue more, but I actually think if I was taking that that as the argument, all right, we still made it, and I went to other arguments, I think I would lean towards Ringu. Sorry, Jerry. I know you're gonna kill me in my sleep, but <laughs> I told, I did, did I not see when we were all joking at the start? Like, give it enough time. Give yeah, it enough time. You would all be. You'd all be. I want to ride with you, homie. I want to, but like, if I'm being honest, I just think you just remember this in 1999 when I don't back the Blair Witch. You remember this, motherfucker? Because I will not. I will fucking downvote Blair Witch. That is a different constantly. But that's a different show. It's Man. a different show. We it is, a, it is the like curse that you guys are on both and, together. Yeah, and, yeah. It really is. You need, to, you need to be civil here. Um, I mean, like, I've, I've, I've said my piece. I, like, if if the collectively the group wants to put through the Faculty in Perfect Blue, those two movies well, will I, go through. I also it, it think I... Like, no, I, I am in full support of yeah. Ringu and the Faculty because I think that represents what horror is in nineteen. I think that's yeah. I think it's the perfect combination of the I two. Mean, I think it's. I think it's the. I think it's the, almost the last great kind of post scream movie, and so it's almost kind of bookending what started in ninety six, um, and then introduction of something I think is genuinely scary that's about to dominate the landscape for the next yep. five six years. So. That's just that's just the way I see it. I mean, what do I know? I'm outvoted. I don't change my vote, but I'm outvoted. So are you? It's not just about that. It's difficult to say the words like that. Like I said, if you guys want to vote for faculty, I'll happily let it go through. Are you saying you'll happily let it go through if I see Ringo's <laughs> going through? Are you no, I thought we already put through. the faculty. In that's what I'm saying. Yeah, what? Well, yeah. Perfect blue versus Ringo. Yeah, no, no. Like, well, the, the faculty went through because three of you voted for the faculty. Yeah. And I was just saying that I, I, I will acquiesce to that in a jovial and well-mannered nature. I just don't want <laughs> you to. I just don't want you to withdraw the many proposals that you've made towards me because I've uh, I put forward Ringu and everyone's went that way. I want you to love me. Is what I'm saying, Jim. No, I, listen, I mean, listen. I'm, you I, just need to pay off the adjudicators. Is what you need to do. Yep. <laughs> yep. With, with the right with the right word, the way, the right uh, the right payments. Uh, they could put. Well, you still need to get all the other. But then you gotta get everybody to vote too. That's the hard bit. That's it's not what we do here. It's about what everyone else then has their say on, and that's what changes it. I think what we've done here is God's work, gentlemen. I think what we've done is we've talked. And that's why I'm an atheist because y'all are putting Ringo <laughs> in over fucking Perfect Blue. <laughs> I I have had I have had to accept that my third favorite movie from the year was the one that was uh, that went through first. And not my first no, favorite. I, that's why I said I'm outvoted, so I take my loss. 
But uh, but uh, will you gracefully allow? Yeah. <laughs> and what, what we're saying here is, when 1999 swings around, are you going to be a cunt about it? <laughs> if I am outvoted, I am outvoted. Right. Those are my words. That's a uh, that's a very non-committal answer. I'm dying on my hill. My, I'm dying on my hill, and my last words are, if I'm outvoted, I'm outvoted. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> With that in mind, uh, we are putting forward formally and with good will uh, the faculty <laughs> and Ringu representing so 1999. Uh, I'm crying. I want to. I'm accepting my loss. First, you cried that we crying. loved it, and now you're crying. And then you backstab me, both of you. I feel so betrayed. <laughs> With that in mind, those two movies will go forward to the adjudicators. On the next segment that you hear recorded, we will either have a transcript, which I'll read out, or have one of them on with me. Tell me if there are any changes I want to make. Now remember, the adjudicators get to make one swap, um, which would then go to the remaining hosts that were not on this episode to vote yay or nay on. Um, you've listened to some of these episodes, so you know it works. All that's left for me to do is thank my guests. You guys have been in so far for the longest recording, uh, so well done. Doesn't surprise me. I'm from 22 shots. Uh, yeah, this is the <laughs> longest one. Um, and this is the point where you get to sell your wares. So let's swing it first to uh, Jerry. Jerry, what shows are you on? Where can people oh, check yeah, you on? Pick the crying man. <laughs> <laughs> I am on Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. Uh, every once in a while, we do a sideshow called Jerry Hates Action. And uh, every once in a while, I still pop up on Mary with Children podcast so you can check us out by typing kill the cast pretty much anywhere facebook page facebook group twitter youtube uh all kinds of great stuff um so come check that out i don't know when this is going out so i'm not going to talk about any future episodes because i don't want to disappoint you but we did just do an awesome episode on suicide club from 2001 and i explained fucking everything in that movie so if you've seen it and you don't understand it jp uh you can listen to that and know everything. <laughs> nice. GP, sell your wares. Uh, yeah, 22 shots of moods and horde.com. Uh, you can find all our episodes, horophilia.com, all of our episodes, stuff like that. We're currently on summer break, uh, which we do every year, so not a lot of content. But I'm working with the Fantasia Film Festival on my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. uh, youtube.com slash double shot J. And uh, I'll actually have a review. By the time you hear this, it'll be up of Sadako, the new ring film. Oh, which wow. Is, you know, part of what we talked about today. And uh, the original director came back. I knew it. You were bald off. <laughs> 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 the original director directed this new film. And uh, you can check that out. Other than that, man, just hit me up on social media and we could be friends. Nice. And finally, from yourself, Andrew, where can people check your show? Yeah, we are uh, Friday the 13th, a horror podcast. Uh, we do horror in real life, horror in the media. Come check us out. We're on all the social medias. Just search for uh, Friday 13 on Twitter and Instagram and search us Friday the 13th on uh, Facebook and come come play with us. <laughs> Phenomenal. Guys, I honestly can't thank you enough for spending time going through this. A hell of a lot of work to get to this point. Um, for Andrew, thank you very much for, even though we're doing it in reverse order, thank you for appearing on your last episode until the round table. Uh, <laughs> however, um, we do have one more episode in the series. We still have to look at 1999. I'll be joined by both Jerry and JP, and Mark Ball will be making an appearance on that one. And Mark is closer to your age, 
So I will be the grumpy old man on that episode. <laughs> looking forward to get off my fucking lawn. Um, I'm going to take my final break of this episode. Um, no, second final break of this episode. Because uh, you're going to hear th- stuff from adjudicators. And we'll find out how close we got to being right. According to them. You're going to hear that after a very short break. Where we're going to play promos for shows that I love. A little bit of music. And we'll return with the answers right after this. So it was written, and after all these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen and become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of very unclean and hateful men. Yeah. What you see is what you get now Exhibit never wait around for no kick down Got my own shit loud Shot heard around the world Uplift, bench press, arm curl Keep the structure of the temple To make things simple My existence is a ripple through time Only concerned with what is mine Divine, never monkey shine Walking down a very thin line Holding heat, running crazy in the street yeah. Plus the company I keep putting overtime While you oversleep, don't want to see None of this evil I speak Around the atlas From the rata to super actress You all get clotheslined and pinned to the mattress all day every day every which way who said you can't have your cake you need it too kid this is hard time on planet earth yeah, yeah. for what it's worth exhibit stand rotation without rehabilitation like this
And there we go, there we go. Didn't think it was going to end this episode, did you? You thought it was just going to continue on and on. Dodgy deals were made, hearts were broken, betrayal was afoot, but we finally settled on our two movies. Now, the next question you need to ask yourself is, well, now that we have our two movies, did the adjudicators agree or disagree with that? Now, I will be honest, I kind of genuinely thought we were going to have some contentious adjudicator involvement, and that never actually happened at all. The adjudicators came back and pretty much agreed with where we went with this one, siding with Ringu and the faculty as well. So those were the two movies that we all collectively agreed on as hosts, and collectively the adjudicators have picked the same. Which means we can now turn our attention to the People's Council. Their spokesperson, David Garrett Jr. said... Hello all. David Garrett Jr. back again representing the People's Council to relay our decision for 1998 in the TPUT Summer Top 10 Challenge Series, 90s edition. In our final voting, the two films that took a majority uh, that we felt best represented the year were Ring You and The Faculty. We're curious to see what Duncan and the host decide, as well as the adjudicators, to see if they agree as well. Uh, talk to you again next episode. And there we go, there we go, on point, on side, all uniform, all in order, Voltron up like a motherfucker. Ringu and the faculty are the picks for the People's Council. So, yeah, one of those rare occasions where we are all in harmony, singing from the same hymn sheet, we all selected the same two movies. So there we go. No need to spend any longer in this very long episode talking about anything else, which means I can now say I'm going to take my final break and when I come back, I'm closing out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been the Summer Teapot's Top 10 series, 90s edition, looking at 1998 on episode 198. And the two movies selected moving forward are Ringu and The Faculty. Whoo, how does that feel? Was that a slog? Did you manage to make it to the end? Hopefully you skipped over not a second of this episode. You didn't jump right to the end to find out what we said about the movies. You stuck through and enjoyed every second of the conversation because we enjoyed recording it just for you. Only one episode left in this series before we take a short break and return with a massive two-part roundtable. The first part of the roundtable will be myself and the guest hosts over several separate recordings which we pieced together in one giant episode kind of going back through the entire decade the hosts getting to make comment on the years that they were on as well as the years they weren't to see whether they totally agreed or disagreed with what had happened and did they side with the adjudicators when the adjudicators mentioned about swapping movies the second part will land later on that week and will be the reveal of what the official list of movies are and we will sit down and clock out exactly where each of the hosts lined up where they had them. Now on that episode, like I say, it's going to be very, very long, we won't be doing the People's Council's list. Instead what I'll do is the day that we have finished the Summer Teapot's Top 10 series, so this time next week I will drop 
an official list of what the People's Council 20 were and you guys will have approximately two weeks to put them in order yourselves and submit them through and then mid-October we will return with a very special bonus episode where I will be interviewing the People's Council um, some of them anyway will be coming on the show to be interviewed about how the experience was for them and then we will reveal the official vote casted list ordered by you guys the listeners for the People's Council list so we'll have a definitive list dropping mid-October time uh, and that'll be the series put to bed for another year a lot of hard work has went into this and hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as we have doing it there's much of the ways to check out podcasts under the stairs as always to say come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts subscribe to the feed that way you get the shows as and when they drop leave us a rating and a review it's the best way to support us on that platform you can also check us out on Stitcher Smart Radio SoundCloud Google Play TuneIn Spotify and all manner of podcatchers out there we're everywhere we're absolutely everywhere you can visit our website by going to tputzcast.com you can buy merch like posters and pins from our merch page which is tputzcast.bigcartel.com you can visit us on Facebook if you want to join the group page and interact with other listeners and chat about horror and the show that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast if you're only interested when the shows are dropping or occasionally check out a live stream or a thirsty thirsty then you can do it by going to facebook.com forward slash tputzcast Cast. You can interact with myself and the bars on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at Teapots Cast. Nice and easy. Why not come across and check us out on the Flick Chat app? It's available on Android and iOS as social media for podcasters and listeners to interact in a message board environment where you can listen to the podcast through that app and post on the many discussion threads that we have listed for what we're doing over there. It's free to join and it's easy to find us. If you check the show notes, you'll see the link to the page right there. Couldn't be any easier. If you are too lazy to check that though, if you download the app and create yourself a profile, if you hit the join by code button and type in the podcast under the stairs, all lowercase and all one word, you can join our group page that way as well. We have cleared 100 members, so I'm very excited about that. And uh, yeah, it's where all the happening conversation happens. We always post one specifically about these shows. So as and when you finish the show, let me know what two movies you would have put through for 1998. Right, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you very much for your patience. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I will be back on Thursday for a bonus episode of some description talking about something that I haven't decided yet what that looks like. Who knows? Uh, and also, be forewarned, we are only two weeks away from Bazoween, motherfuckers. Strap yourself in for the return of the mighty Baz. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and what have you up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. And it goes a little something like this.
Peace out.